Hey folks, it's Cody Stoffer with Playmakers Corner here to tell you about Code Red Coaching. Competing in athletics means you've lifted the weights, you've watched film, and you've got the passion. Problem is, that's what everyone else in the state has done. Perfect your game by honing in on your mental performance with Code Red Coaching. Whether you are a team or an individual, Code Red Coaching has the tools to create mentally solid habits and set up you or your team for success. Find Code Red Coaching at coderedcoaching.com or call 720-979-1914 to learn more today. That's coderedcoaching.com or 720-979-1914 today. Now back to the show. Hey y'all and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am going to be one of your hosts for today's episode or the showrunner I suppose on episode 209 where we have our week 10 recap and we also have playoff previews where we're going to go through brackets and whatnot. Lots of implications here in week 10 for 1, 2, 4, and 5A where the playoff brackets have been released and myself, Gideon, and Simon all filled one out and we have quick reasonings and talks through kind of what our vision is for each of these tournaments but we're going to get into that after our normal scheduled recap here and so let's go ahead and start with some Thursday games that were pretty notable and as I talk about these games I'm going to kind of ping pong back and forth between the win and what that means for that team in the playoff picture so just stay balanced here with me so In Thursday news on the 2A level outside of the game that Coach V went to where we will hear about that at the end of this Thursday recap segment here, we had Basalt, who's number seven in 2A, take care of business against Aspen here, finishing their undefeated season, going 9-0, and also rushing for six touchdowns in this last game over Aspen. That has secured the seven seed, in the upcoming postseason. In other 2A news against one of Basalt's rivals, actually, Moffat County, they take care of business as well against Grand Valley, winning 41 to nothing. Evan Atkin with a 90-yard performance on only four carries. They were able to kind of coast to this victory as well as securing the number 13 seed in the upcoming tournament. So both those teams being playoff teams is what I talked about at the beginning of the year. And so we're glad to see, well, I'm glad to see those projections come to fruition. And then I'd say the one of the last two-way big things outside of the one that Coach V went to is Bennett did beat up on Wellington 58-14. to That puts them at 7-2 and on the season with their only losses being to 1A Strasburg and Devlin High School. So with that big win over Wellington, that actually allowed Bennett to sneak into the postseason here as the 15 seed. So that was a much needed win over the weekend to kind of boost them into this spot. Now, while the 3A season still has a single week left, we still got to talk about some important 3A games that did occur that are going to impact seeding in some way. And there were a couple of upsets actually on Thursday night that were pretty big news here. Harrison beats Pueblo Central 28-16 from a huge 14-point fourth quarter that catapults them. Pueblo Central was sitting at 16 in the overall rankings, and so Harrison might have just knocked them out of the postseason with that win and definitely put themselves in a pretty good spot. A couple noticeable uh, performances here. You know, Davis Voss, who's a senior, had 10 tackles, four of those being for loss. TJ Washington, 
18 tackle performance, two of those for loss. Ralph Cushion, three tackle for loss. Uh, Carney Valdez had three tackles for loss. So, you know, plenty of those going around. Four total sacks. Great defensive effort against this Pueblo Central team that is usually so solid on the ground. Harrison outlasts them in this game. Even though, you know, I mean, Pueblo Central, they only scored eight points in each half. So great defensive performance by Harrison here to give themselves a shot to sneak into one of those 16 slots on the 3A level. Also, in some other 3A news, Pueblo East gets upset by Discovery Canyon 16-13. Pueblo East was sitting around that 16-13 range there. And so this loss might also knock them out of the playoffs and obviously gives Discovery a Discovery Canyon a little bit more of a chance. Discovery Canyon sitting at 6-3 and three and having a home game against Sand Creek is interesting. But Pueblo East is at 7-2. and two. We'll see how that all shakes out. But that was probably a must-win game for Pueblo East as far as wanting to guarantee a spot for themselves in the postseason. So, you know, a couple of Pueblo teams taking a loss this Thursday evening and putting their seasons potentially, potentially, in jeopardy, but we'll see how the last week shakes out as well. Now, on the 4A level, there weren't a lot of crazy games here. Actually, there wasn't a crazy game, uh, but as far as quick score recaps here, Bear Creek loses to Ponderosa 49-7. Ponderosa securing themselves a nice buy in the postseason as the, it looks like the three seed, I suppose, and they await the you know, well, actually, I'll save that. I'll save the matchups for later. But they do get the three seed in the postseason, and Bear Creek will finish the season as the 18 seed in 4A. Speaking of buys as well, Loveland secured themselves a buy with a big win over Longmont here to end the season and give themselves the four seed actually. So just opposite side of the bracket from Pondo. And then, last but not least, here Erie finishes the season with a 44-6 win over Greeley West here. Now, that does not give them a bye, but it does give them the 11 seed in the upcoming postseason. And for 5A news in the realm of, you know, games that matter during this last week, I mean, just looking at scores, one of the really notable ones I want to say is Castleview beating Highlands Ranch 23-14 and looking at this, you know, playoff bracket for 5A, I don't see Highlands Ranch High School. I think that they needed to win and they were in, but they lost to Castleview. So Castleview playing spoiler on Highlands Ranch season. Kudos have a big performance from Joe Urseta out of the backfield, 129 yards in this game. And then obviously, you know, buckling down on this Highlands Ranch defense or on this offense that was only able to score 14 points and all of those coming in the second half here. So Castleview playing spoiler and ending Highlands Ranch season on Thursday night in incredible fashion. Mullen gets a big win over Rangeview, 35-14, and that actually catapults them into the playoffs. They were at like the 25 spot, I want to say. So they actually do get to climb up and in to the 23 slot for the postseason. In some other news that is pretty inconsequential, but just want to shout out scores here. Pomona ends their season on a win over Lakewood, 24-16, and Denver East ends their season on a 26-6 win over Mountain Range. All of those team seasons are over, however. 
Cherokee Trail in some Centennial League action punches their ticket to the postseason for, I mean, at least the third year in a row, at least as long as we have been covering Colorado football, punch their ticket. Elliot Ming here, the sophomore quarterback, goes 10 of 18 for 228 yards, three scores and a pick as they just outlast Smoky Hill here, 28 to 23. Eight points in that fourth quarter would be enough to catapult the Cougars to a win over Smoky Hill. And like I said, give themselves the 22 seed in the postseason. And then last but not least here, Fairview with a 24 to 7 win over Rocky Mountain. This allows the Knights season to end at a very solid 9-1 record. And, you know, they get huge performances here from out of their backfield. Zach Lewis, 11 carries, 122 yards, and a touchdown. And then catching the ball, Jordan Rochelle, sophomore sensation. Seven receptions, 79 yards, and a score as well. With the defense holding up their end. Zach Lewis getting it done on both sides of the ball. 15 tackles, five of those for loss. And then Villarreal here, the sophomore. 16 tackles and two of those being for loss. So, you know, pretty impressive uh, season here from Fairview. 9-1. and one. Um, You know, that's that lives up to par and that gives them the 14 seed i thought that it might have given them a buy but uh you know they will be facing off against the 19th seed to start the postseason and that is the action from thursday night from the general scores here but i'm gonna go ahead and pass it to coach v here to catch you up on a big 2a matchup between the academy and eaton What's good, y'all? Welcome back. Uh, it's Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about this league championship game here in 2A between Eden and the Academy, both teams with one loss on the season, uh, both out-of-league games here, Eden losing to TCA to begin the season, and then the Academy losing to Delta, which we covered a couple episodes back. But here we go. They meet up here, Eden coming down south to play the Academy for the league championship. And as it stood uh, before this game here, Eden was ranked ahead of them according to the playoff index. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some out implications, playoff implications in this game as well as far as rankings go. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about this game here. So to go ahead and start it, the Academy would start off with the ball here and they would try to test Eden's uh secondary pretty early on here just to see you know how good they are and you know <laughs> the answer is that they are extremely good uh you can look at the stats and whatnot but they really don't lie you know Isaiah Elliott does take a shot downfield kind of early on here on this drive and it is in triple coverage here and Trent Salberg goes ahead and picks this one off and returns it and so Eden actually takes over on the 47 pass midfield now they do start with running the ball they got Morgan Trebet who uh runs it up the middle twice there and then actually gets uh gets the ball again a third time to go ahead and give them a first down and extend this Eden drive get some rhythm going here 
Uh, at that point, they're about on the 25 or so here. And right after that, that's when Walker Martin, Eden's quarterback, drops back. And he hits his favorite target, Zach Grable, up the seam for a 26-yard touchdown. That's one of his favorite routes to throw there. Uh, almost unstoppable, to be honest with you, without Eden plays football. And just like that, Eden takes a 7-0 lead after the PAT with about 7 minutes, 21 seconds left here in the first quarter now the academy tries something i guess something new here and they try to run the ball a lot with isaiah elliott on this next drive here but it honestly just doesn't work out too well uh they call it i want to say three times in a row oh sorry they call a pass play which didn't work out and he scrambled and then they call a designed quarterback run two more times which didn't work out here on that third and five. Ryder Chu would go ahead and hammer Elliott pretty pretty tough here and stop him short, forcing a three and out on the academy. Now, Eden wouldn't fare too well on the next drive. Uh, a run up the middle by D'Angelo Rosas and a dropped pass here would go ahead and bring up third and long, third and ten. And on this down here, Walker Martin would aim for the corner route here but it was just overthrown it wasn't really open anyways and so just like that Eden goes three and out as well not able to quite extend uh, their early lead now the academy gets the ball back here there's about five minutes left in this quarter and they decide to take a different approach and kind of give up on the passing game almost and they call a bunch of runs they call a QB dive with Isaiah Elliott uh, they get Jay Donahue, the running back, a couple of touches. And on one of these touches, he finds a crease on an outside zone play here and gets a nice 15-plus yard gain for a first down. Uh, that would put them on the 42 pass midfield. Uh, another couple of Donahue runs and then an Isaiah Elliott midline read option would be good for another first down, putting them on the 31. And then this is kind of where things started to go wrong here, you know. A couple plays later, it's third and three. But then there's a, there's a penalty that makes a third and eight. I believe it's a false start penalty there. But, you know, on third and eight, Isaiah Elliott, he drops back. And then he does his best Johnny Manziel impression. Makes a couple defenders miss. Reverses fields and gets the first down. But they go ahead and call a holding penalty, I want to say, on the academy. And so it is a very long third and 25 here and that's when you know they're forced to throw it here Isaiah Elliott goes deep but once again the receiver was very well covered here and so the ball is actually tipped here but Trent Solberg would go ahead and get another interception his second of the night here in the second of the first quarter uh right here and give Eden the ball at about the 10 yard line and right before the quarter ends Ryder True would run the ball and get six yards there and so here we go to start the second quarter Eden has the ball it's second and four here and they're trying to put together a nice drive to go ahead and extend this lead and you know it starts with this Ryder True run here which only really happened because of some excellent blocking he's basically untouched uh, shout out to Morgan Trebet. He actually gets out there and lead blocks for him. And he kind of just drives the defender, the corner, into the ground and out of bounds. And that kind of cuts Ryder True loose, who goes for about 40-plus yards and just gashes this academy 
defense here. He is ran down eventually, but by that point, Eden is on the 30-yard line past midfield on the other side of the field here. So, there you go there. Uh, a couple plays later, they are in a 31 situation, but it doesn't matter. Morgan Trebet takes care of business, breaks a couple of tackles, and gets them a first down. That would make it, it, it would make it first down on the goal line here. And eventually, Walker Martin would go ahead, drop back, and throw the slant route to his guy, Austin Martinez, a fellow senior here, for the touchdown. And interesting enough here, you know, Eden, it looks like, was going to kick the PAT, but then they call a penalty on the academy. It was probably encroachment, and so they moved it up. They moved the attempt up, and that's when Eden decided to go for two points because, you know, they're basically up on the goal line, and that's when they call a dive to Morgan Trebet, who goes up and over, and he makes it a 15-0 to game here a pretty dominant 15 to 0 game now the academy they have about i would say 10 minutes left here in the second quarter so there's plenty of time here and they get it started with a nice return to the 44 yard line and on this drive here i mean they're really sticking to the run you know they they really are sticking to the run here um the one time they do throw it, it's like third and six to start this drive um, it, the, Isaiah Elliott rolls out and throws the ball, but they do call a P.I. on Eden. The ball was dropped, by the way, but they call a P.I. on Eden, and so that actually gives the Academy a first down. But other than that, they're really just trying to run it. Uh, a lot of direct snaps and handoffs to Jay Donahue. He got nine yards uh, right after that, and then he would get a first on a direct snap. Uh, so there you go. Uh, and, I mean, they just really fed him the ball here. And so it's fourth down after a lot of penalties and kind of miscues. That's kind of when things start to slow down here. And that's when the academy decides to go for it because at this point, uh, they're kind of, they're in the red zone here. You know, they're on the other side of the field, but it's like fourth and like 10 or something like that. And so they go ahead and try to run, or they call a pass, but then Isaiah, Isaiah Elliott takes off and scrambles, and so he makes it a run play here, but he is definitely dragged down short here, and so Eden takes over on the 10, playing really good defense, by the way, forcing the academy into just running the ball, and, you know, kind of making them struggle a little bit. There were a couple holding penalties that stalled that drive, so... There you go, but Eden takes over with about 5 minutes, 55 seconds left here in the second quarter. And they get a pretty solid drive here, running it with D'Angelo Rosas, uh, throwing it at times with Walker Martin here. Um, but mostly D'Angelo Rosas, like I said, he really got going. He found a couple openings, got them a first down and all that. After it was a, like a really long third and 20, by the way. Uh, Morgan Trebet would get, also get them a first down on a nice toss on this play and then get them another consecutive first down. That will put them on the 30 there. But eventually, it's fourth and six here. Eden wants to go for it to go ahead and, you know, put a nail in this coffin and continue this drive and hopefully score here. But, you know, they run the play. I believe they get the first down here. But they they call it an illegal formation on Eden. And so, instead of the first down, uh, 
you know, that they got on fourth down. It's fourth and ten. So that's when Eden decides to punt it. And it's a pretty solid punt. You know, they put the academy on the 14-yard line with about 2 minutes, 24 seconds left. And so they have to pretty much drive the length of the field here. And so that starts with an Isaiah Elliott slant route throw, which is good for a first down, a rare pass here that works out for the academy. And then after that, Isaiah Elliott tries to roll out here. Looks like for another pass, but Gunner Clary goes ahead and tracks him down. Kind of goes step for step with him, and he sacks him, making it third and 16. Then Isaiah Elliott, he tries uh, to get some yards here on the quarterback keeper. Obviously, I think they're just trying to get a couple yards to make it a more manageable fourth down here. But um, he's definitely tackled short by Trent Salberg, who makes it fourth down and five here now the academy i thought was gonna go for it um like i said i thought they were just gonna get some yards here and try to go for it but they don't and so they go ahead and line up for what it looks like to be um it looks like they're about to go for it you know it's a normal formation but what they end up calling is a punt with isaiah elliott he's lined up at quarterback normally not farther than you know he would be at quarterback but he takes a snap, and it looks like he's going to punt it, but that is blocked. And so Eden actually takes over on the 32 with about a minute 14 left. Uh, didn't really like that call. I'm going to be honest with you. Either go for it or, you know, call a normal punt. Um, you can't be messing around against Eden in the league championship in a game like this. And that's what they did. And so Eden, they take over on the 32. They got about a minute left here. They just want to get some points here. And uh, so that starts with Walker Martin. He goes ahead and uh, takes a shot to the back of the end zone. He has the receiver open here, but it is slightly overthrown here. Uh, just a step too far for the receiver. But doesn't matter. Walker, he goes ahead and scrambles, making it a manageable third and five situation with 59 seconds left. Um, then he would drop back again, he would scramble again, and it would be 4th and 3 here. And so, they are on the 32-yard line, uh, just outside of the red zone. And so that's when Eden decides to go ahead and kick this 42-yarder with a Zach Grable. And he actually makes it. And so it's 18-0 to with about 48 seconds left now of the academy. They basically run out this clock, and that is halftime. Eden pretty much dominating this game. Uh, with a three-score lead so far here. And to make things worse, Eden would actually receive the ball here, so they would have a chance to make it a four-score game. And so they really open up this next drive and the second half with a bunch of runs. They're giving it off uh, to Morgan Trebet, who's getting some nice yardage. They're also handing it off to Ryder True, who is um, finding some open lanes here. Really great blocking, by the way. He finds an open lane right up the middle, gets a nice first down pass midfield. But unfortunately, they call an unsportsmanlike uh, penalty on the offense. And so it's still a first down, but because they got the first down after uh, words in, or sorry, they got the first down first and then the unsportsmanlike happened afterwards, they just moved the ball back. And so instead of him, instead of Eden being past midfield, they are back on the 38, which is where they started um, basically on this drive. So. There you go there. And then add on another false start. That makes it first and 15. 
And then they try to run it with Ryder True again, but he actually fumbles here, and the academy takes over on the 48 just behind midfield and so the academy gets a couple big breaks here uh very good job forcing that fumble and recovering it though as they did that all on their own and they have a chance to go ahead and score here and so with the academy i mean at this point they know they can't really throw it so they're pretty committed to the run game they're calling a lot of runs here but you know isaiah elliott uh, they go ahead and call a design run for him. He gets the first down, but is definitely hit kind of late out of bounds. And so you go ahead and add on another 15. So that's about a 25-yard gain for the academy here. Eden would get a little bit of of a break here as Gunnar Clary would go ahead and get a nice strip sack on Isaiah Elliott as it looked like they were going to attempt a pass here. Uh, but Clary, he gets there first. He strips the ball. The Academy would luckily go ahead and recover that, so that works out there. And then they would continue to run the ball. A couple direct snaps to Jay Donahue. They don't go anywhere, so it's third and 13. And that's when they call a really good screen to Jay Donahue here. The entire Eden defensive line bit really hard on this, and so there really wasn't anyone there. And so he easily got a good chunk of yardage. Didn't quite get the first down because the ref, uh, I'm just gonna be honest, the ref was in the way, and so it kind of looked like he was preventing Donahue from getting the first down. And so it was an awkward situation where you know Donahue kind of just got brought down a little bit short and so it was fourth and short but they run a direct snap to him anyways and he goes ahead and gets them a first down in the red zone on the 10 yard line and the way this drive would end is with a jay donahue direct snap that goes for a rushing touchdown uh eden still leads 18 to 7 after that pat but it is only a two score game with about six minutes 13 seconds left here in the third quarter now Eden the penalties just continue just not playing great football here as on this kick return they call a penalty on Eden a holding call and so they actually have to take over on the 14 uh, after they got a pretty nice return here but you know D'Angelo Rosas he continues to go to work here with a lot of patience here he breaks loose on a nice run and gets about 20 plus yards breaking this run outside for a first down and putting Eden on the 46. A um, couple plays later D'Angelo Rosas would go ahead and stumble forward for a couple making it third and two and that's when they go ahead and hand it off to Morgan Trebet who powers down the left side makes a couple guys miss runs over a couple guys and gets the first down on a 10 yard gain. Now what happened next was I, I'm gonna be honest I don't know what happened right after that play happened because I looked down took my notes and the next thing I knew the refs threw a flag on Morgan Trebet and I think they actually ejected him from the game which was interesting because I believe that was his first unsportsmanlike if I wasn't mistaken and so he's ejected uh and I don't know what happened and whatnot like I said it didn't look like for my peripherals that anything really happened there but you know, that went down, and uh, the Eden coaches didn't like that, and so they would actually throw another unspo unsportsmanlike on Eden. And so when all is said and done, ooh, it's about first and 30, because he did get the first down, but they are backed up quite a bit here, so it's like first and about 30 
here. Now, I Eden's kind of in a little bit of shell shock. I didn't think they were going to throw out Morgan Trebet. I think that might have been maybe a little bit too much. But like I said, I don't know what happened. And so I'm just going to leave that at that, though. And so here we go. It is first and extremely long here. Walker Martin takes a shot downfield. It's in, in, it's incomplete. You know, just not the greatest situation here. And um, I, it looks like a little bit of a miscommunication. So there you go. And then D'Angelo Rosas, he actually gets a really nice run here. Uh, a great run, arguably, finding a lane outside. And so he makes it into a manageable third and six. And so Eden here, they go ahead and drop Walker Martin back. He scans, he doesn't see anything, and so he tries to scramble here. He looks like he's about to get the first down, but um, I think somebody tackled him from behind and punched the ball out. And so it's another fumble, and the academy recovers it again and so the academy actually takes over on the 41 with about three minutes and 15 seconds left here and they basically run out uh the rest of the clock here in this third quarter and that would lead into the fourth quarter and to start the fourth quarter here it's basically fourth and inches they did move the ball just a little bit here and they go ahead and get the first down on the quarterback keeper here now sean smith right after that will get a very nice run here almost scores uh, but they call him down on the one yard line as he is dragged down short but it doesn't matter isaiah elliott he goes ahead and punches this one in making it an 18 to 13 game uh they did try to go for two here but definitely did not get it so that happened but there's about 10 minutes 39 seconds left there is plenty of time here and so eden you know, they've had two straight drives where they've had fumbles and, you know, the other team has recovered it, obviously. And the Academy has scored off of all of those fumbles. On top of that, you're also losing one of your best athletes in Morgan Trebet, who's not in the game at all. And he plays both sides, uh, was obviously making plays as both a runner and a blocker on offense. And so if you're Eden, you're kind of reeling a little bit. And so a huge props to this offense, but they just go ahead and go to work here. And that starts with Mark Walker Martin on the read option. He finds a lane and gets a nice first down. D'Angelo Rosas then gets another nice run. And that's good for another first down. Uh, they're at about midfield right here after taking over on the 20. Um, so there you go there. But couple plays later Eden they're trying to run the ball they're just not getting as much yards as they could and so it's fourth and four like I said they're at about midfield and Eden decides to go ahead and call a timeout the first one of the second half and then they decide to go for it here on fourth down and four here we go it's fourth down and four and it is a pass play walker martin drops back and he feels the pressure and he goes ahead and throws it right over the middle here uh and this kid white rider true is wide open the ball does come out a little fast but you know and a little high as well but it doesn't matter as rider true makes arguably the play of the year here in colorado high school football Catches it Odell style, basically one-handed, fully extended, all fingertips, it looks like. And then goes ahead and rumbles down the field 
for another 40 plus yards 30 40 plus yards uh, before he's eventually tracked down at the goal line and so just like that Eden you know with some nice runs from Walker Martin D'Angelo Rosas and then this sports center-esque play from Ryder True is right on the goal line with a chance to go ahead and re-extend this lead and that is what they do here Walker Martin on the keeper well first off he uh scrambles and he's knocked out just short but he goes ahead and runs a quarterback sneak and he gets in as eden extends their lead to 25 to 13 here um just a gut punch uh, absolute gut punch to the academy who had so much momentum here but you know the academy they're not out of it uh they do take over on the 29 with about six minutes and four seconds left here in this fourth quarter and so here's what they do they go ahead and run it and they get a first down a good way to start this drive but then you know Isaiah Elliott they drop him back he tries to scam scramble around here and he is tackled for a loss and then once again they try to drop him back uh, and he feels a little bit of the pressure and so doesn't throw the greatest ball it is incomplete and so that brings up third and ten here and so on 3rd and 10, the Academy, they tried to call a screen pass. It looks like the same screenplay they called to Jay Donahue early on, uh, where he got a nice chunk of yardage in this almost exact same situation. But Ryder True reads this one this time, runs up to the running back, waits a minute because he gets there slightly early. And right as the ball gets to the running back, he goes ahead and hammers that back and he drops it. And so there you go. It is fourth and 10 here. The Academy, they have to go for it. Uh, they're just behind midfield. And so here we go. They go ahead and call a pass play. Isaiah Elliott drops back. He is aiming for his number one receiver, Derek Rail, uh, on this out route. He throws it. But number 11 for Eden, that's Benson Hood, times this hit extremely well and absolutely obliterates him on this out route. And uh, Derek, he obviously drops this ball here. And so Eden actually takes over on downs. Now, I do have to say, Derek, he did definitely get pretty shooken up. I, like I said, it wasn't a dirty hit. It was as textbook as you could hope for. Uh, he just took a really hard hit, and it kind of looks like he had a little bit of whiplash off of his head hitting the ground. And so I think that was kind of a big deal there. And so he would actually have to exit this game and go get checked out. I believe he went to the hospital and whatnot. And so obviously wishing all the best to Derek and whatnot, you know. But, you know, I am just going to say it was a great hit by Benson Hood, and honestly, that's just football. Stuff like that happens, and at this point, I mean, Eden... They could have scored probably. That probably would have helped out the ranking in RPI. But they did the right thing. And they go ahead and run a couple runs here. Get a couple first downs. And then with about two minutes left is when they start taking knees here. Uh, just running out the rest of this clock. And uh, that's basically what they do here. And that's pretty much a game as Eden wins their league 25-13. to You know, really rallying here in the fourth quarter after having kind of a horrible third quarter where they had two lost fumbles. You know, their best player, one of their best players got ejected and all that. And they just had so many penalties in that third quarter. And they bounced back, scored here right after that. Two big runs and then an uh, extremely great play by Ryder True. Like I said, just making a play here. Um, and 
winning this game, you know, and then on defense doing their thing, you know, just very physical plays to end uh, that drive there. And so big props to Eden. If I did have to give a playmaker of the game, uh, I would say would have to go to Ryder True. He was everywhere at linebacker and he contributed kind of a lot on offense as well. Just going crazy in this one. So there you go there. But Eden, they go ahead and actually might be the one seed here. Uh, because of some other things that went on in the state. And so just keep an eye out for that. But there you go. Thank you, Coach V. And we will be hearing more from him later, as well as Gideon on some of their recaps. But first, let's go ahead and dive into some 5A action on Friday's games here. And so one of the notable ones here, Rowson Valley beats Arvada West 49-21. to both of these teams will be teams that we are seeing in the postseason. Rouson Valley with the number three overall seed in the postseason. And then Arvada West with the 21 seed in the postseason. Speaking of high seeds here, Valor Christian here survives a crazy game against Mountain Vista. This game was actually tied at 28 apiece heading into halftime. And Mountain Vista was even leading heading into the fourth quarter 35 to 34 here but valor christian scores 15 unanswered points in the fourth quarter here to go ahead and reclaim the lead here and win this game 49 to 35 crazy here because valor christian actually gets a rushing touchdown from roman bradley with a about a minute left here and they get the two-point conversion to go up 42 to 35 and Mountain Vista here actually turns over on downs and Valor Christian with the ball on the 33 yard line manages to rip off a long play here with a big run by Jake Creekler here, a 28 yard touchdown run. And that would give them the 49 to 35 victory way closer than the two touchdowns suggests, honestly, with Valor scoring both of those in the final minute of this game and securing the number two seed in the postseason here. I wouldn't say really any big surprises there. And then Mountain Vista in this upcoming tournament is actually going to be the 13 seed here and will be playing in that first round. But Mountain Vista, lots to be happy about with this season here. Valor Christian with an incredible resilient end to this game here, running the ball very well throughout this game and you know averaging just over eight yards per carry almost rushing for 400 total yards jake creekler having the most big plays here ripping off a 72 yard long and having over 100 yards but trey stott also having 98 yards himself asher weiner here with 46 yards to boot and then gabe sachuk with 56 and then weiner here going four of ten for 67 yards and a touchdown Austin Marzuski, on the other hand here, throws more INTs than touchdowns in this game, but still goes for over 300 yards. And Sean Conway being the sophomore that feasts the most here with 185 receiving yards on the night. But, you know, uh, Mountain Vista here still putting up really good fights against top teams that have buys. They are not somebody, they're one of these lower seeds here that you do not want to see in the postseason. Speaking of some seeds here, the number 12 seed securing their spot here just ahead of Vista in the overall rankings here is Legacy here, who very much overachieves from my projections. I missed big time on this one, 
After starting off 0-2, they win their last eight games of the season, including one over Mountain Vista here that gives them that seed advantage and finish 8-2 and, and have the 12th seed after finishing the season with a 42-14 win over Brighton. Teams that also got a buy here, Arapahoe High School, they were at the number nine seed heading into this last week of the season, and they obliterate Eagle Crest 38 to nothing in order to provide themselves with the eight seed and the final gap here in that bye week standings here. So big time win. Speaking of big time wins here, Doherty takes care of business against Overland 52 to 28 finishing the season with a very impressive 7-3 record, including going 5-0 in league with wins over Mountain Range, Denver East, Westminster, Northland, and last but not least against Overland here, finishing the season 7-3 and giving themselves the final spot in the playoffs here with the 24 seed. Very exciting to have Doherty, who just a year ago didn't win a single game, Go ahead and get it together this season. Caden Becker here going for 135 yards and Ricky Fletcher going for 103 yards. Three rushing touchdowns between those two. And then Marquez Herrera with two rushing touchdowns of his own to provide Doherty with the 52-28 win over Overland. Teams who got a bye here, Columbine absolutely throttles Chatfield here. Mark Wayne Taylor, four rushing touchdowns. And then Moreno, Harvey, Bossinger, and Snyder all get rushing touchdowns. Eight total touchdowns here to provide Columbine with the number six overall seed and a bye in the postseason. Teams that lost a bye here but should still be pretty happy with their season. Thunder Ridge ending their season 9-1 and one and scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter to beat Rock Canyon, who was up 10 to nothing heading into the fourth quarter, or I should say was at one point up 10 to nothing against Thunder Ridge here in the fourth quarter. Thunder Ridge getting the ninth seed in the overall uh, standings here and in the postseason. And then Rock Canyon finishing with one of their best seasons, actually maybe even their best season wins and loss wise, seven and three here. They will have the 11th seed in the first round of the postseason. And in some really surprising news here, both these teams, I'm sure we could see both having a bye heading into the postseason. Grandview here with the four seed, Cherry Creek with the one seed. Grandview beats Cherry Creek 24 to 21, giving Creek their only in-state loss of the year this year. <clears throat> and, you know, Grandview persevering here through just really tough defense and then a couple of big plays down the stretch here to score 10 points in the fourth quarter here and get a dub. You know, Cherry Creek, they were up here um, 14 or 21 to 14, I should say. But then Grandview with seven minutes to go, they get a field goal from Kyle Chavez, a 29-yard field goal. And then they recover a fumble on the 49-yard line with about seven minutes to go. And they drive all the way down here. Liam Zarka with a one-yard rushing touchdown to put them ahead with Three minutes to go here. Cherry Creek turning over on downs. And Grandview getting a huge win here to give them the fourth seed in the playoffs. They are on the same side of the bracket, I am pretty sure here. And so that'll be interesting if they do get to have a rematch later in this postseason. Now, in some 4A news, uh, don't worry about the uh, Fossil Ridge game here. 
because Gideon will catch us up on that. Just know that that resulted in Pooter with the 18 seed and Fossil Ridge with the 10 seed. Both will be playing in the first round. But in some 4A news here, let's go ahead and talk about these Friday scores and see how that impacted some of these standings and where that left some things. So I think one of the bigger matchups here was Montrose versus Pueblo West here. I was tuning into this game while at another game on Friday, another 4A game actually that I will recap at the end of these uh, Friday scores recap. But anyways, Pueblo West, Montrose, they're going back and forth, 14-14, 14-21, 21-21, 21-28, stuff like that here. But Montrose outlasts Pueblo West here, 35-28, to and that results in Pueblo West getting the 14 seed in the postseason. And Montrose holds on to the number five seed here and gets a first round bye following a close win over Pueblo West, as well as Mesa Ridge last week to give them a 4-0 record in league and end the season 8-2. Pueblo West with the 14 seed here, ending their season at 6-4, solid record here, and good performances against some big-time teams here to, you know, kind of give them some confidence heading into the postseason. In some other league news here, Dakota Ridge takes care of business against Stanley Lake 49-6, fueled by a 35-point first quarter here. Noah Triplett, 17 carries, 188 yards, and four scores. Blake Palladino with another very efficient performance here, going 9 of 13 for 192 yards and a touchdown. Seems like he's settling into his groove here. And, you know, Noah Triplett being on the receiving end of that touchdown, two receptions, 107 yards. Noah Triplett with a Playmaker of the Week category experience, or I'd say Playmaker of the Week level performance here. Dakota Ridge with the 13th seed in the postseason. Stanley Lake with the 19th seed. Both of these teams will be playing in the first round. Now, in some Southern Colorado news here, Rampart beats Air Academy 21 to 14 here. They get, you know, start up with a touchdown in every single quarter, excluding the fourth quarter here. A couple of different quarterbacks here. Uh, Hayden Benolt here going 2 of 5 for 18 yards and a touchdown. And then senior Braden Sears going 2 of 7 for a touchdown. Not great completion percentage, but it does help that Maclu Ramaka, I want to say is how you say that, goes 34 carries for 245 yards and a touchdown. Great performance the bell cow guy here who does push Rampart here into the postseason with the 21 seed. They will be playing in the first round and Air Academy finishing just behind them will have the 22 seed and will play in the first round. Air Academy, much of the same here. Sam Beers, 11 carries, 77 yards and Dougherty here with seven of 19 for 79 yards and a touchdown in this really close matchup. Both these teams fighting to keep their season alive and doing exactly that. Uh, Rampart here ending their season four and six before the postseason and Air Academy ending their season six and four. But, you know, Rampart getting that head-to-head -head win to end the season and having a little bit of help strength of schedule-wise to get to that point. One team that these guys both have to thank here is Monarch, who takes care of business against Silver Creek. Silver Creek had the 24 seed heading into last week, and they lose this game 31-21 to to Monarch here. Monarch fueled by Aiden Murray, 219 yards on 26 carries, two touchdowns, playmaker of the week performance here. And, you know, Silver Creek just can't quite survive the Jekyll and Hyde performance here of Eli Myers, 
who does go 60 to 25, you know, for that 64% completion percentage, but outdoing his three touchdowns was four interceptions. Shout out to the Monarch defense here. Uh, Griffin Weber collecting two of those interceptions as a matter of fact so monarch here with a big win with a 10 point win over silver creek sending silver creek home for the season and helping monarch end the season five and five here and providing them with the 23rd seed 23rd seed in the postseason just had to look over and make sure i was correct and uh you know kind of going back and forth here they were two and two then two and three then three and three then three and five and then they get two wins here at the end of the season to push them in so shout out to Monarch here, helping a couple of Southern Colorado teams in and then keeping their spot. Speaking of Southern Colorado teams, Mesa Ridge takes care of business in the last game of the season here. Isaiah Jones going for 107 yards and freshman Trayvon Salas going for 94 yards and a touchdown in a win over Falcon. That gives Mesa Ridge the 10 seed here heading into the postseason and they will be playing in the first round. Speaking of teams who solidify their spot in the postseason, Widefield gets a big win over Liberty, ending their season 9-1 and one here and giving themselves the 17th seed in this game. They have four different ball carriers who all go for over 20 yards, but they also get a great performance from Paul Mitchell here. 10 of 15, 199 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Liberty ending their season at, you know, an improved 6-4, and four, something to still be proud of, but uh, not quite having the strength of schedule to make the postseason, so Widefield will take their 9-1 and one record to the first round. Sme sneaking in to the very last slot of the postseason to a decent amount of surprise at the podcast here, Grand Junction Central narrowly loses to Windsor 14-21 and clings to their spot, getting the last spot, with a three and seven record very interesting but you know a solid strength of schedule and when you play fruit of monument close to start the season 14 to 7 that will kind of do it for you and uh they will you know have another shot at fruit of monument in the opening round of the playoffs but speaking of windsor here windsor ends the season with a six and four record here and will get the 15th seed in this postseason now, in some other big 4A news here, Denver South here takes care of business against Thomas Jefferson. Kudos of a 42-point first half. This game was not as close as the 49-20 score would reflect. Joseph Capra doing his thing, rushing for a touchdown, 74 yards, throwing for another three touchdowns. Rashad Caldwell, two receptions, 83 yards, a touchdown. And Chevelle Early, you know, they're big three. They were scoring touchdowns as they do, and that will secure... Denver South's number six seed and first round bye in this postseason where, you know, they are looking to, uh, you know, go a little bit further than they did last year. And then speaking of finishing strong, Broomfield ends the season undefeated 10-0 with a narrow win over Heritage here, 17-13, shutting down the Eagles in the second half here to zero points and, you know, getting a lot of help from that defense clamping down you know this would not be possible once again without three-star quarterbacks Cole LaCruz performance here 18 to 28 250 yards and a touchdown as well as 30 yards but Luke Francis the senior tailback also garnering 110 yards in this very close win Heritage not to be you know 
overlooked here as I did earlier in the season. They still finish with the seven seed and get a first round bye in these playoffs. And, you know, I apologize for sleeping on them. They pushed this Broomfield team to the brink or at least as far as you possibly could here. And, uh, you know, Broomfield, their time of possession just really helps them keep Heritage off the field and win this game. 34 minutes of possession time to Heritage's 13 minutes. So impressive win for the Eagles over the Eagles here. And, you know, giving Broomfield the number two spot in the postseason here. And I'll talk about where the one and eight seeds are in the recap following going through the other classifications here. We take a slight break in some playoff announcements here to uh, go over some 3A updates here. Green Mountain, the number three seed, takes care of business against Littleton, 65 zil. Severance here wins against Mountain View, 19 to six. Roosevelt, the number one seed, squared off against Thompson Valley, getting a 42 to 12 win. Both of those teams probably making the postseason. Frederick with a very tight one point win over Mead to probably stamp their spots in the playoffs. Mead here at the 17th spot. They really put everything on the line. Really well coached squad. And, you know, even staring at this three and six record, definitely still have a shot to make the postseason with some help and with a very good performance against Frederick here. Uh, I don't think that three and six record is really that reflective of how solid this Maverick squad is here. But Frederick, the Golden Eagles here, securing their spot in the postseason. Great performance from Cruz Zamudio per usual. 143 yards and a touchdown. Uh, River Lakey, a senior tailback here, going for two touchdowns himself as well. And then, you know, this defense clamping down when they absolutely needed to. Now, in other 3A news, Glenwood Springs gets a 20-6 victory over Eagle Valley. That is critical to them trying to hold on to that 16th spot that they do currently have. Now, Lutheran beats Kennedy 55-14, to probably ending Kennedy's chances at the postseason and locking in Lutheran for a, you know, home field in the very first game here. Summit uh, gets a, I think, a forfeit win over Battle Mountain here to keep their spot. Evergreen going insane here against Wheat Ridge, 70-7, to setting a school record for most points. Tommy Paholski throwing for four touchdowns a week after throwing eight touchdowns. Gabe Zimmerer having a great performance here, 116 yards and three scores of his own, as well as a receiving touchdown here. So Evergreen continuing to roll following their loss a couple weeks ago. And then George Washington beats Denver North here, 54-13 here to secure a spot in the playoffs for them. They are 8-1 currently and end the season at home against Frederick. Huge league game there on Thursday night. Wish that we could probably make that one, but we'll probably have to settle for going to a playoff game for one of those two teams whenever the 3A playoffs start. But that was all the notable stuff I'd say from 3A as far as playoff updates goes. So let's go ahead and jump on to 2A to hear some action there. Inglewood still trying to claw to their playoff hopes here. Wins against Kent Denver 14-6, but that would not be enough to send them to the postseason. So let's go ahead and dump, jump into you know some of these games here. Alamosa outlasts Woodland Park 14 to nothing from you know a game that was a 0-0 score heading into the fourth quarter or heading into the second half, I should say. But RJ Mice here, you know, on 15 carries, only six yards, but those two touchdowns on the goal line 
coming in big time for Alamosa to get a win over Woodland Park here and secure them a spot in the postseason at the number eight seed where they will have a huge matchup against another team that ended their season on a win. Devlin, the Jaguars here, beats Valley 33-0. Austin Bushlack absolutely going berserk, having a Playmaker of the Year kind of performance and uh, Playmaker of the Week kind of performances these past few weeks here and securing Devlin's spot as the number nine seed in the playoffs. Woodland Park, no need to fret here. They do end their regular season six and three and also secure themselves the number 10 seed in the postseason. So no need to fret too much there. In some really wild news here, Elizabeth upsets TCA getting a field goal to go up 15 to 14. TCA, outside of their second quarter where they get two touchdowns, get absolutely just stalled out by this Elizabeth team. Elizabeth putting in a great group effort here. 37 carries by the team, 166 yards and a touchdown. And then obviously their kicker kicking what would eventually be the game winning field goal for Elizabeth here with under a minute, Cody Wade kicks that field goal to propel them to that 14 to 15 win. Absolutely nuts. Nine points from, you know, this, uh, third quarter here Cody Wade having a field goal and then you know a rushing touchdown from Cash Randall would bring them you know 12 to 14 and then that field goal with under a minute left Elizabeth shaking things up pretty violently here sending TCA from the number one seed to the number four seed in this postseason bracket and Elizabeth putting themselves at number six here putting themselves in a pretty good spot University the Bulldogs end their season with a 42 to 8 win over Sterling here, and they punch their ticket as the number 12 seed, just as they were a year ago. Rifle with a 40-7 win over Coleridge, punches their ticket as the number 14 seed here. I think part of it has got to be maybe the competition that they face, but also they finish the season 5-4, and four, and they only lose two league games to other playoff teams here, so that gives them the number 14 spot in this postseason here. From that Friday night here. So Delta taking care of business, beating Montezuma Cortez 42 to nothing. And with their win at the number two spot, that propels them to number one in the 2A bracket. Lots to look forward to for these Panthers. Montezuma Cortez still getting into the postseason at the number 11 seed, partially due to strength of schedule and partially due to some overachieving. I'd say six and three this season with uh, surprising wins over Aztec and Kirtland Central for their out-of-state games. It's so going 2-0 there, and then beating a weird hybrid 1A-2A schedule, and only losing one league game, or I should say two league games if you include Delta, but, uh, you know, surging these Panthers to the number 11 spot. We will be seeing both of those teams in the postseason once again. And that actually does it for the Friday scores recaps on the 2A level. Now, on the 1A level, we actually had some really crazy stuff going on. And yeah, so we're going to actually start with a little recap of Monte Vista versus Centauri. Centauri here was trailing 13 to 18 heading into the fourth quarter, but scored 15 points to Monte Vista's six to beat Monte Vista and end their perfect season. Monte Vista ends the season at eight and one, but will still get the number eight seed. 
but with Centauri's win, as well as strength of schedule and them ending 7-2, they will have the number 7 seed heading into this 1A tournament. So kudos to Centauri for pulling off the upset with a very strong fourth quarter to overcome the Pirates there. Meeker, they take care of business against Olathe with a 41-8 win and secure their number 11 seed heading into the postseason. Buena Vista doing much of the same against Cedar Ridge here, you know, with a, another strong performance from Hayden Camp. 19 carries, 218 yards, and three touchdowns as they lock up the number four seed in this postseason tournament. North Fork here beats Roaring Fork 42-21 here. After leading 21-14, they get two touchdowns in that third quarter here to go ahead and pull out this game. They have Cohen Booth, who runs for 71 yards, and Hayden Moreno, who runs for 81 yards. Hayden Moreno, four touchdowns on the day as North Fork secures the number 14 seed in the postseason. Colorado Springs Christian with a big win over Peyton, 53-8. They will punch their ticket as the number 13 seed in this upcoming postseason. Lyman remains undefeated and finishes a perfect season at 9-0 here with a 28-0 win over Yuma. Yuma here still going to get a pretty decent seed here as the number six squad in all of 1A football. And then the biggest storyline here to talk about, I think, is Wiggins pulling off an upset over Ray at home. They scored 22 points in the second quarter here and would not look back eventually winning this game 28 to 14 and boy did this defense come to play only allowing 3.7 yards per carry to the eagles here and shutting down this pass game making him go three for 11 for only 13 yards cole kerr here with another solid performance five of eight 68 yards and a touchdown on top of his rushing touchdown and then julio flores who continues to blossom in this year 26 carries 139 yards and a touchdown continuing to put emphasis on how strong of a case he has for offensive playmaker of the year and wiggins here with that upset actually catapults themselves to the number three seed in this postseason tournament here and are enjoying life here with uh, a potential rematch with Ray here in a couple weeks since Ray has the number six seed. We'll see how this first round goes. There are no buys, by the way, in 1A football. Uh, Strasburg, they take care of business against Black Canyon 54-0 to secure that number two spot here. And yeah, that. Oh, Rye, they get a forfeit win over Rocky Ford here to secure the number 12 spot. And I don't think there's any other games on this Friday to talk about other than the one that Coach V and I went to. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about Palmer Ridge versus Vista Ridge here right now. So heading into this game, you had Palmer Ridge 9-0. and And then you had Vista Ridge at 7-2 and heading into this game. Huge game here and, you know, potential history on the line. But... Palmer Ridge looking to defend their one seed. Vista Ridge looking to play a close game and retain their bye here. And so Palmer Ridge, they actually start off with the ball here on the 35-yard line. Neither team is showing willingness to kick off to the other team like in true capacity here in fear of big returns, whether it's BB Hills on Vista Ridge side or Smedley on the Palmer Ridge side. Not a whole lot going on there. But Palmer Ridge, they start off and... On the very first play of the game, Vista Ridge gets a good stuff in the run game, and then a false start. This would be the first of many penalties 
held by both sides here. It looks like there is a total of 24 total penalties this game. And yeah, almost 300 total yards of penalties. Kind of insane, but a crazy game nonetheless. But, you know, on the next play, Derek Hester does zip it into number one, Casey Fackrell, down the seam for a first down, setting up the ball on the 41-yard line on the other side of the field. Hester then has a keeper here and, and runs the ball. And then there's a handoff to number 27, Dylan Coyle here, who has a few yards. Then Gator Robinson gets in here for a first down. They have another run. And then at the eight-yard line going in, they get stuffed, setting up third and eight on the 10-yard line. And there's a pass deflected by Micah Kennedy, saving a touchdown. And Palmer Ridge settles for a field goal to go up three to nothing with seven minutes and 53 seconds in the first. Now, Vista Ridge, the Wolves with the ball on their own 35 as well. There's a slant to Kobe Dooley and then a run, three consecutive runs actually, that push them all the way to the 23-yard line going in. There's an incomplete pass, but two flags on the Palmer Ridge sideline that sets up this ridge on the 11-yard line. There's a hitch to Jenkins here that gets all the way to the one-yard line as he's fighting for those extra yards. And then there's a handoff to BB Hills that goes for a score, but a holding penalty calls off the score. And then with another penalty, they're eventually at first and 20 on the 20-yard line. There's a tough run up the middle for about 11 yards, but then there's great recognition by Casey Fackerell here who blows up this screen, setting up third and 13 where there is a run that is stuffed and then a field goal makes it three to three with three minutes and 16 seconds in the first quarter. Palmer Ridge with the ball back here on their own 40. They have a run, but then an offensive penalty pushes them back. And then after an incompletion on the next down, they are set up for third and 16. Derek Hester keeps for 11 yards, but Solomon here, Arns Volson, saves a first down with a tackle here, forcing fourth and five. Vista Ridge takes a timeout here, and there's a minute 27 left in the first, and Palmer Ridge runs a read option and actually gains a first down. Jojo Garnett has a couple of tackles, and then after a mid-read here by the quarterback, it sets up third and four to start the second quarter. Now, with a run and a penalty on top of the run, it sets up a fresh set of downs. And then there is a pass that is bobbled, but eventually caught for a first down. And so first and 10 on the 13-yard line, Palmer Ridge runs it in for a touchdown. But that play is called back by penalty. So that's now two touchdowns that are called back for holding. Then there's a couple of runs that get stuffed here before Hester keeps for a first down. And they are set up first and goal on the four-yard line. There's a short run that gains like maybe two yards before the next run gets pushed all the way back to the five-yard line. And following another run, they are set up on fourth and five. And they try passing the ball. Doesn't end up completed, but a penalty gives them a second chance here. But they call a quarterback keeper to the short side of the field that gets swallowed up and turn over on downs on the three-yard line with six minutes and 11 seconds in this first half. Now, Vista Ridge, on their own three-yard line, they throw a swing to Solomon Arns Volson for a first down, and then there's a screen to Kobe Dooley that maybe looked like a drop, 
but it is called a lateral pass that was fumbled and Palmer Ridge has the ball on the 11 yard line going in with five minutes and 40 seconds. And so they have a couple of handoffs here. They get stuffed for a couple of sneaks, but then they hand off to Dylan Coyle here who shrugs off a tackle in the backfield and cuts inside for the score, putting Palmer Ridge up 10 to three with three minutes and 53 seconds in the half. Vista Ridge getting the ball on their own 36 yard line. They get a run for a first and then another run and a pass to the flats, but there's a flag that brings it back and eventually they end up in a third and 20 hole that ends in a punt. Palmer Ridge with the ball on their own 18 yard line with one minute and 45 seconds left trying to get a two minute drill here. They have a run, then an incomplete pass. They hit a hitch to number seven who goes up the sideline and then out of bounds. And at the one minute mark, they have another pass here, but that gets dropped before calling a mid-screen for eight yards. Timeout, Palmer Ridge on their own 39 with 43 seconds left. They call a QB sneak that does get a first down, but then on the next play, they try a throw across the field. That is incomplete, but pass interference is called, setting up Palmer Ridge with a fresh set of downs. But... There's just a few more incomplete passes before going to halftime. Palmer Ridge leading 10-3. Vista Ridge with the ball on their own 40. Literally impose their will harder than maybe any other team. Or at least philosophically impose their will in such a crazy way on the ensue on the opening drive of the second half here. Vista Ridge, they just run, 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 run. Get, gets called for holding and then on the with the ball so at this point they've called one two three four five six seven runs in a row they've gained three first downs on this drive before ending up on the 35 yard line going in on a first and 20 and they call a fake toss left trap right that goes 35 yards for the score and they tie this game up 10 to 10 with eight minutes and 21 seconds left in the in the game or in the third quarter i should say now palmer ridge with ball on their own 27 they hand off to robinson who runs for a first down but then number 55 for vista ridge here does get a pass deflection forcing a second down there's also a stuffed run and then an interception but a pass interference calls off the interception and on the next play, there's a miscommunication on which direction the run is going, and Visceridge gets a tackle for loss. There is a deep pass down the left side here, but the receiver is jogging and the ball hits the turf. And on third and 13, they have a throw over the middle that stopped just shy and has fourth and inches. They call a quarterback sneak that is false started and sets up fourth and six. Vista Ridge takes a timeout here with 5 minutes and 14 seconds. And JoJo Garnett fills on the quarterback keeper to force a turnover on downs. And so Vista Ridge, with the ball on their own 48, start off this drive with a run for a first down. And then a couple more runs result in third and five before KJ Smedley blows up this run and forces fourth and seven. Now Palmer Ridge, with the ball on their own six-yard line, they start off with a run for six. And then on the next play, they have a play-action throw that goes over the hands of the receiver here and lands in the hands of Jaden Hobdy here, who takes this all the way back to the house and is marked 
for the score here. 24 yards, pick six here. Vista Ridge, the sideline is going ballistic, and they are now up 17 to 10 with a minute 33 in the third quarter here. And on the ensuing Palmer Ridge drive, things aren't looking good. This next drive actually carries us into the fourth quarter where they have a couple of first downs before handing off to a back who gets up the middle and kind of gets into open field here before coughing it up. That is Orlando Aranda with the fumble here. And when the dust settles, Vista Ridge has the ball on their own 18-yard line. Now, two quick passes to Hills leads to a first down. Then there's a penalty that brings him back and sets up first and 20. And Vista Ridge takes another timeout here with 11 minutes and 16 seconds left in the game. There's then a penalty that sets up second and 35. There's a dropped screen after that that sets up third and 35. And then, surprisingly, Vista Ridge here with 10 and a half minutes in the game takes their final timeout here. And on a fake run swing left, that is snuffed out by Josh Gerlach here. And that sets up fourth down where they have to punt. Now, Palmer Ridge with the ball on their own 48-yard line, basically at midfield. They do a handoff to Gator Robinson, who rips off this long touchdown run, this 52-yard touchdown run, and ties it up at 17 apiece here. I think, yeah, that was, oh, it was a 48-yard touchdown run. So they were on the 48 going in. And, yeah, Gator Robinson rips off this run. Ties it up, 9 minutes and 49 seconds left here. Now, Vista Ridge, from their own 11-yard line, they have a run for 5 yards here before B.B. Hills gets tackled on the next play on the 11-yard line, forcing 3rd and 10, where there's an incomplete pass and a punt. Now, Palmer Ridge, on their own 39 with 8 minutes, they have a stuffed keeper, they have a, a missed pass here, or, I mean, a false start, and then they do a quarterback mid-keep. That doesn't really go for too much. And an incomplete wheel. And on 3rd and 18, they try and throw a comeback route. That isn't caught, so they punt the ball. And so it's still 17 apiece here with about 6 minutes and 17 seconds left. This Ridge, they start with the ball on their own 49-yard line with a nice return. And they get a Solomon Arns-Volson run for a first down. Then he runs again for 5 yards. Following that, there's a stuffed pass here or there's a stuffed run, and on third and five, there's a quick pass to Dooley that sets up fourth and one, and on fourth and one, this is one of the stranger things I saw. I'm not sure what the entire story is here, to be completely honest, but there is a pass attempt to Dooley here on fourth and one that I'm not sure if a receiver got jammed up here and that messed with the timing, because Brayden Dorman looked in rhythm, but this pass falls incomplete. And I think that it was going to be open here. This timing route just doesn't work out. And so Palmer Ridge gets the ball on turnover on downs from their own 31-yard line. Four minutes and 17 seconds left. And start this drive off with a false start. Now, Gator Robinson, he keeps it for eight yards. Then Hester has a quarterback keep for three yards. That sets up third and four. They have a short run that sets up fourth and two. Timeout Palmer Ridge with 2 minutes and 26 seconds left. Remember, they're in their own territory here, but they hand off to Robinson, who goes left and narrowly gains the first. Then, on the next play, one of the most critical plays of this game, Hester snags a low snap and is rolling out right, and then hits his hole and cuts back left all the way across the field, racing to the 9-yard line here. 
before the next play here, they get swallowed up. And with 50 seconds left, they hand off to Gator Robinson, who runs left, cuts inside, throws a little stiff arm, and scores, putting Palmer Ridge and the Bears up 24 to 17 with 25.7 left on the clock. Now, Vista Ridge here, remember, they don't have any timeouts. They used them all by like the 10 minute mark in the game. So they start with the ball on their own 40 yard line. They get a quick five yards that goes out of bounds, leaving 15 seconds left. Then they hit BB Hills over the middle who gains 20 yards. But Gavin Jenkins here makes, I'd say a mental mistake with a very obvious crack back block that puts them at the 40 yard line before a series of unsportsmanlike conducts are called on Vista Ridge, putting them at their own 30 yard line, making it impossible to take a shot to the end zone and the lateral play attempt to end the game uh, does not work here. And that means that Palmer Ridge here finishes the season 10 and 0 here and secures the number one seed in 4A here. Vista Ridge with this still secures the eighth seed and a bye week, but finishes their season seven and three. This was a very winnable game by Vista Ridge, if not evidenced by the third quarter here. And, you know, I think that a lot of the guys who needed to perform played pretty solid. And, you know, this Vista Ridge offensive line definitely impressed me with the holes they were able to open up and with the, you know, run game here. I mean, this Vista Ridge run game was averaging six yards per carry, which basically matched the Palmer Ridge run game here. And then the pass defense for Vista Ridge didn't allow a touchdown all night. They held Derek Hester, who's been one of the best in the state this year, to only 31% completion percentage and the interception that was taken back to the house here. And I gotta be honest, even this six yards per carry by the Palmer Ridge rushing attack is a little skewed because you have that 48-yard run by Robinson, then you have that 42-yard run by Derek Hester. Outside of those outliers here, if you subtract those numbers, I mean, you just lose... 90 yards of your running game and that basically makes their yards per carry around four i mean their other two backs dylan Coyle and orlando aranda here both averaged less than 3.6 yards per carry so the vista ridge defense was playing very very well they were filling lanes very excellently here jojo garnett ended the night with 13 tackles of his own and a half tackle for loss. Micah Kennedy here was a name that you heard all over the place. Pass deflections, tackles, he had a tackle for loss. A.J. Jordan here, a senior defender for the Wolves, had two tackles for loss himself. They were able to get a couple of hurries on this squad. They ended with six pass breakups. Uh, A.J. Jordan, Micah Kennedy getting in there. Mason Carter, who's a sophomore. Keyshawn Dooley, obviously, both sides of the ball. And then, you know, that pick six by Jaden Hobdy. This was a very winnable game here. They also recovered a fumble. Uh, Ethan Rasmussen here recovered a fumble here. And I think that the Wolves were in a really good spot. I think it's very interesting that they take two timeouts at the opening of that fourth quarter. I'm a little confused by that. And then, you know, for Palmer Ridge, good players make, or big players make big plays in big games here. And that was the case with Gator Robinson's 48-yard touchdown rush here. And then Derek Hester's 42-yard run, you know, near the end of the game to set them up in the red zone. And then Gator Robinson finishing that drive here. You know, the Palmer Ridge offensive line looked, you know, a little worrisome to start the game. I'm not even going to lie, but they persevered here. Now, Vista Ridge, they end up with 16 penalties for 201 yards. I am going to acknowledge that, like, 
literally 50 of those yards come on the very last, like the second to last play. It might even be like 65 yards were on that very last play. So outside of that, the penalty margin was a little bit closer, but you know, they're just, I don't know. There's a lot of pessimism, even while having the lead on, on one of the sidelines here. And that sideline ends up leaving empty handed here. But I mean, both these teams, they're on the same side of the bracket too. So a rematch is, you know, potentially in the cards here, but that is my recap of the Visceridge Palmer Ridge game. And that does it for the Friday scores recap on my end, but I am going to go ahead and pass it off to Gideon here. Who's going to recap up North Pooter versus Fossil Ridge. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to today's recap for Pooter versus Fossil Ridge. This was a highly anticipated matchup to see who would be the king of the North. This game was at least personally the one that I was looking forward to the most. It had the second game back of Tyler Cobat in the latter half of the season, two great defenses, and a lot of good action. It was Pooter's senior night, and there was a lot of fanfare, and Fossil's fans were out in full force. On top of that, it was cold as all hell. Now, on to the recap. Pooter started this one with possession, and Neeson started it with a short run. Then Quentin Harms threw to Jones Thomas for first down. On a scramble, they got tackled for loss, and after a short run, they had third and 13. On the following throw, there was an interception. On defense, Thomas and Neeson combined for a tackle before Thomas said screw it and got one of his own. Brody Van Cleve had his first tackle of the night, which was helped by Sage Comerond and Colton Mills Younger getting a few tackles themselves. However, this could not stop Fossil as Pooter led in a TD with to go down 0-7 with 6.56 to go in the first. Neeson returned the kickoff for 32 yards, but holding on the following play made that move. They had a first and 26, which is kind of insane, which was followed by a first and 21. Harms managed to escape him a number of tackles and threw to Thomas for 15 yards, which helped close it. Camerand ran for 12 and then for two more. Neeson rushed for three, which made it fourth and three. They were going for it, but a delay of game penalty made it so that Drake Miller had to punt. It went 40, and Colton Junker and Ryan Vandiver shared a tackle to end the first. Entering the second, Brandon Meyer got a tackle to open it, but Pooter ended up conceding a TD with 10.33 to go in the half to go down 0-14. After a false start and a long incompletion, Pooter had second and 15, but Thomas caught for 9 to bring it to third and 6. Thomas then caught again for first down, and a pitch to Neeson brought in 4 more yards. Miller ended up having to punt again, but Matt Jimenez had some great awareness to pick it up before it went out of bounds. Van Cleave got a tackle, followed by Grant Friedman getting a push out, which helped to force a punt. Neeson had a long horizontal return for 10, followed by Camerand catching for 1. There was then a tackle for loss, followed by an allowed sack. And Miller's punt went 40 once more. Van Cleave got a sack, and Camerand almost got an interception. Junker got a hurry, followed by number 18, who was not listed on the roster, getting a tackle. Van Cleave had a hurry where he was inches from Tyler Kubat, and then he decided that inches were not close enough and sacked Kubat on the next play. After this good defense, they allowed a third and long, which brought it to fourth and one. Junker got a tackle, 
and Luke Olsen had some great coverage, but after holding and offsides, that progress was erased. Neeson had a breakup, but after a roughing the passer call, Pooter let in another touchdown with 12 seconds left in the half to go down 0-21. to Neeson caught the kickoff and lateraled Thomas, who returned it for about 35. Neeson got it six more, which closed the half. Mills Younger's kickoff to open the second half went about 47 yards, followed by Van Cleave getting a tackle and Thomas getting another of his own. Mills Younger had a tackle and then Van Cleave got yet another. Camerand got a good breakup and the defense forced a punt. The run on offense just was not working though. I'll go more on about this later during the overall summary, but the run just wasn't open. On 3rd and ninth, they had to score on the drive to be able to stay in this game, but an ineligible man downfield penalty made it so that Miller had to punt again. Ryan Vandiver got a tackle, followed once more by Van Cleave, but after a pass interference, the Impalas had to worry. Despite a Thomas breakup, a field goal made it through the uprights with 3.59 to go. Thomas caught for 5, but after an incompletion, Pooter had to punt again. Miller's leg made it go 40, and Luke Olsen got a tackle, which precipitated Thomas and Camerand getting one of their own. Number 70, who again is not listed on the roster, got a tackle, but Pooter allowed a touchdown scramble as time ran out in the third to go down 31-0. Opening the fourth, Olsen got a first down, and Matt Manns caught for two, followed by Harms throwing to Thomas for 45. Olsen then got the ball 15 yards further, and after an incompletion, Harm scrambled and broke five tackles, but was forced to throw it out. After face mask call, number 18, who is not listed, threw to Manns for 14 yards, and then Harms ran for four. This led to a turnover on downs on the seven-yard line. Mills Younger had a tackle, followed by a nascent breakup, and Vandiver and Brady Brown shared a tackle. Mills Younger got a tackle, along with Camerand and Nascent. Camerand shared one with Van Cleave for loss, but then this team kept allowing big plays at the wrong time, where they allowed a third and long to become a fourth and one again. They then allowed a wide open touchdown with 2.31 to go. This made them be down 38-0. to zero. After a miscommunication led to the kickoff getting dropped, Thomas recovered the rock and carried it 50 yards through a lot of contact. But a face mask call brought it back. Neeson ran for seven, Mills Younger got a first down, and number 26, who is also not listed on the roster, caught for 15. Olsen then got a first down of his own, and Mills Younger got the ball 22 yards. Garrett Roberts then caught a really difficult timeout as the time ran out to close the game for Pooter, 6-38. The defensive playmaker of the game for Pooter was Brody Van Cleve. As always, Brody Van Cleve was a defensive monster. There were times where he was only a couple of inches away from the quarterback on a hurry, then got a sack on the very next play. He's one of the best defenders that I've watched in Northern Colorado, and quite possibly one of the best in the entire state. Keep an eye on Brody Van Cleve for Defensive Playmaker of the Year watch next year. We need to keep working and practice how we play, says Van Cleve. We need to work harder. The Offensive Playmaker of the game for the Impalas was Jones Thomas. 
Jones Thomas was the most potent offensive weapon outside of Harms during this game. Jones Thomas had a lot of touches for a pretty good game, and he had an all-around solid performance. There's a reason that he has offers from Shadron State and Mesa. He's a solid player with great offensive production and potential. The playmaker of the game for the Pooter Impalas was Quentin Harms. Quentin Harms and Van Cleave were the two reasons that Pooter was in this game. Harms had a good time in the air, but sometimes guys weren't open or he was forced to scramble. He made good reads more often than not, but sometimes the play calls weren't going his way, which happens. The score tonight doesn't show who we are, says Harms. We need to keep up our mental energy going into the postseason, and we need to come out and attack right off the bat. We need to make this next one easy for ourselves. Next up, we have Fossil Ridge. Opening the first quarter, the kickoff by Bryce Olson, as is to be expected at this point, went well beyond the end zone. Cole Lazada started this game with a tackle, followed by safety Antonio Gallegos getting one of his own. Gallegos had some great anticipation on the next play to catch an interception and bring Fossil's offense out. Colton Pollack ran for six and then again for a first down. After a false start, Pollack rushed again for one, and Tyler Kubat threw to Trek Keyworth for 20. Pollack then rushed for a TD through a lot of contact. This, combined with Olsen hitting the PAT, put Fossil Ridge up 7-0 with 6.56 left in the first. Olsen's kickoff went 45, and he got a tackle on the return. After an offsides, Griffin Hinckley got a tackle, along with Connor Vickers, with Hayden Kleina and Grant Greaves sharing one of their own. This helped force a fourth down and a punt. After a timeout with 2.10 to go, Keyworth caught for nine, and then, after a rush for first down, Jake Toshoff ran for six and again for ten. Kubat threw to Keyworth for 25, and Pollack ran for five to end the quarter. Opening the second, Tyler Kubat threw to Olsen for a first and goal, then Toshoff ran for one. Kubat threw to Olsen for a tutty, and then Olsen hit the PAT to put Fossil Ridge up 14-0 over Pooter with 10.33 to go in the half. The kickoff was a touchback, and Tanner Isom got the tackle. Dave Pisano, Hinckley, and Tate Griffin shared a sack, which helped to force a punt. Michael Doyle ran for 12, followed by what would have been a long TD pass that got dropped. Olsen ended up having to punt on that possession. Toshoff got a tackle, and Jake Decklever got a tackle for loss. Theo Freyricks got a sack, which helped force another punt. Tyler Kubat threw to Keyworth for six, but after a scramble, got sacked. After a long incompletion, they were on third and 14, when Tyler Kubat threw again to Keyworth for 13 and a half. Pollack ran for three, but this was followed by an incompletion and an allowed sack. Fossil Ridge took their second timeout with 1.21 to go in the first half on third and 17. Tyler Kubat threw to Keyworth for 16, and then after a timeout with 47.4 to go, Pollack rushed for first down to get it to first and goal. Tyler Kubat threw a TD to Keyworth, and after an unsportsmanlike conduct on the celebration, Olsen hit the PAT to go up 21-0 with 12 ticks left to talk. Olsen got the kickoff 59 yards, and that was basically the end of the first half. Opening the second half, Toshoff started by rushing for 22 and then again for 3. Dominic Leone caught a 15-yard pass, followed by Toshoff running the same distance. Toshoff then ran for four more, but after a false start and an incompletion, Fossil was on 4th and 12. 
They went for it and had a turnover on downs. Ryan Paliea got a tackle, and the Sabercats forced a quick punt. Paul Lack got a first down, but after a false start, I noticed that Gage Ginther looked good again. He was opening holes, and he was looking very in shape, which is great considering that the playoffs are here. Leone caught a 30-yard pass, followed by Toshoff catching a 10-yarder. An illegal forward pass on a scramble led to third and four, where Olsen hit a 25-yard field goal to go up 24-0 with 3.57 to go in the third. The kickoff was a touchback once more, and the Sabercats played solid defense to force a punt. Keyworth carried the ball 15 on the punt return, and then Paul Lack ran for nine. Paul Lack got another touch, this time for first down. Leone caught a 20-yard pass, which helped set up a buzzer-beating pass from Tyler Kubet to Keyworth on a scramble, followed by Olsen hitting the PAT to go up 31-0, entering the fourth. After a group tackle, Ryan Lautzenheiser brought down a catch-and-go, followed by Ryan Black getting a tackle for loss. Frerich straight-up just suplexed a dude, which was really weird to see, considering that it led to the offense getting a first down, and Pollyaya got another tackle. Ferrix then got another tackle of his own, and once back on offense after an almost interception, Mac Busteed made it four, followed by Pollack making it the same. Marcus Moser caught a 15-yard pass, followed by his receiving an absolute dime from Nick Kubat, where Moser mossed his defender for almost 50 yards. Pollack then rushed for a touchdown, and Olsen hit the PAT to put Fossil Ridge up 38-0 with 2.31, mind me, left in the match. Maximilian Spate-Haas got a tackle, and after some good coverage, Fossil Ridge let in a TD to beat the buzzer, making it 38-6 in the win. The defensive playmaker of the game for Fossil Ridge was Theo Freyricks. Theo Freyricks was honestly unexpected from me. The 6'4 defensive specialist gave it his all, with one and a half sacks and a handful of tackles on the night, with two and a half of those being for loss. The defensive end slash defensive tackle is not the type of guy you want to look in the eye on the other side of the line of scrimmage. The offensive playmakers of the game for the Fossil Ridge Sabercats are Trek Keyworth and Bryce Olsen. Trek Keyworth is a monster. He had 91 yards and two tutties on the night, along with 11 yards on a punt return. It was extremely difficult to stop him, and there wasn't really much that the Pooter defense could do to do so. The only person they could send his way that was able to single cover him was uh, was Brody Van Cleve, but there's only so many places that one guy can be. Additionally, Bryce Olsen had a great game. Olsen had three receptions for 11 yards, one of which was a touchdown. This went along with five PATs and a field goal. The Air Force commit had 14 points on the night, and I would honestly feel comfortable saying that he is a solid top three kicker in the state. The playmaker of the game for the Fossil Ridge Sabercats was Tyler Kubat. It was very nice to see Tyler Kubat play. He had surgery six weeks ago after breaking his collarbone in four different places and is already back up and running. He had a great night with him going 18 for 29 on passing attempts. He had three touchdowns and had a QB rating of 122. The 6'5", 200-pound senior is a key piece on this team, one that they are glad is back for the playoffs. 
practice last week before Fairview was pretty bad. So practice this week, we worked to make it as good as we could. Pooter is a good team, and we practiced well for them. And moving forward against those teams with freak athletes, we have to be able to get it out quickly and take hot shots effectively. As I'm recording this, Kubat is actually on a visit to Lindenwood University, so good luck, Tyler. In summary, this game was a hell of a thing. Not at all what I expected. I thought it would be down to the wire, but I guess not. First of all, there was a huge timeout disparity that I noticed. Pooter didn't use a single timeout, while Fossil Ridge used all of theirs. This is usually an indicator of a really good game, but in this case, it was the opposite. Quentin Harms touched on what he thought the reason was for the score being what it ended up being. 6'3", 2'10", senior tight end, Logan Correll was out with injury, and this kept them from running the two tight end lineups with him and Mills Younger that they typically do. However, I don't know why they didn't give the ball to Colton Mills Younger more. Everyone I talked to was perplexed by that. When he did get the ball, Mills Younger had a lot of success. However, if my memory serves correctly, the first time he got a touch was in the fourth quarter. I know that saying, let blank cook, often gets memed, especially with let Russ cook, both Wilson and Restbrook, but let Colton cook. He would have at least been a good option against this fossil defense. Quentin Harms is a good QB, Jordan Neeson is one of the top running backs in the state, and combined with Jones Thomas and Luke Olson, you have a high-powered offense. With Brody Van Cleve anchoring the defense, you have solid pieces like Drake Miller and Colton Junker holding it down. Playoff-wise, if Logan Carell is back, Pooter definitely has the potential to win a game or two in the postseason. With Fossil, however, their offense was a lot more dynamic than I anticipated. Tyler Kubat's return made it so that Pollack could return to running back, and they did have a few direct snap plays, which Pollack used really effectively, and he just ate like barbecue chicken on those plays. Additionally, Trek Keyworth and Jake Toshoff are beasts, so that didn't make things any easier for the Pooter defense. Gage Genther had a good night, and he's looking how he was described to me before I saw him play at Canvas, where he didn't have the best performance. Fossil may not be a freak athleticism team, but they have the potential to make it to the Elite Eight in my eyes. Now, both of these teams did make the playoffs, with Pooter being the 18 seed and Fossil Ridge being the 10. My prediction is that Pooter will narrowly beat Legend, but then fall to the buzzer that is Valor Christian. I think the Fossil Ridge will handily defeat Mullen and then squeak by Regis Jesuit before they also meet with Valor Christian. However, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know for sure. Best of luck to Pooter and Fossil Ridge in the playoffs, and now on to Cody. Peace. Thank you, Gideon. And now for our Saturday scores recap, we're going to go ahead and start in 1A and talk about where that landed teams. And there's actually a huge story here for 1A here in what I would call a crazy upset here. Flatirons Academy dismantles Estes Park here 34 to 8. Estes Park getting their only touchdown in the fourth quarter here. Flatirons Academy jumping out to a 27-0 lead by the end of the first half here. 
Huge performance by Nolan Shepard here. Not his best day through the air, but 26 carries for 135 yards and two touchdowns would be enough to push this team over the edge. And then, boy, this pass Russian defense had a heyday here between Rex Beck, Noah Evans, and Nolan Shepard all getting an interception here. And then in the pass rush department, you have 10 hurries. Josiah Durrell having four of those, Jackson Hanks having three of those, and two sacks. This Flatirons defense bullied one of the best offenses in 1A football here. And Estes Park, with that loss, falls out of their 16th spot and will not be in the postseason dance and in their place will be Flatirons Academy soaring into that 16th seed and saving their season for a chance at the postseason here they will draw Lyman in the very first round but 7-2 and two and 5-0 and oh in league will set you up for success there in some other playoff team news I don't think that this was too much of a surprise for anyone here but Holyoke takes care of business against Burlington 28-7 Holyoke securing the nine seed here for the postseason in Burlington surprisingly enough at two and seven and an zero and five record in league will be in the playoffs as the number 15 seed so I mean they're back in the postseason but um I still probably would have rather had Estes Park here because they have an entertaining offense and I think that they actually have a better chance at winning in the first round but I digress Estes Park they had their chance they are not in the postseason here. And then a team that finished at 16 on max preps, but is just on the outside of overall rankings is banning Lewis Academy. They end their season with a 60 to nothing dub over Ellicott. Still do want to give the five and four Stallions kudos on a successful season, but uh, you know, they got to keep on that grind and just finish some of these closer games that they had this year to, you know, make the postseason in the future. In 2A football here, there were some pretty solid games here on Saturday. Berthid beats Steamboat Springs 38-21 and punches their ticket to the playoffs here. After being tied 21 at half, the Spartans shut out the Sailors in the second half while scoring 17 points of their own in order to punch their ticket as the 16th seed here. Evan Sajit, I want to say 13 carries, 262 yards, and three of Berthid's four rushing touchdowns here excellent performance to give this squad a chance in the postseason here at that 16 seed and the team that fell out of the 16 seed is actually la Hunta here they lose just too big to the huskies here 43 to 15 here florence here does secure i believe the number three spot here in 2a so in their first year in 2a i think that they actually matched the same seed that they had in 1a last year and uh yeah take care of business here against the tigers to end the season now while we don't have the postseason bracket for this yet there is still some solid 3a news number six ranked by max preps holy family beats lincoln 56 to nothing northfield trying to cling to hopes of making the postseason dispatches fort morgan 47 to 14 holy crap and um you know is still fighting for a chance they were on a bit of a losing streak but they snapped that losing streak in a big way against the defending state champions to try and give themselves a shot durango here ekes by palisades seven to nothing in what was a closely contested defensive game here conifer trying to keep their hopes alive ranked number 19 by max preps here beats skyview 55 to 20 and then in some top 10 news northridge beats down on resurrection christian 35 to 6 
in what I think is kind of a stunning turn of events. Northridge, they'd kind of been slipping lately. And, you know, Resurrection Christian would get a score in the first quarter and would not see the light of day following that. The Grizzly defense clamps down here and they get a huge win and basically, or I'm mostly sure, secure themselves home field in the very first round here. So that is the 3A news from this week. In 4A news, there is only one playoff team that played here. Fruit of Monument, they destroyed Adam City 49-0. Don't really think that's worth discussing all that much, other than the fact that it secures their spot as the number 9 seed heading into the postseason, where they will face the 24 seed to start. And then, in 5A news here, Pine Creek destroys Chaparral here 45-10 here. Uh, Chaparral getting that last touchdown in the very last quarter here. Cam Cooper, 8 of 14, 153 yards and a touchdown. Mason Miller and Jonathan Core both eclipse 100 yards here. And Pine Creek secures a bye in their first official year in 5A. It looks like they are the number five seed here in that lower left corner of the bracket. Chaparral not making the postseason. And then... Fountain Fort Carson and Regis Jesuit squared off here. And Regis Jesuit, pretty sure that they basically had a buy on lock. And they do finish the season with the number seven seed. Fountain Fort Carson here finishes the season at the 16 seed here. Following an upset win, I would call it, over Regis 21 to 14. They get a solid performance out of Tavion Suli, who carries for 158 yards and two scores here. And then obviously this defense that does clamp down and, you know, only holds the Raiders to 14 points. And those are all of the score recaps from the last week of the regular season for 1, 2, 4, and 5A. And now it's time for that part of the episode where we talk about our playmakers of the week brought to you by code red coaching mental performance where the grind to greatness starts with the mind go ahead and visit coderedcoaching.com today to learn more about ways that you can sharpen your mental performance or go ahead and call 720-979-1914 that's 720-979-1914 to contact code red coaching today and they're going to bring us our playmakers of the week. These playmakers either helped their team secure a spot in the postseason. They potentially helped their team secure, you know, whatever seed they were at. Or they came back and really made their impact felt in a big way in certain games. So, for our 1A playmaker of the week candidates, we got a few here who tore it up on the ground here. The first one of which is Nolan Shepard of Flatirons Academy rushing the ball 26 times for 135 yards and two rushing touchdowns, but also on the defensive side of the ball, having four tackles, a tackle for loss, an interception, and pass deflection in the 34-8 win over Estes Park that catapulted the Bison to the last postseason slot at 16. In other 1A news here, Julio Flores appears back on this candidacy whether he's winning playmaker of the week or as a candidate he's been a constant threat all year and he continued to do damage when he went for 139 yards and a touchdown in Wiggins 28 to 14 upset win over Ray and the ability to get the number three seed in the playoffs big time for Wiggins here and then Hayden Moreno of North Fork here 
goes for 81 yards and three scores on the ground while also throwing a touchdown here to secure North Fork's spot here at the 14 seed in their 42 to 21 win over Roaring Fork. The winner for 1A Playmaker of the Week, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Nolan Shepard here. Flatirons here, they really needed to stabilize and Nolan helped stabilize this squad, did his thing as the leader of this team and really did everything he needed to to not only A, secure the win on both the offensive and defensive sides, but also be a leader for that offense and that defense and lead Flatirons Academy to their first non-COVID postseason here and which that should be very, very exciting for the Bison. You're sneaking in at the 16th slot. Four 2A Playmakers of the Week candidates here. The very first one here I have from an upset win, Cody Wade of the Elizabeth Cardinals went three of three for field goals, including the game winner in the last minute to upset the number one seeded TCA Titans, slid them down to four, and gave Elizabeth the 15 to 14 win over the Mighty Titans. In other 2A news, Evan Sajet here for the Berthed Spartans had 13 carries for 262 yards and three touchdowns, including a long of 96, while also tacking on four tackles and a pass deflection in Berthed's 38-21 win over the Steamboat Sailors and sending Berthed to the postseason. And then from Coach V's Thursday night game, going to go with his player of the game here for Playmaker of the Week candidacy, Ryder True of Eaton, 112 all-purpose yards of offense while also having 11 tackles and a pass deflection on defense in Eaton's 25-13 league championship ceiling win over the Academy. Very big wins for all three of these teams here, all three of these players impacting their team's seeding in the postseason here, but I am going to defer to Evan Sajet here, 262 yards, three touchdowns, Berth it here, sneaking into the number 16 slot as well. A little bit of a common pattern through these first two playmakers of the week here. Four teams just narrowly making the postseason. Evan being integral to that on both sides of the ball. But I mean, 260 yards on offense on running the ball is just bonkers here. So we got to give it to Evan Sajid of Berthet for the 2A playmaker of the week. In 3A news, you know, these players here, they're not ready for the postseason quite yet, but let's go ahead and talk about some guys who had big impacts in their games. The first one of which is going to be Julian Rodriguez of Durango here. Durango only getting past Palisades 7 to nothing, but a crucial win to try and keep themselves as one of the top seeds in 3A. He had 13 tackles, a tackle for loss, a sack, and a pass deflection in that very close game and when you're talking about shutouts obviously it's a team effort here but i'm going to crown julian rodriguez as the leader of that shutout effort of the bulldogs we have another defensive stud here in joseph villani here of the frederick golden eagles now while offense was the name of the game in frederick's 35 to 34 win here joseph villani had two turnovers himself having a fumble recovery, five tackles, and the game-sealing interception on Meade's last drive to snuff out any chance of a comeback following Frederick's ability to score and also get the conversion here. And Joseph just confirms and stamps that win for Frederick. And then in 
maybe not a heavy playoff integral game, but for a prideful dub for Pueblo South here, senior quarterback Caleb Ortiz had four total touchdowns, three passing and one rushing on 14 of 23 passing and 224 yards in Pueblo South's route over Pueblo Centennial, getting a win within Pueblo this season, 40 to six. For my playmaker of the week, I'm going to bounce back to the top or the number one guy that I listed here, Julian Rodriguez. He is the demon's defensive dog from this week who did dog on the Bulldogs here. Like I said, 13 tackles, couple tackles for loss, including a sack and a pass deflection, making sure to snuff out a lot of those runs and whatnot in that game and help Durango keep a very solid league record here and maybe even end Palisade's season. Not entirely sure on that, but if their season is over, they will partially have Julian Rodriguez to thank for that. And we will have to thank Julian Rodriguez for being our pick for the 3A Playmaker of the Week. In 4A, we have all running backs, literally all running backs here as candidates. And let's go ahead and talk about them. You know, um, pardon me if I do butcher these names here, specifically this first one, but I think Machu Ramaka here for the Rampart squad that did secure the 21 seed, including beating Air Academy this past week for that seeding here. Ramaka here had 34 carries for 245 yards and a touchdown while also notching another two receptions for 18 yards in that 21 to 14 win over Air Academy and giving Rampart the same seeding as they had points in this game, 21. You've heard his name here before as a candidate and both as a playmaker of the week. Some things just don't change. You know, there's a few things that you can count on in life. Death taxes and Noah Triplett having a phenomenal game every once in a while. 17 carries, 188 yards, four rushing touchdowns, not to mention two receptions for 107 yards and a touchdown. 295 scrimmage yards in their 49-6 league win over Stanley Lake. And then last but not least here, I talked about him in the Vista Ridge versus Palmer Ridge segment. Go ahead and listen to that for the drive-by-drive recap of that chilly game in the Springs. But my pick here, actually for playmaker of the week on the 4A level, no disrespect to uh, Machu or Noah here, but Nathaniel Gator Robinson, 19 carries, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. But the thing about those two touchdowns is the importance of where they were at. Palmer Ridge was down but not out when they were down 10 to 17 on the 48 yard line going in and Gator Robinson ripped off that long touchdown run to bring the score back within zero here tying at 17-17 and then with under a minute left actually with about 30 seconds left he gets the game leading slash game winning score here and so those two scores not only tie the game up but they also give Palmer Ridge the lead and stamp the spot at the number one seed in the 4A postseason. Now for 5A Playmaker of the Week here, there are a few interesting ones here. I think that the first one that jumped out to me was Jake Creekler here of Valor Christian High School. He had an interception, but also the back-breaking 28-yard rushing touchdown to cap off the 112-yard scrimmage performance that he had, including 101 yards on the ground in Valor's 
49-35 win over Mountain Vista. They did have the 42-35 lead, but Jake Kriegler here with that final touchdown run really just puts the nail in the Golden Eagles coffin and secures Valor's number two seed. Now, speaking of teams that not only had huge turnaround seasons here, considering that they didn't win a single game last year, but also an incredible performance and a return to the postseason is where Doherty is, and they have Caden Becker to thank for that, partially in this last game over Overland here and that 24 seed in the playoffs, thanks to a 12 of 17, 182 passing yard, one touchdown to one interception performance in the air, but also having another 135 yards through the ground and a score making for 317 total yards and a victory sending Doherty to the postseason. The fate was in their hands and Caden Becker was a huge part of the equation for the Spartans win and their leap to the postseason. But just like the last segment here, I'm going to have to give playmaker of the week to actually Gideon's playmaker of the game for Fossil Ridge. Go ahead and listen to that segment if you jumped over it for the full recap. But Tyler Kubat here, you know, Gideon was on to something, naming him the player of the game for Fossil Ridge. And he showed a return to normal, maybe not the best return that he was hoping for last week against Fairview. But in his second week back, he did go 18 of 29 for 234 yards and three passing touchdowns to no interceptions in the Sabercats victory over the Pooter Impalas. This was a big crosstown win, and this was also a win that solidified sole possession of the number 10 seed here for Fossil Ridge. So, the Playmakers of the Week, once again brought to you by Code Red Coaching, went as followed. In 5A, Tyler Kubat of Fossil Ridge. In 4A, Nathaniel Gator Robinson of Palmer Ridge High School. On the 3A level, Julian Rodriguez of the Durango Demons being the playmaker of the week. On the 2A level, Evan Sajit. Once again, apologies if I'm mispronouncing any of these names, but Evan here of the Birth at Spartans here, securing that 16th seed on the 2A level. And the 1A playmaker of the week, Nolan Shepard of Flatirons Academy, also securing that 16th seed. Congratulations to all these players and their teams for, you know, making it to the postseason outside of Durango, but they are guaranteed a spot in the postseason at the bare minimum. And best of luck to all these players and teams as we start talking about the postseason. When we come back from the break, we will go 1A, 2A, 3A, well, not 3A, 1A, 2A, 4A, and 5A, Gideon, Simon, and myself all going through our playoff brackets and quick reasonings on why we see certain things certain ways. So go ahead and stay tuned after the break for Playmakers Corner postseason preview and predictions. Hey, 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 and welcome back, listeners, to the Playmakers Corner podcast, where things are about to get heating up here as we talk about our playoff preview here. And we're going to start in class 1a here i'm gonna go ahead and talk about the matchups here first and then from there i am going to go into my picks for the games and my breakdown and assessment of the tournament we will be reacting each week to our picks assessment talking about scores and stuff like that 
And then from there, you know, I'm going to then talk about Anthony Garcia of Mile High Prep Report. Make sure to check them out. I know for sure that they're on Facebook. We share their stuff. Go ahead and just look them up, Mile High Prep Report. That's Anthony Garcia. Going to talk about his picks. He does a wonderful job covering smaller classification football. So, you know, we're really grateful to have his opinion. And then I'm going to let Coach V and Gideon give their takes on the 1A football bracket and kind of talk through their brackets. We're also going to post our brackets. So if you want to look through those while listening to this segment, that's going to be on our Twitter and on our Instagram. So go ahead and hop on over to those while listening to this segment to just kind of follow along a little bit here. And we're going to rinse and repeat this exact same process for 2A, 4A, and 5A. But 1A here, for those who are familiar, 1A consists of 1 through 16 seeds. These seeds go as follows, with the number one seed being the Lyman Badgers. Number two seed is Strasburg. Number three seed is Wiggins. Number four seed is Buena Vista. The five seed is the Yuma football team. The sixth seed are the Ray Eagles. The number seven seed is the defending state champions, by the way, the Centauri Falcons. The number eight seed is Monte Vista. The nine seed are the Holyoke Dragons. The 10 seed is Gunnison. The 11 seed is Meeker. The 12 seed in this tournament is going to be Rye. The 13 seed is going to be Colorado Springs Christian. The 14 seed is going to be North Fork. The 15 seed is going to be Burlington. And the 16 seed is going to be Flatirons Academy. And so I'm going to talk about my bracket and the teams and some of the reasonings that I have for it. And uh, I also got scores as well. Now, the scores maybe not be exact, but they do reflect how I feel the teams kind of compare. Now, up in the upper half of the bracket here, the four matchups that we're looking at in the first round is Lyman Flatirons Academy, Holyoke Monte Vista, Yuma Rye, and Colorado Springs Christian Buena Vista. That's the top half of the bracket, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about that first. I think that in the opening game, 1 versus 16, Congratulations to Flatirons Academy, obviously, for making it to the postseason, but I'm going to take Lyman big time, 56-8 to in this game. I just think that Lyman is the class, top of the class in this 1A tournament. In the next game of Holyoke versus Monte Vista, I have Monte Vista favored 27-12. to Holyoke, they have strung together a few good wins down the stretch of this season, but they just haven't showed me as much consistency or haven't put as much faith for me in Monte Vista, who only lost their very first game in the last week of the regular season to the seventh seed of this postseason. So I think that Monte Vista, they just have a few more experienced weapons on offense for a little bit more offensive consistency. So I, that's where I'm going to lean for this one, Monte Vista beating Holyoke here. Now, for Yuma versus Rye, I think that Yuma is going to win this one 42-26. I definitely think that, you know, they've put together a bludgeoning style of football. They've played really tough, and they just have a very good team put together. And so I think that's where Yuma will advance past this first round. And then I think that Buena Vista should beat Colorado Springs Christian by a few scores here. I have them favored 28-14 to 14 currently. So the winners of the top half, half of the bracket, or the matchups for the second round, I'll have Lyman and Monte Vista, and then Yuma and Buena Vista. Now, in the bottom half of the bracket here, the four games that we're looking at are Wiggins and North Fork, Meeker versus Ray, Centauri and Gunnison, and Burlington and Strasburg. And so, for these here, I'm not going to do anything crazy. No upsets here in this first round for me in 1A football. I got Wiggins beating North Fork 
52 to 21. I think Wiggins is significantly better. North Fork might get some scores down the stretch where, you know, Wiggins hopefully is resting some of their starters who've really been doing it, doing the most on both sides of the football off all season. But uh, I definitely do think that North Fork should still win this game. Now, moving down, Meeker versus Ray. I do think that, you know, while Ray did have some losses down the stretch, I do think that they are a more consistent football team. I do think that their defense has a lot higher of an end here. So I have Ray favored to beat Meeker 35 to 20. Now, this is probably the closest matchup of the first round, in my opinion here. And I think that Coach V is going to reflect that sentiment later. But Centauri and Gunnison, I really think either of these teams can win this. But I am going to give the edge here to the experienced Falcons here, the fast break Falcons, and give them the 20-18 win over Gunnison here to advance to the second round. And then between Strasburg and Burlington, I have Strasburg favored 48-6. to They should blow Burlington out of the water. I think it's even maybe a little kind to give Burlington six points in this game. But in the second round, the four games that I have currently projected are going to be currently I have Lyman and Monte Vista. Now Monte Vista, I really think that they're a strong team, but I just think that they're on the wrong part of this bracket here facing into Lyman. Lyman, I just really don't have a lot of doubts about this team having seen them handle business the way that they have. And Lyman, I think advances 42 to 21 over this Monte Vista squad. Now, Yuma and Buena Vista, this is one of the... Th this second round has some really crazy games between some really good teams here. And I'm actually going to pick Yuma to upset Buena Vista here. I know that Buena Vista has been on a roll here, but Yuma fares very, very well against teams who have a solid passing game. Uh, Damon Thornton is like probably the premier safety in all of 1A football here. Incredible track star athlete. I think that's going to make it very hard for Buena Vista to run a balanced attack here. And I also think that the Yuma defense and special teams is capable of scoring and or making this Buena Vista offense kind of really struggle here. Either team can win this game. I only have this favored by one point. And that's what I'm saying with these score predictions is look more at the margin to see how close I think this game is. And I think that this is one of those games that that is directly reflected in the score because it really can go either way. I have Yuma favored 14 to 13. But, you know, when you only have a team favored by one point, I really think it could go either way. In the bottom half of the bracket, Wiggins and Ray. This is another crazy game. Wiggins actually just beat Ray 28-14 to in the last week of the regular season. They played suffocating defense on these Eagles. However, I have a lot of faith in this Ray coaching staff here to adapt and bounce back here and beat this Wiggins team 21-20. to Now, Obviously, with that one-point margin, Wiggins could just... This bottom half of the bracket, I think that any four of these teams can end up in the state title game. I really do think that. Uh, where he is the top half, I do have, spoiler alert, Lyman ending up in state. But in this bottom half between Wiggins, Race, and Tari Strasburg, any four of those teams could end up being Lyman's opponent here. So I am going to just put that out there. Wiggins here, you know, I've been really high on them for the past two years. And, you know, I... I'm fine being the guy who puts a chip on their shoulder for them to prove wrong. I really am. I said that, you know, they have to get over the hump. They did in some capacity get over the hump with that win over Ray. 
However, I don't think that the mat the rematch will be as favorable of a position to potentially be in here. I think that Ray will adapt here. But like I said, one point margin, this game really could go either way. For Strasburg versus Centauri, I am going to favor Strasburg in this game. Centauri, you know, they've really put together a lot of good things with the younger squad that they do have put together here. But I just think that Strasburg's experience, physicality, and their big play explosiveness here just outmatches Centauri by a little bit here. So I have Strasburg winning 35-23 to 23 over Centauri. So that makes my final four of Lyman, Yuma, Ray, and Strasburg here. And like I already told you, Lyman, I have them going to stay. I have Lyman winning this game 30-7. to seven. The last time these two teams faced, I believe it was... Uh, I want to say... Yeah, it was 28 to nothing. I think that Yuma doesn't get shut out in this game, but I don't think that they close the gap all that much, and Lyman will advance to state. Now, Ray and Strasburg... This game is going to be crazy. Both of these teams have been number two on our power rankings at one point or another during this season. Ray, you know, I read a lot into that 13-8 loss to Lyman as them really being the second-tier team in 1A football. Now, Strasburg, those are my guys. I don't mind, you know, giving them a little bit of fuel for their fire here if this is what it takes for you guys to prove me wrong and advance to that state game. Go, go ahead and prove me wrong, but I do have Ray currently favored winning this 26-20, to 20. this being a one-score game. I think that this is a game where it really can come down to who has the ball last and then whose defense is going to prove to just be on that next tier here. And so in my championship game between Lyman and Ray, I have Lyman getting back to their state championship winning ways here, beating Ray 21-14. to 14. I just look at this schedule of Lyman here, and they've beaten a lot of teams that are worth a darn, and they've beaten them convincingly. Look, opening the season against 2A Florence, who is the three seed, beat them 20-3, beat Meeker 42-4. Oh my gosh, they literally have only played, they've only played playoff teams, and they've only won. They've only played playoff teams, and they've only won. Beating Meeker 42-14, beating Strasburg on the road 27-0, beating, beating Buena Vista on the road 50-13. Beating Burlington on the road, 49-20. They did beat Ray at home, 13-8. That was their closest game of the season. But they also beat Wiggins on the road here and then ended with a win against Yuma. They're going to have home field advantage for most of these playoffs. They might have to play Yuma on the road, but I'm not worried about that. And so then I think by the time we get to the state championship, their ability to adapt, the amount of playmakers that they have, the things that Jordan Rockwell has shown me this season, the things that Trayton Marks has shown me on the defensive end this season, allow along with the addition of, you know, like a Logan Bodger, who's been, you know, a nice shot in the arm for this offense, just another weapon on top of, you know, an most valuable playmaker candidate like Gabe Shubarth, who just is an absolute machine on both sides of the ball, being the best player on the best team, in my opinion. And the way that this line is coached, I just think that, you know, the Linen Badgers here are the favorites to win the 1A state tournament. But as I said, we will adapt to see how our brackets kind of shake out. And we will be keeping track of points on a week-to-week -week basis on whose brackets are the most put together. So do stay, uh, do put attention to that. So it's one point per game in the first round, two points per game in the second round, 
four points in the third round, and then eight points for the championship. Now, real brief, before I go ahead and pass it over to Gideon and Simon for their opinions here, I'm going to talk about Anthony Garcia, Mile High Prep Report. Please check him out. Excellent guy. Great job covering smaller classification Colorado football. For his first round, he has, and he's just going for the first round here, he has Lyman over Flatirons, Monte Vista over Holyoke, Buena Vista over Colorado Springs Christian, Yuma over Rye, Strasburg over Burlington, Centauri over Gunnison, Ray over Meeker, and Wiggins over North Fork. So he has all the higher seeds advancing to the second round. There's really no surprises there as it is the same for myself. So without further ado, let's go ahead and pass it off to Gideon. And then after that, Coach V talking about the 1A playoff brackets. Hello, everybody. This is Gideon back again, but this time to talk about playoffs. Playoffs are the best time of the year. Anything can happen. Now, of course, what everyone wants to do when anything can happen is predict exactly what will happen. Now, I will fully admit that I am definitely going to be wrong on some of my predictions today, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So, let's go into playoff predictions for the 2022 championship. Starting off, I'll go with some 1A playoff action. Start us off, we have Lyman versus Flatirons Academy. Now, I've seen Flatirons play once this year. I haven't seen Lyman, but based on everything that I've heard, I dare say Lyman, the one seed, is pretty darn good. Flatirons Academy, despite having Devin Glowicki and Jonah Elstad, they were pretty evenly matched against Highland, who didn't end up making the playoffs. I predict Lyman is going to take this one pretty handily and move on to the second round against either Monte Vista or Holyoke. In terms of the Monte Vista versus Holyoke game, I'm going to have to give this to Monte Vista. Holyoke is currently 4-5. and five. They have beat a Kansas team in Colby, a Nebraska team in Hershey, they beat Yuma, and they beat Burlington. Which... Yuma is, in my opinion, the strongest team on that list. I don't know much about those Kansas and Nebraska teams, but looking at it, Yuma is the strongest team. Meanwhile, Monte Vista has beaten CSCS along with Centauri, along with a very, very narrow loss to Centauri, who is another good playoff team. Uh, a couple of weaker programs in there for Monte Vista as well. They they played Rocky Ford, which, uh, yeah, no, that was fifty-four to zero. Uh, Peyton, 50-22, Trinidad, 68-6. So, neither of these teams have had the hardest road through the season, but Monte Vista has certainly had more of a hard road, and I think that'll give them the edge. Uh, we'll get back to them, Monte Vista versus Lyman later. Next up, we have BV versus CSCS. Um, as previously stated, CSCS lost to Monte Vista, Buena Vista, a pretty good season so far from them. BV beat Centauri, who's good, uh, lost to Gunnison and Lyman, but since then they've gone undefeated. However, about those undefeated wins since then, they've been against North Fork, Roaring Fork, and Olathe. Uh, now, Meeker was in there, and that one was close. That was only decided by 12, but yeah, those aren't the strongest programs. Uh, they also beat Cedar Ridge this past weekend. 
which, you know, that, that that's a pretty quality team, just enough to put them under 500. However, when we're looking at CSCS, I think that Buena Vista will have a way better chance. CSCS beat Flatirons Academy, which, that's pretty good. But then they lost to Monte Vista, who seeded lower than BV. Uh, lost, uh, they won against uh, Denver Christian. Lost to Woodland, who's a pretty good 2A team. I can't fault him for that. Uh, beat Rocky. Rocky Ford, that is. Uh, lost to Rye, but that one was only by 2. Uh, beat Banning Lewis by 4. Uh, beat Ellicott. Yeah, that's Ellicott. That's to be expected. Uh, and beat Peyton pretty handily. Granted, a playoff game can go any which way. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'll I'll say that Buena Vista has this one. Next up, we have the five the five seed Yuma. Um, so they have only lost three games this season. They ended the season on a three-game losing streak. Uh, started it off really strong though. Uh, Fifty-six to fourteen win over Sterling, Benning Lewis. They beat 49-0, Brush 10-7, Wiggins, they beat 23-20, Burlington 32-21, uh, they lost to Ray and Holyoke only by one score, uh, Ray was 20-14 and Holyoke was 21-17, uh, the game against Lyman, they lost 0-28, it is what it is on a certain level, that's Lyman, you, you can kind of expect that, uh, Rye, we're looking at something pretty similar, 8-1 season, their only loss, their only loss was to a Salida squad, which, yeah, so looking at Salida, they're pretty solid. Uh, they've gone undefeated since then, but against some questionable teams. Um, the, their two strongest wins were against CSCS and against Banning Lewis. Uh, CSCS, they won 31-29. Banning Lewis, they won 16-6. Uh, yeah, Rocky Ford forfeit. Uh, yeah, so they not only has Ryan not played the strongest of teams, but they also may be kind of rusty because last their last home game was forfeit, uh, not by them, but by Rocky Ford. So I think Yuma's gonna take this and move on to face BV. Next up, we have Strasburg versus Burlington. Uh, Burlington is 2-7 right now, 0-5 in league play. Um, they lost to La Junta by, uh, by a score. They lost to Elizabeth by 2. Beat Goodland from Kansas. Beat Lamar. Lost to Lyman. Lost to Yuma. Lost to Wiggins. Lost to Ray. Lost to Holyoke. Th this is a strength of schedule playoff team in my mind. But, okay, l looking at it, Strasburg is the 2 seed. And when they... And when Burlington played Lyman, they lost 49-20. to When they played Wiggins, who I believe is the 5 seed, they lost 35-7. to At Strasburg, yeah, they're the 2 seed. They've beat Holyoke, beat Wiggins, lost to Lyman. Oh, excuse me. Beat Bennett, beat Middle Park, beat Jefferson, beat Platte Canyon. The Strasburg has beat basically everybody but Lyman. So, yeah, no, easy win for Strasburg here. So, next up, we have Centauri versus Gunnison. So, starting off with Gunnison, uh, they beat Aspen, 
Lost to Monte Vista by a score. Lost to Alamosa by two scores, but that's Alamosa. Uh, beat Buena Vista. Beat Olathe. Beat Roaring Fork. Beat Cedar Ridge. Beat Meeker. Lost to North Fork, which is interesting. Um, they certainly have the potential to win this game. I mean, they beat Buena Vista 21-20. Pretty solid. Uh, only lost to Monte Vista by a score and a conversion. And then when we look at Centauri, Centauri beat Pagosa, lost to Florence, lost to BV. Yeah, looking at this, uh, they, they beat Monte Vista, which is really, really good. They beat them by four. However, aside from Monte Vista, their wins haven't been against the best of teams. Um, yeah, and they lost to Buena Vista 24-13. Honestly, I could see this going either way. I, I'm i going to give this to Gunnison. Centauri people, you can flame me, whatever. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm happy to be proved wrong. Just th that's what I think is going to happen there. Next up, we're going to have Ray versus Meeker. Uh, Meeker is 5-3. and three. Ray is 6-3. and three. Uh, okay, so Ray beat Highland, who was a pretty, pretty quality squad. Goodland from Kansas they beat. Uh, lost to Scott. Beat Holyoke 53-12. to Only lost to Lyman by 5. They lost to Lyman 13-8. to Beat Yuma. Beat Burlington. Lost to Wiggins. And when we look at Meeker, beat North Fork, which is good. Lost to Lyman 42-14. to uh, beat Roaring Fork, Cedar Ridge, lost to Buena Vista by 12, lost to Gunnison by 2, beat Olathe 41 to 8. I am going to give this one to Ray, purely because, I mean, like, if, if Ray is able to keep it that close to a team like Lyman, yeah, no, the, they're going to beat just about everybody. Which brings us to who their second round matchup would be which is Wiggins versus North Fork. So North Fork, 5-3, Wiggins 6-3. Uh, Wiggins beat Brush, lost to Strasburg in double OT. Uh, beat Platte Valley, I was there for that one. That was an amazing game from, from the Wiggins squad. Lost to Yuma, but that was only by 3, 23-20. Uh, beat Holyoke, beat Burlington, lost to Lyman by 20, and then beat Ray 20-14, as I just said. Then they're going to play North Fork, who yeah, beat Meeker, uh, no, lost to Meeker, 28-0, beat Grand Valley, lost to Montezuma-Cortez, who I saw him play last year, Montezuma-Cortez, pretty quality team, uh, beat Cedar Ridge, lost to Buena Vista, uh, beat Olathe, beat Gunnison, beat Roaring Fork. Yeah, I got to give this one to Wiggins. So, moving on to the second round, uh, we're going to have Lyman versus Monte Vista. I, I have to give this one to Lyman. Um, yeah, I'm just not... I don't see a world where Lyman falls in the second round. If it happens, it happens, but I'm not seeing it. Then we're going to have Buena Vista versus Rye. Honestly, I'm... I'm going to give this one to, to Yuma. Uh, Yuma, now don't get me wrong, BV has a really has a really strong schedule. They're a good team. However, they haven't played like a real 
quality team like Yuma in weeks. They the last time they played a team like Yuma uh, was when they faced Lyman, and they lost that one 50 to 13 back in September, well over a month ago. Um, and there's only so much that practicing against your own guys will do. On the for Yuma, they faced Ray three weeks ago. They beast Holyoke a week ago. And they faced uh, they faced Lyman two days ago, as my recording this. Yeah, no, they are ready for a Buena Vista type of game, especially after taking down Rye. So I'm going to give this one to Yuma. Now, Strasburg versus Gunnison. That, yeah, I'm just going to straight up give this one to Strasburg. They're, they're the two seed. Gunnison's the 10 seed. I'm not seeing a world where Gunnison wins that matchup. Again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but yeah. Then we have Ray versus Meeker. So when it comes to offensive weapons, Wiggins has Julio Flores, and they also have Kolker, who, like, in my mind, was an MVP candidate this year. He, he's on the honorable mention list for our 1A MVP. Julio Flores is one of our finalists for Offensive Player of the Year in 1A. However, when we look at Ray, they do have a Defensive Playmaker of the Year candidate in Tell Wade. Uh, the defensive end, he has 53 tackles, 12 for loss, 6 sacks, uh, 3 hurries, 2 fumble recoveries, and 2 tutties. I do think this one will be really, really close. But, okay, I'm, I'm a basketball guy at heart. And do you want to know what they always say on the court? Good offense always beats good defense. As such, I'm going to give this one to Wiggins. Then we would have Strasburg versus Wiggins. When these two played in the regular season, it went to double overtime. Uh... Strasbourg won 29-28. Really, really close game. So, instead of looking at that, I'm going to look at their more recent matchups. So, we have... Oh, okay. So, on Friday the 21st, Wiggins played Lyman. Ended up losing to Lyman 34-14. And then we have Strasbourg who, in their more recent matchups, they've they've done well, but against pretty okay, at best, teams. But, yeah, Wiggins beat Ray to end the season. At, oh. I think Wiggins will have learned their lesson uh, from that early season loss. I'm going to give the slight edge to Wiggins, but I wouldn't be surprised if Strasburg wins. Meanwhile, we have Lyman versus Yuma. I mean, there's a reason that Lyman is the best team in the state right now. Uh, 1A, at least. They are 9-0, and and they scheduled all the hardest teams in the state. They have a top-four team in 2A in Florence that they beat 20-0. They beat Maker 42-14, Strasburg 27-0, Buena Vista 50-13, Burlington 49-20. Yet the most points they've led up in a season... Is 27 to Holyoke, and they still beat him by 33. Now, the closest game they've had all season, the only one that was within a score, was against Ray. And 
that one was 13 to 8. I'm not sure what exactly happened during that game. Ray does have a really solid defense, so I can't be too horribly surprised. I mean, in that game during Ray, Jordan Rockwell, he was 2 for 3. Uh, but it looks like, yeah, like the Lyman defense got re was really good that game. They had three interceptions off of Casey Midcap. Um, yeah, looking at it. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to give this one to Lyman, because, uh, I mean, Yuma's good, but Lyman just sucker-punched Yuma when they played in the regular season. Uh, yeah, they beat Yuma 28-0 two days ago. So, I see this one going to Lyman. If Yuma wins, again, anything can happen. But, yeah, I see this being Lyman's game. Which brings it down to my official prediction for the 1A Championship. So, it would be Lyman versus Wiggins. And, yeah, no, I'm going to say it's Lyman. Uh, so, when Wiggins played against Lyman in the regular season, they lost 34-14. to uh, I mean, Wiggins has beat almost all the teams that Lyman has beat. Uh, even their games against other top seeds like Strasburg, that was double OT, as previously stated. Uh, Yuma, they only lost by three. Lyman is their only is their only other loss of the season aside from those two, and that one they just got crushed. So yeah, I'm gonna say Lyman wins probably. Screw it, twenty eight to twenty eight to ten, let's say. All right, there are my one A playoff predictions. What's good, y'all? It's Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and I'm here to talk about my 2022 Colorado High School football 1A playoff preview here. So we got the playoff bracket on Sunday. I went ahead and filled it out just so that we could look back at each of these matchups and so forth looking forward. And so I'm going to go ahead and talk about my bracket here, what I have filled out. Uh, if you want to follow along, I'm sure we'll be posting our brackets here on our social medias, Instagram, all of that great stuff. So you could look at it, uh, a physical copy there if you want to be able to follow along. Or you could go to Max Preps and look at the bracket there. Here we go. Let me go ahead and talk about uh, talk about my first round matchups here. And so at the top, we got a lot, uh, number one Lyman versus number sixteen Flatirons Academy. Lyman, I feel like they should really take care of business here. I have them winning this one, forty nine to twelve. So there you go. Uh, moving on to the next round there. Um, still in the first round, though, I have Holyoke versus Monta Vista, number 9 versus number 8. I have number 8, Monta Vista, winning 35-12 to 12 against Holyoke. Nothing against Holyoke. I know Holyoke has been picking it up picking it up lately against some very quality opponents but i just like monta vista a little bit more here i think they'll be really physical here um they did make kind of a lot of mistakes against centauri in the last week of the regular season i think this is the game where they make it right you know you can't make those mistakes here in the playoffs and that's where they figure it out and i think they win big here monta vista regardless should be holyoke whether they win big or not so there you go then moving on we have number five yuma versus number 12 Rye here. I have Yuma winning big 41 to 0. I think Yuma is just a better team. There you go. And then staying on this side of the bracket, we have Colorado Springs Christian versus Buena Vista here. 
Buena Vista should beat Colorado Springs Christian by a couple of scores here. Um, Colorado Springs Christian, I mean, they have players. They have a great defensive player in Nate Tonneson. Uh, they have a safety, you know, who's going to help challenge Buena Vista here. But I just think Buena Vista is a little bit more of a complete team here. They should continue their role and keep it going and move on to the next round of the playoffs. Now, moving on to the other side of the bracket, still talking about first-round matchups, Wiggins versus North Fork. I think Wiggins should win this one easily. Uh, number three, Wiggins against number 14, North Fork, by the way. And so I have Wiggins beating them 35-7 to to move on to the second round. Then we have number 11, Meeker versus number six, Ray here. Uh, Meeker, not a bad team. I know they've kind of slipped here in the rankings as of late just because, I mean, I feel like they just haven't been playing the cleanest football possibly. But I think they're going to challenge Ray here. Regardless, I still have Ray winning. And so I have Ray moving on to the second round here, um, winning 28-14 to 14 here. Should still probably be a two-score game, but Meeker will definitely give you some scares. Speaking of scares, we have number 7, Centauri, versus number 10, Gunnison. I think both of these teams are in very similar positions. I could really see either team beating the other one and moving on here into the second round here. But I'm going to go ahead and have Centauri beat Gunnison 20-13. to 13. Like I said, I think any team could really win in this one. I'm going to give Centauri the edge here since they have won state last year and are the defending champs. And so there you go. And then the last matchup here in the first round, Strasburg versus Burlington. Strasburg, I have them blowing out Burlington 49-6. to 6. Um, there's really no reason why Strasburg should lose this game or even, uh, you know, win this one in a close one. So there you go there. Those are all, all of my first round matchups here. Let's go ahead and keep it going and go into the second round. In the second round, we have number one Lyman versus number eight Monta Vista. I think this game could be a close one, but I have Lyman beating Monta Vista 21 to 7. I mean, this Lyman defense is nasty up front. They're going to give this running game, this Monta Vista running game, uh, some troubles here. And they do have a good one. You know, obviously, you have Alejandro Felix on the front lines. He's going to go head to head with some big time Lyman defensive players. And so we'll see how that matchup goes there. Uh, but then you have the running backs, Keegan Gunter and D'Angelo Archuleta. They're going to have to put in work here. But for now, I'm going to have Lyman winning 21-7 to in this matchup here. I don't want to spend too much time here on the second round matchups. Uh, then we have Buena Vista versus Yuma here. Uh, number 5 Yuma versus number 4 Buena Vista. Yuma could, on uh, really any team here in this matchup could win this one. But I'm going to give the edge to Buena Vista. Uh, I think they have a slightly better passing game that makes up for the lack of physicality. Uh, that they might have on the front seven, at least compared to last year, I want to say. Uh, but Yuma, I mean, Yuma, I could really see beating Buena Vista. This game could go either way, and so I know I have Buena Vista predicted to go on, uh, but I'm really just going to say that just because I I feel like Buena Vista has more senior leaders. They should be able to help grind out a close game against a very tough Yuma squad. Uh, so we'll see. Like I said, that game could go either way. Uh, moving on to the other side of the bracket, we got Wiggins versus Ray. Wiggins beat Ray by a lot in the last week of the playoffs, or sorry, of the season here. They beat Ray by a lot in the last week of the season here. This game will definitely be closer regardless. 
I'm going to give the edge to Wiggins here to win 22-19 to and move on to the next round. Uh, definitely another game that could go either way, in my honest opinion. But I think Wiggins, I mean, you have a lot of senior guys on this squad. They should be able to step up here and beat Ray a second time. Take care of business, you know, in the playoffs and move on here. Then we have Centauri versus Strasburg. Um, whether it's Centauri that moves on into the next round or Gunnison, I think both teams will try to play Strasburg close here. Keep the scoring to a minimum. Control the ball. Play tough physical defense. You know, this will be a slug it out type of game, but I really think Strasburg should win 14-7 to here and move on. Uh, I think regardless, they should win and move on over Centauri. Um either Centauri or Gunnison I just think you know they got a, a couple more athletes here that could uh, make some plays and give you a little bit more versatility when it comes to play calling so there you go there now moving on into the final four we got Lyman versus Buena Vista I have Lyman beating Buena Vista uh look Lyman I mean they're tough up front they're gonna give they're gonna really give Hayden Camp a lot of issues here I think and put the pressure on and so he's gonna have to play a very clean game here you can't have turnovers against Lyman because they're gonna you know make the most out of those and so I think they're gonna be able to score a couple points but I still have Lyman going to state again uh beating Buena Vista 35 to 18. We'll see. I mean, Buena Vista could definitely change my mind as the playoffs go on here. But they got to play perfect against a Lyman team that's just going to grind you into the ground and play excellent defense. And if Lyman has a two-score lead, you know, I mean, we'll see. That's a tough deficit to come down from. And so, I don't know there. Um, but I, I'm pretty confident that Lyman will go to state here. And so, I'm going to have them as my first state uh, team in uh, this 1A bracket. On the other side, we have Wiggins versus Strasburg. The first time we watched this game, Wiggins versus Strasburg did go into double overtime. Obviously, there were like a million lightning delays, and Strasburg was kind of running away with it, which is why I have Strasburg beating Wiggins and facing Lyman at State. I have Strasburg winning this one closely, 21-17, to because I know uh, Wiggins in that game, you know, they kind of played a sloppy game there. I think against Strasburg again, it's going to be much closer. They're going to play them a very very close here and so we'll see what happens but you know i think this will be a very good game i could definitely see wiggins beating strasburg though i'm gonna throw that out there you know if everything goes right uh this side of the bracket is definitely a little bit more competitive than the other side if you ask me and so we'll, we'll see what happens you know but I have Lyman and Strasburg at state, and then I have Lyman beating Strasburg 18-7. to uh, Look, this Lyman defense is easily the best in 1A. I would say they play excellent football. They control the line of scrimmage. You can't really run against them. And then on top of that, this linebacking core with Keon Bandy, Logan Botyer, uh, and then these DBs as well. They're going to really challenge teams that like to throw the ball here. Uh, and whatnot. I'm looking at Strasburg or Wiggins here. And so we'll see what happens, you know. But that is basically my playoff preview. That's my bracket to go over it once again. You know, I have Lyman going all the way here. 
uh, and Strasburg going all the way here. But in the first round, you know, Lyman versus Flatirons. I think Lyman wins. Holyoke versus Montevista. Potentially a close one, but I think Montevista fixes the mistakes of the past and wins by a good amount here and wins comfortably. Yuma versus Rye, I think Yuma takes care of Rye pretty easily. Bonavista versus Colorado Springs Christian. Colorado Springs Christian could definitely make this into a shootout. But if not, I think Buena Vista wins by a good amount here. Wiggins versus North Fork. Wiggins, they should beat North Fork by a lot. So there you go. Um, Meeker versus Ray. Could be a close one, but Ray should win regardless. Uh, by at least two scores, I would say. Centauri versus Gunnison. That might be the closest 1A playoff matchup here in the first round here. Either team could really win here. Going to give the edge to Centauri though. And then Strasburg versus Burlington. I think Strasburg should go ahead and beat Burlington and so there you go I will I just really want to focus on those first round matchups we'll see uh, what happens there obviously we'll predict every playoff matchup uh, each week and so there you go but that is my 1A Colorado high school football playoffs preview for the 2022 season thank you coach V and Gideon for that and now we're gonna go ahead and jump into 2a which i will headline as well i will talk about anthony garcia of mile high prep reports picks as well and then following that pass it right back to gideon and simon but for this 2a bracket let's go ahead and talk about who is involved and what the seeding is so one through 16 seeds here we go the number one seed is the delta panthers number two seed is going to be Eaton. The three seed is Florence, first year in 2A, by the way, already getting the three seed. The four seed is the Classical Academy, aka the TCA Titans. Fifth seed is the Academy. Sixth seed is Elizabeth. Seventh seed is Basalt. The eighth seed in this tournament is going to be Alamosa, and they will be facing off against the Devlin Jaguars, the number nine seed. The 10 seed is Woodland Park. The 11 seed is Montezuma Cortez. The 12 seed in this tournament is going to be University, the Bulldogs, same as last year. The 13 seed in this tournament is going to be none other than the Moffat County Bulldogs, who actually had the five seed and faced University last year in the fourth first round the 14 seed are the rifle bears the 15 seed is bennett and the 16 seed are the birth at spartans so adjust addressing the top half of the tournament here in the first round i have delta dispatching birth 56 to 14 something along those lines i think birth can score points pretty well but when faced with some of the heavyweights this year have not fared as well in the eight versus nine seed game i think that this game could really go either way but with the points that Devlin has been putting up, I am going to give them the slight edge over Alamosa, 36 to 35. I expect this to be a high scoring game between both offenses here, but I just think that Austin Bushlack is red hot here and can get Devlin past this first round. Now, the Academy and University face off. I think this is actually going to be a really, really good game here, but I do have the Academy just beating University 31 to 21. I think it'll be a really good game and great 2A playoff matchup. Continuing on, the 4 versus 13 seed, we got TCA and Moffat County. I'm going to have TCA beating Moffat County 34 to 20 here, just being a little bit more physically imposing and being able to slow down Evan Atkin better than most. On the bottom half of the bracket, I have Florence dispatching rifle here, 49 to 14. I have Elizabeth 
here, winning big time against Montezuma Cortez, 52 to 12. Then on the seven versus 10 seed game, Basalt versus Woodland Park, I'm taking Basalt 35 to seven here. Woodland Park, when faced with very strong, competent offenses, have not been able to keep up as well. And I think that Basalt has the experience to pull this one off. And then I have Eaton beating, beating Bennett 42 to six. I wouldn't be surprised if Bennett does get shut out in this game. So in the second round, that means that I have Delta versus Devlin, the Academy versus TCA, Florence and Elizabeth, and then Basalt and Eaton. So we're going to go ahead and reverse here. I have Eaton, Eaton beating the Basalt Longhorns here. Not to sleep on Basalt. I think that this will be a one-score game as reflected by Eaton beating Basalt 33-26. to I actually think that Basalt is going to be quite the challenge here, but I am going to still give the slight edge to Eaton. Would not be surprised if Basalt potentially pulls off one of the bigger upsets of the tournament, but they did kind of have a little bit of a struggle last season, so we'll see. Now, this Florence versus Elizabeth game is going to be one of the tighter games in the second round, if not the tightest game. I have Florence barely beating Elizabeth 21 to 20. Now, I'm giving Florence the benefit of the doubt here to get into the third round of the playoffs. However, their reputation on the 1A level was struggling was struggling in the postseason. And so we will see if moving to 2A, this is a new year, this is a new team, if they can overcome that. But I would not be surprised if Elizabeth does win this game. But I have Florence currently favored 21 to 20, it being a very close game. Now, in the top half of this bracket, I think Delta will take care of business against Devlin, winning something along the lines of 42 to 14 or 42 to 19, something like that. They've snuffed out high-powered offenses before. Great pass rush. I just think that that's going to be a little bit too much for the Jags. Now, the Academy versus TCA. This game is another one that I think could go either way. However, I think that TCA is just going to be a little bit too much for the Academy up front. The Academy in their games against teams similar to TCA, at least in stature and build as far as Delta and Eaton, they have not won those games this year, and I think that they will not win this one. TCA winning against the Academy 28-19. to So this may not be super flashy, but I have the one through four seeds here in my final four. And I think that on the bottom side here in Florence versus Eaton in the two versus three seed, I think that Eaton's experience here in 2A in the postseason as a winning program is going to reign supreme here and carry Eaton to a 31 to 13 win over the Florence Huskies. They're just going to have to show me a little bit more to earn my faith a little bit stronger. And then for Delta versus TCA, both these teams are very strong here. I just have a lot of confidence in this Delta squad that hasn't even been playing their best football all season and still got the number one overall seed. So I'm going to go ahead and give this 28 to 14 Delta over TCA and end up with the top two seeds in the 2A bracket here. And in the championship between Delta and Eaton, Eaton looking to continue this kind of reign of terror that they've had over the past few years in 2A. We've gotten some classic matchups from Eaton and opposing teams in this championship game. And I think this one will be no different. Either one of these teams can win state. I also think that TCA is another state contending team. I think that between those three, you have a state winner. But I'm going to go ahead and keep it boring here on the 2A level, giving Delta the 22-21 to 21 lead here. I think that if Delta has an opportunity to tie this game up, I think that they go for two, and I have faith 
and then being able to pull something off like that. But Eaton could just as well snuff out the two-point conversion and win this game 21-20. to I think that it's going to be a classic 2A matchup and one to remember for the ages here. Once again, I will also be speaking on behalf of Anthony Garcia in this episode and his predictions for the very first round here. In these predictions here, Anthony has Delta over Berthed, Alamosa over Devlin, TCA over Moffat County, Academy over University, Eaton over Bennett, Basalt over Woodland Park, Elizabeth over Montezuma Cortez, and Florence over Rifle. Once again, going with all of the top seeds, the top eight seeds here. So mostly agreed with that is where I was coming from here. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a consistency here. If you want more information or details on his reasonings, please do check out Mile High Prep Report. Like I said, he does great work promoting these, you know, smaller schools and getting to know the scene and whatnot. So it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know him and work with him to an extent over the past, you know, couple of years here. But now that we've wrapped that up, I'm going to pass it over to Gideon. And following Gideon, we will have Simon's reasonings, explanations, and analysis of the 2A playoffs here. Now for my 2A playoff. Uh, first, we're going to have Delta versus Berthoud. Uh Yeah, I'm just going to give this to Delta. Delta's the one seed. Berthoud is the 16 seed. There's not too much of a chance of anything happening there. I, again, anything can happen, but that's what I see. Now we have De Evelyn versus Alamosa. I do think Alamosa is going to take this barely. Um, the 2A Tri-Peaks, or 2A League 7, as they're calling it now, is one of the strongest leagues in the state. You have, you've got Woodland, you've got Florence, you have Alamosa, and you have La Junta as your top four in that league. Uh, and Alamosa ended up coming out as second, uh, going 4-1, and one, only losing to Florence, 42-20. Meanwhile, you have De Evelyn, who's in 2A League 1, which they have Bennett, Platte Valley, who's okay, Valley, who's alright, Wellington, who, I mean, they were 4 and 5, they're pretty strong, but freshmen and sophomores only, and Prospect Ridge, who uh, only beat Timnath this year. Looking at it, yeah, no, the, the way, the, the schedule that Evelyn has had to close out the season, they, they lost to the Academy pretty bad, lost to Elizabeth, they beat Faith Christian, which is pretty good, Platte Valley is a pretty, is a pretty alright team, uh, yeah, yeah, Platte Valley was 29 to 27, Bennett was 66 to 64, combined for almost 100, no, exactly 130 points, wow, but, yeah, like they, these last three weeks they haven't been playing too strong of teams. Meanwhile, meanwhile Alamosa they've had to play Lamar, who's pretty okay, Manitou, who like pretty all right, went on a three-game win streak this season. Had to play against Florence, who's the number four seed, and they had to play against Woodland last week, uh, two days ago, and beat them fourteen to zero. I'm gonna give this to Alamosa based on strength of schedule. Not much you can do when it comes to your league play, but that's what I see there. So next up, we have Moffat County versus TCA. Yeah, no, I'm giving this to TCA. Okay, listen, TCA's only loss this season has been against the 8-1 Elizabeth team. Okay, and that was only by one point. 
I, yeah, no, I don't, and, like, Moffat County is good, don't get me wrong, they played, uh, Resurrection Christian, uh, they, they played Steamboat, they played Bayfield, Rollins from Wyoming they beat pretty well, uh, Rifle they beat by three, Cole Ridge they beat handily, Lost Basalt, uh, beat Aspen, and beat Grand Valley, which, they're all quality teams, but TCA's strength of schedule this year, like, yeah, so we have Eaton, who they beat, 19-16. Uh, to 16. They beat Alamosa, 42-14. Beat Sand Creek. Beat Alameda. Beat Denver West. Beat Englewood. Beat Kent Denver. Only lost by one to Elizabeth, which is not a bad loss. I am giving this 150% to TCA. Next up, we have the 5 seed in the Academy against the 12 seed in, in University. Uh, so we're going to start with the Academy, beat Timnath, beat Elizabeth, who previously mentioned, beat TCA, uh, beat to Evelyn, lost to Delta, but that one was way closer than the box score. Uh, yeah, they beat Faith Christian, beat Steamboat, beat Fort Lupton, beat Berthoud, uh, and lost to Eaton, who, you know, there's no shame in losing to Eaton. Uh, that one was by 12, so two touchdowns. And then you have University, who's still a quality team, but they lost to Delta, lost to Eaton, lost to Elizabeth. That was all to, that was all to open the season, though. Since then, they've gone on a six-game winning streak, but not against the best of teams. You've got Highland in there, who was a pretty okay 1A team. you got Timnath, who didn't win a game this season. you got Weld Central, who, they're all right. You got Arvada brush and then they beat sterling 42 to 8 two days ago but sterling is two and seven i'm gonna give this to the academy uh yeah because at university did what they could with their non-league schedule but yeah looking at it i think that the academy is gonna pull this off next up we have the two seed in eaton uh Eaton lost to TCA to open the season 19-6, but since then they've gone undefeated. Uh, they've beat literally everyone in their way, uh, from University to Platte Valley to Severance to Berthoud, and most recently, uh, three days ago now, the Academy. Um, yeah, no, uh, looking at Bennett's schedule, they, they are 7-2, and two, which is good, but their losses are to Strasburg, which, as mentioned in the 1A segment, they're good, but... That was 43 to 14. And they lost it to Evelyn 66 to 64. Uh, and since to Evelyn, they've had three straight weeks of okay at best teams. Um, Platte Valley, not great. Uh, like, not as good as we thought they'd be going into the year. Valley, most exciting game they played all year. They lost. Uh, Wellington, they beat, but. It was 58-14, Wellington's 4-5. Yeah, no, I'm giving this to Eaton, hands down. Next up, we have the second, and only the second, team in two-way to be undefeated in Basalt, which is going to be facing Woodland Park. Uh, starting off with Woodland, uh, they lost to Summit, which is in Frisco, 17-0. Beat Salida, 22-21. Beat Mitchell, which is pretty good. Uh, beat CSCS. Uh, beat Manitou, but I know that one was scoreless at the half. Uh, beat La Hunta, 14-6 in OT. 
lost to Florence 39-0, beat Lamar 18-16, lost to Alamosa 0-14. So, again, in one of the strongest leagues in the state. Uh, then we have Basalt, who came in first in their league. Uh, they beat Eagle Valley, uh, beat Battle Mountain, beat Roaring Fork, uh, Grand Valley, Rifle, Moffat County, who's pretty quality, and recently just beat Aspen uh, to secure the league championship. This one is tough, because although Basalt is undefeated, they do not have nearly as good of a strength of schedule. If Basalt had dropped even one of their league games, I'd see them as a seed with double digits rather than a seven seed. So this one's tough. I could see it going either way, but I'm going to say Woodland Park right now just to, just to be safe. That drive could mess up Woodland Park because Basalt is a good distance away. It's about three and a half hours, plus the warm-up, plus any inclement weather because it is getting cold this time of year. It's a toss-up. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Woodlands just because I'm more familiar with how Woodland plays, and I know their strength of schedule is a lot harder than Basalt's, but being undefeated, that does give you a certain amount of momentum going into the playoffs. On to the next matchup, which is Elizabeth versus Montezuma Cortez. My prediction for this one is that Elizabeth is going to win. Okay, listen, I am sure that Montezuma Cortez is good. In fact, looking at it, they're pretty darn all right. They beat Aztec New Mexico, only lost to Rifle by seven. Beat Kirtland Central, I'm betting, beat North Fork, beat Ignacio, beat Salida, beat Bayfield, lost to Bogosa only by one, lost to Delta. Delta's the one seed. However, you're looking at Elizabeth. Beat to Evelyn, beat Burlington, only lost, they lost to the Academy, beat University, beat Englewood, the, and they just recently won against TCA who TCA, a uh, correction from earlier, they're, it's looking like they are the, yeah, TCA is the four seed right now, not Florence. Florence is the three seed. I'll cover them next. Yeah, no, Elizabeth is going to get this. Montezuma Cortez has to drive seven hours, seven hours to get to Elizabeth. Seven hours. They're going to be going through Durango, through Canyon City and Florence, through the Springs, and getting to Elizabeth. On top of that, like, sure, their league is okay. They've got Salida, they've got Pagosa, they lost Pagosa, and they lost to Delta. I do not see a world where Montezuma, with that ending strength of schedule, with how bad they got beat by Delta beats Elizabeth. That's just me. Finally, we have Florence and we have Rifle. Looking at it, Florence I see as a team that could challenge Eaton. Uh, they have like five different guys that are looking like potential D1 prospects. 
they lost to Lyman to open the season. Yeah, beat Centauri, beat Pagosa, uh, beat beat Manitou, 60-0, beat Woodland, 39-0, beat Alamosa, 42-20, beat La Hunza, 43-15. A lot of these teams that they beat were, in, were teams that, on one way or another, were considered top 10 teams. Meanwhile, Rifle, you look at them, 5-4. and four. Beat Montezuma Cortez, yes. Lost to Delta, yeah. Uh, beat Brush, lost to Moffat, lost to Basalt, beat Aspen, beat Grand Valley, beat Coleridge. Coleridge is 2-7. and seven. Uh, Grand Valley, not too great. Uh, Aspen, this year, let's take a look at Aspen. 2-7. Uh, and seven. They, th The best team in Rifle's league is Basalt, and they lost to them pretty bad. And Basalt is ranked a lot lower than Florence coming into the playoffs. Yeah, no, Florence, hands down. Which means that we would have Florence versus Elizabeth. Elizabeth, really, really good team. I see Florence taking this one. Uh, it, it's a bit of a long drive going from Elizabeth to Florence. That doesn't really factor too much into my pick here, unlike it did with Montezuma-Cortez. It's just the amount that Florence has dealt with teams that are better than the teams that Elizabeth faced. Yeah, I see Florence getting it. Then we would have Eaton versus Woodland. Yeah, no, Eaton's taking this. They've got one of the best kickers in the state, some of the best receivers in the state. Two seed versus ten seed. Woodland, I know that they're good defensively, but like... They've lost to a team that... They've lost to Alamosa and they've lost to Florence. And Eaton... The only teams that they've... The only team that they've lost to that's even in the realm of Florence and Alamosa is TCA. And they're way better than anyone that Woodland has beat. So... Yeah, I'm going to say that Eaton is going to win this one. Then we have TCA versus the Academy. Um, I'm going to say TCA takes this. Uh, the Battle of the Academies is going to be a high-scoring affair, I believe. Uh, I mean, they're both good defensively, but TCA only loss of the season was against Elizabeth by one. At this point, they already knew that they had a top four seed locked, so they may as well just have left it. Then, when we look at the Academy, again, lost to Eaton, who TCA beat, again, at the beginning of the season, granted, but outside of that, the Academy, they haven't played the hardest team since they faced Delta, so I'm going to give this one to, to uh, going to give this one to TCA. Last of the second round, we have Delta versus Alamosa. Yeah, no, I'm giving this to Delta. I know. Alamosa. Uh, we played against them at least... Uh, we played against them twice. Uh, no, three times when I was a senior. Uh, I've kept tabs on them while I've, uh, while I've been in college. I'm, I'm not going to say this... I'm not going to say what I have right now. But what I am going to say is that with the, t with the way that this team acts... I do not see them being able to have the discipline to come back when they're down two scores. 
And what I see Delta being able to do is being able to put up two scores early in a game against Alamosa, play strong defense, and just make it so that Alamosa collapses. I have Delta in this one, hands down, every day of the week, every week of the month, and every month of the year. So that one would leave us with Delta versus TCA, I believe, uh, and that would be a final four pick. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, I believe we would have Eaton versus Florence, uh, all the high seeds, all the top fours. When we get to this point with teams this good, it's hard to say. <sighs> Crikey. Delta, we, we have to look at what they, they've done recently because we can't go off their early schedule. I mean, they've beat solid teams to close out the year. TCA, on the other hand was beat by Elizabeth, but you can probably say that they were just resting. Now, you don't like to see it regardless. You don't want to say, oh, a team is resting, because... Yeah, no, that's a load of crap. Um, you don't... Unless somebody is on an injury risk, you're heading in... You want to head into the playoffs with a full head of steam, in my mind. But they have had a pretty decent schedule going into the end of the season. They do have a harder playoff schedule, theoretically, if they make it to the Final Four. Hmm. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm saying that TCA would beat the Academy. Delta would have to beat Alamosa. The Academy is way better than Alamosa. I'm going to say that TCA advances to the championship. It's good that they scheduled more hard teams this year. It's good that they listened to the advice from last year. Then we have Eaton versus Florence. I know that 2A League 7, the Tri-Peaks League, is really, really freaking good. Eaton will have a pretty tough road. Theoretically. Also, though, that theoretically is based off of seeds, right? Florence, they have to play Rifle. Eh. If Florence ends up playing Elizabeth, Elizabeth beat TCA, who's one of the best teams in the state. Eaton will have to play Bennett. Okay. They'll have to play either Basalt or Woodland. Basalt relatively weak strength of schedule woodland let's see what woodland came in woodland came in third in one of the best leagues in the state florence came in first in that league now it's going to depend on how eaton does against woodland or basalt but my pick right now is florence eaton hasn't had a strong strength of schedule ending the year and florence has had a really strong strength of schedule and playoffs they theoretically have a harder road which means that it's tca against florence and in that matchup i'm gonna be completely honest with you i have 
no goddamn clue who's going to win. I mean, looking at it, Florence, their only loss has been to Lyman, which, I mean, that's Lyman. TCA. Let's pull it up. I've got so many tabs open. TCA only lost to Elizabeth. So both of these teams have only lost two top-tier teams. But looking at it, TCA would have to play Delta. Florence would have to play Eaton. I'm going to say it's a toss-up. 50-50. Going to flip a coin. Okay, I'm going to give this to Florence, but that's just barely. Honestly, I could see it going to any of the top four. Like, yeah, Florence, Eaton, TCA, or Delta. I, I see any of them taking it. Um, I could see the Academy making their way into the final four. Um, yeah, that that's really it. Like, I, I can see Elizabeth making it into the final four. I don't see them taking it all, though. So yeah, it, any of the five, any of the top four seeds, I see. Yeah, that, that's just my take on it. What's good, y'all? It's Simon Villanos, aka Coach V, and I'm here to talk about my 2022 Colorado High School football playoffs preview for the 2A level. Here, a lot of great teams, and it was really interesting to see what teams dropped where seeding-wise, especially with a very eventful last week of the regular season. But let me go ahead and go through my bracket here, which you can find on Instagram, uh, Twitter, maybe TikTok, I don't know, but on social media in general at Playmakers Corner. And so if you want to follow along uh, and look at my bracket, you can. Or you could just go to Max Preps and see what matchups I'm talking about. But let me go ahead and go through my entire bracket here. And then I'm going to focus really on the first round and talk about those matchups and why I think they'll go the way they will. Okay, so here in the first round, I got number one Delta versus number 16 Berthet. I'm predicting Delta to win that one 42-0, move on to the next round of the playoffs. Uh, still on this side of the bracket, number nine Devlin versus number eight Alamosa. I think this one's going to be a shootout, and I have Devlin winning 42-35 to uh, and moving on to the next round of the playoffs. Then I got the Academy versus number 12 University, the Academy at five here. I have the Academy winning this one, 28-14, moving on to the next round here. Uh, then on this side of the bracket to finish it up, number 4 TCA versus number th 13 Moffat County. In my opinion, TCA should beat Moffat County. I have them winning 17-7 and moving on to the next round. Alright, now the other side of the bracket, number 3 Florence versus number 14 Rifle. Uh, Florence should beat Rifle, and so I have them winning 28-14 and moving on to the next round. Then we have number 6, Elizabeth, versus number 11, Montezuma Cortez. Uh, I have Elizabeth winning this one pretty easily here, 35-7, and moving on to the next round to play Florence. Still in the first round here, we have number 7, uh, Basalt, versus number 10, Woodland Park here. I have Woodland, or sorry, Basalt winning 14-0 over Woodland Park. But this is a game that could definitely be close. I'm going to come back to this matchup when talking about the first round here. But regardless, I have Basalt moving on to the next round. Then we have number 15, Bennett versus number 2, Eden. Eden should beat Bennett. And I have them beating them 21-7 and moving on to the next round. But I'm going to come back and talk about this matchup when talking about first round matchups here. 
Moving on, though, um, back to the top of the bracket. In the second round, number one, Delta versus number nine, Devlin. Delta should be Devlin. I have them beating them 28-7 to here. Uh, I just think Delta, you know, they have a more complete team. When we watched them live, they looked really good. They now have their starting quarterback back and so i think they're going to really be able to control the pace of this game play great defense against an explosive devlin offense and move on to the next round then we have the academy number five versus number four tca this was where tca lost in the second round last year and the academy is a team that i think could definitely beat tca but for now, I have TCA beating them 24-14, just really dominating the line of scrimmage, both on offense and defense, and controlling the clock here. That's what's going to matter for TCA. So I have TCA moving on to the next round of the playoffs here. Um, on the other side of the bracket, Florence versus Elizabeth. I really don't think this should be a close one. Florence should beat Elizabeth uh, here and move on here. And so I have them beating them 28-13. to I just, Flor I just think Florence is a more well-rounded team so there you go uh and then the last matchup here in the second round basalt versus eden i have eden winning big against basalt 35 to 7 eden i think has a great defense they're built to stop a passing attack like basalt and so i think that's where they win big here all right now on to the final four delta versus tca i have delta beating tca here whether it's tca or the academy you know like i said i think that matchup will be close in the second round i think delta should beat them and so i have delta winning 21 to 7 over tca in my opinion, I just think Delta could do more on offense here. And defensively, they're really going to challenge TCA, who I really worry about their passing game. I don't know if TCA could pass it officially, to be honest with you, against a top-tier, uh, not even a top-tier defense. Delta does have a top-tier defense, but against a playoff defense. And so we'll see about that. But regardless, Delta moves on uh, with a spot in the state championship. Then we have Florence versus Eden here. Florence, the newcomers here on, on the 2A level. Uh, Eden, your defending two-time state champions. I think, I believe, Eden goes ahead and wins uh, here 35-21. to 21. They have the experience. They have the players. They have the talent. They have the coaching. They have the pedigree. You know, especially if this one's at home. You know the Eden hometown will be rocking and rolling for this one and so i have eden going back to state here and in state uh you got delta you got eden i have eden beating delta in a close one 28 to 23 this will be a very hard fought game here both teams are going to be going back and forth coaching staffs are going to be making the adjustments they need i think uh, both of these coaching staffs are excellent and so we'll see what happens i think delta could easily win this one but for now i'm gonna go ahead and side with the eden reds here with this experienced squad um both on offense and defense and excellent playmakers so there you go there. I have Eden as my predicted 2A 2022 Colorado High School Football State Champions. Now, let me go back into the first round and talk about each matchup here. Starting with Delta versus Berthet. Look, nothing against Berthet. I just think Delta with Ty Reed, this excellent offense, they're going to really be able to score some points on a Bertha team that has struggled to stop some top-tier offenses. On top of that, I think Delta's defense is really good, and so they should be able to hold Bertha here. So there you go. And move on to the next round of the playoffs. If Bertha beats Delta, I'd be extremely surprised. Now, Devlin versus Alamosa. 
This matchup here could really go either way. Wouldn't be surprised if Alamosa wins and goes into the second round. Wouldn't be surprised if Devlin wins and goes into the second round. I think both teams are built to get into a shootout. Now, I don't know if both defenses are built to stop the other offense. And so we'll see. It really might come down to who has the ball last here. But for both teams, you really can't afford you know, turnovers. And if you have a turnover, I truly believe it's because your offense didn't do um, the best they could on that drive. Uh, not really the defense forcing it, at least in this matchup. And so we'll see. I think this will be a shootout. Should be a really fun game here. But I have Devlin winning, though. Moving on, though, the Academy versus University. I know University's Cole Croson has been playing well. They kind of have been picking it up here. I still kind of have my doubts, you know, if University wins a playoff game, I think that would go a long way in me believing in them against TCA, but we'll see here. The Academy, I mean, they were hanging with Eden, you know, it just unfortunately came down to a very tough fourth quarter where they just couldn't quite get it done. And so, honestly, I think the Academy should beat the uh, University here. I think the Academy is just slightly more battle-hardened here. So there you go. Now, Moffitt County versus TCA. I only had TCA beating Moffitt 17-7. to uh, TCA's defense is going to have to find a way to stop Evan Hatkins. You cannot let him run all over you because he will. He's a senior. This is his last year and whatnot. And I could definitely see a scenario where Evan Atkins goes crazy and goes for like 250 rushing yards, like five touchdowns, something like that. But realistically, I think this TCA defense is going to key in and they're not going to let one guy beat him. And if they do that, they should do enough to go ahead and score and move on here. But I mean, look, Moffitt County, they have a tough squad and whatnot. They like to control the clock and whatnot. Uh, they have a pretty good defense as well. TCA's offense, they're going to have to put in work. I'm looking at Ethan Aragundy as their star playmaker. He's going to do his thing, but it's going to take more than Ethan Aragundy to beat Moffitt County and move on to the next round. So there you go. Uh, moving on, though, Florence versus Rifle. Florence has all the talent in the world. You have a great quarterback, Levi Paxton. Uh, dual threat, legitimate. You have Lincoln Nix, a good running back, you know. Uh, you have Josiah Cornwell, a good tight end. He's a mismatch on a lot of levels. So, you know, he should at least get a touchdown on a lot of playoff defenses, in my opinion. Uh, so there you go. Defensively, you got some good ones. Gage Goodall at safety. He's going to do his thing. Josiah Cornwell, he plays both ways. He's going to do his thing along with Lincoln Nix. You know, I just really don't see Florence losing to Rifle. If they lose to Rifle, it's their own fault. So there you go there. Uh, Rifle is not going to go down without a fight, though. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to control the clock. And if Florence continues to make mistakes, Rifle is not going to let that go unpunished. Uh, just keep that in mind. So there you go. Florence should beat them, though. Now, Elizabeth versus Montezuma Cortez. Uh, Montezuma Cortez hasn't really had the easiest or sorry, the hardest schedule here. I think they've had some really easy games here. And in all the games where they play top-tier competition, they have lost. And so I really think Elizabeth should beat uh, Montezuma Cortez pretty easily here. Uh, so there you go. Now, Basalt versus Woodland Park. This was a matchup I wanted to talk about. I think this will be a good one here because Woodland Park has a very good defense. And they have a solid running game. Now, here's the thing, though defensively they're gonna have to hold basalt because they can't throw the ball and they can't run it they have a pretty balanced attack here we'll see what happens you know but defensively you know there's only so much you could do 
Offensively, I don't know how well Woodland Park could throw the ball, but the running game will have to be on point if they want any chance of beating Basalt here. And I think they can do it. You know, I really think this is a matchup that could go either way. We'll see what happens. Now, Eden versus Bennett. This will be an interesting one because Eden's Morgan Trebet did get ejected. And so he should have to sit at least one game. And that'll be this game. And Bennett, I mean, they're a team that like to run the ball. Really can't throw. I watched them play live against Banning Lewis Academy. They couldn't really throw it. But they can run it. And they will run it and go for it on fourth down here. If you're giving them, you know, those yardage. And they have two guys in Connor Rayburn and James Newton. Who are both near 1,000 yard rushers. And so if you're Eden... You don't have Morgan Trebet, your starting defensive end, uh, and he also plays fullback running back for you. Uh, and so that's going to be a little bit of an issue, and so this game might be a little bit closer here. And if you're Bennett, I mean, they're going to do what they do. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to go for it on fourth down, and they're going to score when they can. And defensively, they're going to do what they can to limit Eden. Now, Eden, in my opinion, has a far superior offense. They could both run it and pass it even without Morgan Trebet here. I am more worried about the defense because uh, the the defensive tackles for Eden aren't what they were the last couple years. You know, both size-wise and experience, they're a little green in my opinion. And so they're going to get tested. And so you're going to need guys like Ryder True to come up and make plays. Gunner Clary, he's going to have to contain that outside. Nobody should be able to run outside on Gunner Clary. Now, I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, and then, you know, you also have Zach Maskey, the other linebacker. He's going to have to do his thing. You know, it's all hands on deck. This will be a physical game. If you win 14-0, 7-0, whatever, a win is a win if you're eating. But you got to be ready to hit because that's what Bennett is going to bring to this game. They're going to try to run all over you. And you can't let them run up the middle. You know, you just can't. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, Bennett, they have nothing to lose here. They would love to win a playoff game here they really would so we'll see what happens though um like i said i'd feel better if morgan trebet was playing this game but i don't think he will because he should be suspended so there you go but that is my 2a 2022 colorado high school football playoffs preview here uh we'll continue to make uh, predictions week by week but just wanted to go ahead and get my predictions out there before the playoffs start thank you coach v Anthony and Gideon here on those 2A predictions. And as noted earlier in the episode, there are no 3A playoffs quite yet. We will be doing that next week, so stay tuned for that entire bracket and preview next week's episode. However, on this week, we do have 4A and 5A here, and there is quite a bit to digest here. So let's go ahead and jump into it here. I'm going to go ahead and read out the bracket first. So, the teams that have buys in order of seeds, we have Palmer Ridge, one seed, Broomfield, two seed, Ponderosa, three seed, Loveland, four seed. At the five seed, we have Montrose. The six seed is Denver South. The seven seed is Heritage, swing and a miss on the season preview by me there, by the way. And then Vista Ridge at the eight seed here. So in the 4A playoffs, at the number nine seed is going to be Fruita Monument. At the number 10 seed is going to be the Mesa Ridge Grizzlies squad. At the 11 seed, we are going to have Erie, the last year state runner-up, obviously. 
The 12 seed is going to be Golden, the uh, Demons, I believe they are, or the Devils. Uh, 13 seed right behind them is a league um, rival, actually, Dakota Ridge. The 14 seed is Pueblo West. The 15 seed is Windsor. The 16 seed is Skyline, who will be facing off against the 17 seed Wide Field. The 18 seed Bear Creek Bears. 19 seed Stanley Lake. So lots of Jeffco representation up in this tournament. The 20 seed is going to be the Longmont Trojans. 21 seed Rampart. 22 seed Air Academy. 23 seed is going to be Monarch. And the 24 seed is Grand Junction Central. So let's go ahead and jump into this. So. For my very first prediction, I have Skyline handling Widefield here. I know that Widefield's record is better sitting at like 8-1 or 9-1, but I just think Skyline's a little bit more tested and against similar teams, I think that Skyline has shown success. So I have Skyline winning this one 36-11. In the next game, Fruit of Monument versus Grand Junction Central. This is actually a rematch from the very first week where Fruit of Monument barely got by 14-7. However, I do think that they are on a roll here, and I think that they are going to handle business a little bit more convincingly against Grand Junction Central here, 35-16. to 16. In other first-round matchups, Rampart versus Golden, I don't see this one being very close. Golden, I have favored 47-8 to 8 currently. And then Dakota Ridge versus Longmont is actually a rematch of a playoff game from last year in the second round. And I think that this one ends much of the same with Dakota Ridge scoring a lot of points. Longmont trying to keep up in a track meet, but just not being able to do so. Dakota Ridge, 45-27 to 27 over Longmont. Continuing through this bracket, Stanley Lake versus Pueblo West. I think that Stanley Lake is going to try and keep the ball out of Pueblo West's hands, but I do think that Pueblo West will be able to score very rapidly and will outlast this Stanley Lake team 28-10. Now, Erie versus Air Academy. Congrats to Air Academy and their season, but I do think that Erie takes care of business here and wins convincingly 41-10. Mesa Ridge over Monarch, 44-18. And then I think the closest game of this first round is going to be Bear Creek and Windsor. These teams actually played last year. Windsor at 6-4, Bear Creek at 6-4. Both of them with, you know, some very solid performances and both of them with some very close losses. Bear Creek's most notable game, probably that really close matchup that they had against Fruita Monument that they lost by only a single score. And then, you know, Windsor has been very battle-tested this year. But I am going to give the slight edge to Bear Creek here and their more balanced offense. I have faith in Adrian Rico here. And I think that the Bear Creek Bears can win this one 21-20. So very close game. Wouldn't be surprised if Windsor does pop off. Bear Creek has had trouble containing the run before. And Windsor might have the most explosive duo of backs in 4A football but I think that Bear Creek's balance will be enough to overcome. So in the second round, including teams that were waiting in that buy area, we have Palmer Ridge for Skyline, Fruita Monument and Vista Ridge, Montrose and Golden, Dakota Ridge and Loveland, Ponderosa and Pueblo West, Erie and Denver South, Heritage and Mesa Ridge, and then Bear Creek and Broomfield. So going down this list, I think that Palmer Ridge has seen teams like skyline before and i think that they're going to be very well equipped i think that they're going to win this one 48 to 23 and uh advance from there now vista ridge versus fruit of monument this is one of the closer games i have had to predict here fruit of monument has fared very very well this you know thus far this season against teams like vista ridge 
but I think Visceridge really impressed me with their ability to commit to being balanced on offense, and their run game showed me a lot against that Palmer Ridge defense. And so I think that through a balanced attack, Visceridge can eke by here with a 21-19 win over Fruita Monument. However, that two-point swing is not a huge gap. I do think that Fruita Monument has one of the stronger chances of pulling off an upset in this second round. Teams that I don't think will have a huge upset here. Uh, I think that Montrose is going to take care of business against Golden 42 to 27 here. I do think that Golden is going to do a lot better in the second round this year than they did last year as far as being able to put points on the board. But I do think that Montrose's play style is just going to be, I think it's going to affect Golden's flow and rhythm. And, uh, you know, Golden against other top teams in the state like Ponderosa did not fare so well. So now Dakota Ridge versus Loveland here. Unfortunately for Dakota Ridge against teams with really strong front sevens like your Columbines, like your Chaffields, like your Pueblo West, they have not fared super well. And I think that Loveland does have one of those elite front sevens here. And, you know, I think that this plays right into the Red Wolves' hands here. I have Loveland favored to beat Dakota Ridge here 35 to 13. Now, this is one of the harder games that I've had a uh, time trying to predict here. Ponderosa versus Pueblo West. Now, Ponderosa, I know they're 8-2. I know that they are the three seed. They started off with an impressive win over Erie to start the season. They beat a 5A squad in Chaparral. They beat a 5A squad in Legend. They absolutely dismantled Golden. But that was in the first half of the season. The second half of the season, you know, that loss to Palmer Ridge is okay. The loss to Denver South had me really concerned. They got a couple of big wins against Vistapeak Prep and Far Northeast. But then, you know, against Thomas Jefferson, they only won by a single point. And it seems like there's either been health issues or maybe they've been doing depth rotations or just getting other players under center. But I think that inconsistencies on the offensive side of the ball where you have games where you do score 49, but then you also have games where you score seven. And then you have games where you score 55. And then you have games where you score 17. Like, the offense just seems a little all over the place. And I think that this plays very, very well into Pueblo West's hands. Pueblo West has a strong offense. I think that, you know, they're not a Denver South caliber offense. But I do think that they are a little bit more of an experienced version of maybe a legend offense. And so I'm actually predicting an upset here. But Ponderosa, before you go up in arms against me, I do have Pueblo West only winning by a single point. I think that this is going to come down to the wire. Whoever has the ball last is probably going to win this game. But Pueblo West, I currently have favored 29 to 28. I'm a little worried about ending up as a soundbite in one of Ponderosa's like edits, but I'm just not going to worry about it too much. So uh, yeah, Ponderosa does win. I would not be surprised, but I do have Pueblo West uh, being probably the most notable upset I have in this tournament here, in that game. Now, Erie versus Denver South. Erie is another team that I think is capable of pulling off an upset. They have really started to heat up down the stretch of this season in order to make the postseason, finishing 6-4, 4-0 in league, you know, uh, destroying Monarch, Silver Creek, Longmont, and Greeley West to finish strong. However, it's just against better teams in 4a they've notably struggled especially teams that are currently scheduled for literally they haven't beat a team with a bye and so i don't think that that is going to begin with denver south i think this is going to be a high scoring game 
but I do think Denver South pulls this one out 42 to 30 with a couple of opportune plays on special teams specifically probably being the difference here. Now, moving forward, Heritage and Mesa Ridge. I do think that this is going to be a good game here, but I'm tired of being wrong about Heritage here, who has put together a pretty historic season for, for themselves and has way over exceeded expectations, even beyond my own, I believe. So I do have, you know, Heritage winning against Mesa Ridge 26 to 13. I think that they have a very strong defense that is going to be able to counter this Mesa Ridge offense when faced with crazy defenses like Palmer Ridge, when faced with crazy defenses like Montrose. Those are games that they've lost. And so I think that Heritage is more closely aligned wise built like those teams as far as having a really strong defense and then an offense that can score. So Heritage will be advancing in my tournament. And then Broomfield versus Bear Creek, I actually don't really think it's going to be very close. Uh, Broomfield, I think, takes the cake here, 48-12 to 12 against Bear Creek. So in my third round here, I have Palmer Ridge, Vista Ridge, Montrose, Loveland, Pueblo West, Denver South, and Heritage Broomfield. Now, in this Heritage versus Broomfield matchup, I don't know how many of you caught the last week of the regular season, but it was a classic game. Broomfield barely beat heritage here 17 to 13 and i think that the second matchup is going to be just as close if not closer here however i do think that the result will be more of the same i have broomfield currently favorited 24 to 23 but if there's any not top six seed that could crack into that final four heritage is definitely the strongest one here so i got heritage you know just a point behind would not be surprised if they get revenge in this game however i just really like how this broomfield team is built i really like the leadership that they display and i do think that they are going to be able to advance to the final four now in this game between denver south and pueblo west we've seen denver south lose only one game this season and it was to another explosive offense in that golden game that they did lose by only a single point i want to say but i will say that that was probably more of a fluke they've had a lot of time to rest with a you know forfeit win over gateway and with big time wins over vista peak prep far northeast and thomas jefferson they've been able to rest quite a few starters i think that that's going to be really critical here versus pueblo west that's had to play some pretty meaningful games down the stretch here and I think that, you know, Denver South's experience is going to lead them to a win here. I have Denver South ending Pueblo West's magical run here, 44-34, to 34, to advance to the final four. Lots of four, four for four for you. Now, Palmer Ridge, Vista Ridge. We just watched this game. We just saw Palmer Ridge pull this one out by the skin of their teeth in the final 30 seconds of this game to beat Vista Ridge 24-17 during the last week of the regular season. However, I don't think that it'll be much of the same here. Palmer Ridge will have this game at home more than likely as opposed to Vista Ridge. So I do think that at home, Palmer Ridge has a little bit more control here. And I think that they win this game a little bit more convincingly. I have them currently favorited 35 to 17 here. I just think that matchup wise for the past game, they match up very, very well. And I don't think that Derek Hester is going to play as bad of a game as he did that Friday night. While he still did have, you know, good rushing production, I think it was a very off night play calling wise as well as just passing wise. So I think that, you know, that was one of the worser versions of Palmer Ridge that we'll see. And I don't think, you know, that'll happen again for Vista Ridge versus that was one of the better Vista Ridge teams that we would have seen. 
now in a really close matchup between the four and the five seed here. Loveland and Montrose, these teams are built very similarly here. Montrose's offense, obviously powered by the talents of Blake Griffin, which congratulations on being a private, like, pilot, by the way. So fun fact about uh, Blake Griffin, he's like a private pilot. He's like officially certified. So no, that's really interesting. But I am going to lean on the side of experience here. Garrett Harstad. 1,352 yards, 20 touchdowns. You also have Foley here who ran for 10 touchdowns. Olsen, seven touchdowns. Stevenson, six touchdowns. I just think that there's a lot more weapons on this offensive side. I think that Harstead has done a great job showing that, you know, he's not the best passer, but when you ask him to do it, 10 touchdowns to only two interceptions, it's just built a little bit better here. And I just think that with that versatility of being able to pass better than Montrose, that leads to a Loveland win over Montrose. 26 to 20, only by a single score here. This game could go either way. But, you know, following some things that I've heard and seen about Montrose, I think that Loveland is the superior team here. Which gives us a final four of Palmer Ridge, Loveland, Denver South, and Broomfield. This is kind of a wacky final four, but I, I really like it. I'm feeling really confident in it. Palmer Ridge, Loveland. For those who don't remember, this is a rematch of the 4A state championship two years ago during the pandemic, and Loveland had their way with this legendary Palmer Ridge offense. And, you know, last year, obviously these teams both did not make it as far as they had wanted to, but I think this is going to be a really good game here. Loveland is really going to test Palmer Ridge's patience here. Loveland's front seven is one of the best in the state, but as is Palmer Ridge's. So, you know, both these teams are going to be, you know, kind of grinding here to try and get this win. I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring game, all things considered, but I do think it is going to be a classic. And I actually have Loveland pulling off an upset against this slightly younger Palmer Ridge team. Now, obviously, there's plenty of seniors on this Palmer Ridge team, but I don't think, I think next year is a stronger chance at a championship potentially. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Palmer Ridge won here, but I have Loveland winning this one 12 to 10 in one of the biggest upsets of this tournament. Would not be surprised if Palmer Ridge won this game. Would not be surprised if Palmer Ridge won this entire tournament. Just want to put that out there. They are the one seed for a reason. They are undefeated, but I do like the way that Loveland has stacked up against some of the better teams in football. You know, their only loss is to 5A Fossil Ridge, who is a top 10 seed, but they have also tested themselves. They've beaten a Pomona that's in 5A. They've, you know, taken care of business on their crosstown rivals. They beat down on Erie as they should. They beat down on Windsor. And this defense has actually pitched four consecutive shutouts to end this regular season. This defense is on fire, and I think that they're going to step it up when it matters most. They were only a couple of inches away from beating Pine Creek last year, and I think that, you know, the experience will be the difference here and the physicality here. So I, I got Loveland advancing to the state championship. On the bottom side of this bracket here, Broomfield and Denver South. <sighs> Denver South... Their defense is not where I wanted it to be. Honestly, looking at this year and kind of looking at what my expectations were for this defense, it's just not where I wanted it to be by this point in the year. I expected a lot more shutouts this year. I expected a lot more turnovers. I expected a lot more pressures here. And with the balance that this Broomfield offense has, I think that they'll be able to just keep clicking 
And so that forces Denver South into, you know, a play catch up kind of game. And the only time that they've been able to do that where, you know, the other team isn't trailing or stabilized, they did lose to Golden. I think that Broomfield just has the balance and the strength on both sides of the ball to beat Denver South. I have Broomfield favored 37 to 25 and throw in a special teams or defensive touchdown for that Broomfield squad. So in the championship, you got the two seed Broomfield Eagles and the four seed Loveland Red Wolves. The last time Loveland was here, they did win the championship. But between these two nine and one teams, and by the time you get to this game, both are going to be 12 and one. I am going to give an ever so slight edge to Broomfield here. I think that they'll win by a score or less. And I have Broomfield actually beating Loveland 19 to 12. It's the ability to balance, the ability to pass, the ability to run, have multiple different looks on offense. They have one of the best leaders in the entire state in Cola Crew. He has fire, he has passion, he has moxie, and so does the rest of this offense. And so does the defense with a stellar front seven that has swallowed up very strong run games in the past this season. They have playmakers on the outside. Mikhail Bennett is one of the best corners, if not the best cornerback on the 4A level. They have opportunistic safeties. They have linebackers that move very, very well. They have guys that can play both sides of the ball. So they have versatility. They also have depth. I have a lot of faith in Broomfield's depth. If, you know, knock on wood, someone got injured, that they would be able to get a next guy up and have that kid ready to go and ready to contend for a state title. So... According to Cody Stoffer, your 4A state champion is going to be the Broomfield Eagles. And with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pass it on to Gideon as well as Coach V, who do have plenty of different opinions than me in this massive or supersized tournament compared to the 1A and 2A levels. Gideon, go for it. All right, so now we've got 4A. Uh, the 4A bracket, uh, for those of you that don't know, they have eight teams that have a bye, 24 teams total. So first, I'm going to let you guys know, if you don't know already, what teams have a bye. They are Palmer Ridge, Vista Ridge, Loveland, Montrose, Denver South, Ponderosa, Broomfield, and Heritage. Pretty good teams all around. First, though, we're going to start with the teams that whoever wins is going to have to face Palmer Ridge, that absolute buzzsaw, in the second round. So we're going to look at the Skyline Falcons against the Widefield Gladiators. So Skyline lost to Denver South, beat Stanley Lake, lost to Fruita Monument, beat Vista Peak Prep, beat Longmont, beat Silver Creek, lost to Windsor, lost to Loveland, beat Grand Junction Central and beat Greeley Central. Okay, so then we have Widefield. Widefield, nine and one, but given that they're seated this low, must be, oh yeah, 4A League 8. So yeah, their league is Liberty, who lost to Manitou in the preseason, so that, that, that'll tell you that. Centaurus, Palmer, Hinkley, and Gateway. Blew all those teams out of the water. Okay. Lost to Mesa Ridge. Beat Thornton, but by forfeit. Beat Pueblo Central. Beat Air Academy. Beat Harrison. Okay, the only team up here that's of any quality that they have is Mesa Ridge, who they lost to 48-3. So, they got a pretty good kicker, it seems like. 
Meanwhile, we have Skyline, who's in 4A League 1, who they had to play... Granted, they had to play Greeley Central, but Grand Junction Central, Loveland, Windsor. Those are some pretty good teams. Uh, Windsor, pretty all right. I'm not sure if they made the playoffs this year, but I know that I always hear good things about them. Yeah, yeah. Windsor is the 15 seed. Okay, so... I am going to give this one to Skyline. Wouldn't be surprised if Widefield loses, or if Widefield wins, sorry. But yeah, looking at it, just like, yeah, Widefield, they're the 17 seed, 16 seed. It, it's close enough that it could go anyway. Next up, we're going to have Grand Junction Central versus Fruita Monument. They have reversed schedule, uh, reversed records. Uh, Grand Junction Central is three and seven, and Fruit of Monument is seven and three. Uh, but looking at it, uh, Grand Junction Central beat Palisade, lost to Fruita, beat Grand Junction, lost to Durango, but they're pretty quality. Uh, lost to GSHS, lost to Montrose, lost to Loveland, beat Greeley Central, lost to Skyline. Very close against Windsor. This looks like another strength of schedule team. Um, meanwhile, we have Fruit of Monument, who beat Grand Junction Central, beat Montrose, beat Skyline, lost to Grandview by one in overtime, beat Bear Creek, lost to Heritage, who's a bye team, and it was it was only by it was only by one score, so that's pretty all right. Beat Grand Junction, beat Aurora Central, lost to Broomfield again only by one score, and beat Adams City. I'm going to give this one to Fruit of Monument. Uh, usually when you hear these two teams brought up, uh, people think, oh god, they got to drive. No, these are only 20 minutes away from each other. Uh, Fruit of Monument's hosting. Grand Junction's the 24 seed. They snuck in last, I believe. Um, yeah, no, Grand Junction Central... This is not going to be the closest of games. Now, granted, the first game they played at the beginning of the season, Grand Junction Central only lost 14-7. to uh, But, yeah, I'm giving this to Fruta. A lot stronger of a schedule, a lot more wins against solid teams, a lot closer against good teams. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so next up, we have Dakota Ridge versus Longmont. Dakota Ridge, 5-5. Five uh, lost to Pueblo West, lost to Columbine, but they're a really good 5A team. Beat Mesa Ridge 56-30. to And wait, if I'm right, isn't Mesa Ridge a bye team? Yeah, like Mesa Ridge, they're really good. Okay, it, not not a bye team, but pretty darn close. They, they, uh, they're they the 10 seed. Um, Okay. So, yeah, Dakota Ridge, yeah, they're the 13 seed, beat Rampart, who was in the playoffs, lost to Chatfield, uh, lost to Broomfield, not the worst thing in the world, uh, beat Bear Creek, lost to Golden, who's another playoff team, beat Grand Junction, beat Stanley Lake. Okay, looks like Dakota Ridge has had a rather up-and-down season against, like, a really weird season. Um beating really good teams and then losing to uh, what what seed is golden and okay okay that that's not the weirdest thing in the world then if golden's a 12 seed but you know lo losing to 
like Pueblo West is not what I would have expected. I mean, they are six and four, but yeah. So looking at it, I mean, I, I watched Longmont play against Monarch. Um, they're four and six, but yeah, they played Broomfield, Windsor, and Denver South to start the season. Started 0-3. Um, lost to Skyline as well, but ever since the ever since they played Greeley West, they they went undefeated until about three days ago when they when they got beat 47-0 by Loveland, who I mean they're a bye week team. So basically every team that they've lost to are at the very least quality playoff teams like Windsor or by teams like Denver South and Loveland. Oh, and Erie. Didn't see that one in there. But yeah, I, I just got to give this one to Dakota Ridge. They've won against much better teams than Longmont and Longmont has lost to much worse teams than Dakota Ridge. Okay, now we have Rampart versus Golden. Um, I'm going to go with Golden here. Uh, Rampart, they're 4-6. and six. They've ended... That They went on a three-game losing streak. Dakota Ridge, Heritage, Palmer Ridge. Uh, beat Shine Mountain in the middle of the season. Lost to Mesa Ridge. Lost to Vista Ridge. I think they snuck into the playoffs with that win against Air Academy. Um, yeah, like Coronado... They beat to open the season and let me check coronado can't yeah they're zero and ten what is there to say there um all around i do not see air academy beating golden uh golden lost it, they played an out-of-state game to start the season like beat silver creek lost to ponderosa actually beat Denver South 43-42, and Denver South, if I remember correct, is a bi-week team. Lost to Palisade 36-35, beat Bear Creek, beat Stanley Lake, beat Dakota Ridge, beat Adams City, and beat Grand Junction. Golden is taking this one, hands down. Alright, so next up we have Erie yeah, versus that. Air Academy. Um, sorry, Max Preps is acting weird. Um, okay, so with Air Academy, they both teams are six and four. Uh, Erie lost to Ponderosa by twelve, lost to Montrose by nine, lost to Broomfield, lost to Loveland. Have gone undefeated since then, but you know they're in the same league as Monarch, Silver Creek, and Greeley West. Um, yeah, and Air Academy, their league. I mean, they're in a league with Shine Mountain, Vista, Palmer Ridge, uh, and Rampart, which, I mean, not a bad league. Uh, got beat by Widefield, beat by Vista and Palmer Ridge, yeah, sure, and then beat by Rampart, which is kind of surprising. Hmm. S somehow only beat Coronado by seven. That one is concerning. That... That one is concerning. That one is really... Hmm. Okay, I, I'm going to give this one to Erie. Erie doesn't have the best strength of schedule, especially in their league. But looking at this, yeah, like, beat by Vista and Palmer pretty bad, and then losing to Rampart 
is what kind of seals it for me. Uh, I'm going to give this to Erie. Alright, so next up we have Pueblo West versus Stanley Lake. So looking at it, uh, Pueblo West, they've played Grand Junction, which they beat. They beat Dakota Ridge 21-14. Uh, beat Pueblo County, lost to Fountain Fort Carson 40-0. Beat Far Northeast, lost to Mesa Ridge, lost to Palmer Ridge. Okay, uh, they only lost to Mesa Ridge 21-14. They beat Falcon 42-6, beat Coronado 49-7, lost to Montrose, which, I mean, Montrose is 8-2, so you can't be too mad at that. Um, and they only lost by a score. That one was 28-35. Meanwhile, we have Stanley Lake, who play in one of the hardest, in, actually, no, the, eh, one of the hardest leagues in the state. So you have their non-league schedule, which is Monarch and Skyline. They lost to Skyline 14-13, to not the worst loss in the world. Uh, Westminster, North Glen. So an okay non-league schedule. But then you get to Grand Junction, lose to Golden, lose to Heritage, lose to Bear Creek, lose to Dakota Ridge. They they were 1-3 in their league, uh, which, yeah, no, that is not great. Um, hmm. I'm going to give this to Pueblo West. I, I do see a world where Stanley Lake makes it. Yeah, I mean, the Gators, they did put up... They've put up points in their past three games. Uh, only lost to Bear Creek by three. But, yeah, looking at it... Yeah, no, I'm giving this to Pueblo West. Okay, so next we have Mesa Ridge versus Monarch. Um... Okay, so Mesa Ridge, lost to Palmer Ridge, lost to Dakota Ridge. There are so many ridges in 4A, I'm just now realizing. Um, okay, so lost to Montrose in the second-to-last game of the season. But aside from that, they've done pretty well. Uh, yeah, Mesa Ridge, pretty all right. Monarch, I've, I've seen Monarch play uh, ever since they lost at Longmont. Uh, that one was 22 to 20, so that one helps their RPI. They whooped Greeley West 21-0, and they built and they beat Silver Creek 31-21, sneak in at the 23 seed. However, like lost to Pooter, not the worst thing in the world. Beat Boulder, beat Centaur. So like they have a pretty okay non-league schedule. They they only lost to Frederick 20 to 19. Um yeah, Mesa Ridge, I mean, the thing about Mesa Ridge is that their end of season is not great. So, here, I'll, I'll describe it to you. So, they did beat Pueblo West back in September, September 30th. They beat Coronado, who, again, is 0-10. Beat Rampart. Lost to Montrose. And then beat Falcon. Falcon is 2-8. Montrose, let's take a look at them. They're 8-2. So... I think this will be closer than the seeding suggests. I do think it'll be a one or two score game. However, I do think Mesa Ridge is going to take it. Which, that leads us to Windsor versus Bear Creek. Bear Creek, we've seen a lot in the schedules of some of the lower-seeded playoff teams, but they're still playoff teams regardless. So, Bear Creek beat Lakewood 
lost to Fruit of Monument, but only by 6. Lost to Golden by 15. Lost to Dakota Ridge pretty bad. Uh, lost to Ponderosa pretty bad, but it's Ponderosa. Uh, Windsor, on the other hand, lost to Mead, but that was uh, 35 to 34. Lost to Fossil Ridge, but a lot of people lose to Fossil Ridge. Uh, lose to Erie, lose to Loveland, and beat Grand Junction Central to close the season. I, because this one's pretty close, I, I see this one being the closest game of the first round. Um, Bear Creek, I mean, they beat Stanley Lake, who's a pretty good playoff team. Kept it close against Fruta, who's a quality playoff team. I mean, Dakota Ridge is a bye team, as is Ponderosa. Meanwhile, Windsor, they they have had more success. Uh, Loveland is their only loss since September. Hmm. I'm going to give this to Windsor, but just barely. Uh, it, it's a close game, regardless. So, that's my thoughts on that. In the second round, we're going to start off with Palmer Ridge versus Skyline. I think that Palmer Ridge is going to get that. Uh, Vista versus Fruit of Monument. Uh, that one's going to be tough. So, looking at Vista Ridge, lost to Pine Creek by 9. Uh, went undefeated after that until they got beat by Palmer Ridge just two days ago, but even then, that was only by a score. Meanwhile, we have Fruit of Monument, who, as we went over earlier, don't have the best schedule. Yeah, I, I see Vista pulling this one off. Next up, we've got uh, Montrose versus Golden. I think Montrose is going to pull this one out. Uh, then Loveland versus Dakota Ridge. I think Loveland has got it. Uh, then we're going to have Ponderosa versus Pueblo West. Not even close. I think it's going to be Ponderosa. Erie versus Denver South. I think it's going to be closer than the seeding suggests, but I still think Denver South is going to take it. Heritage versus Mesa Ridge. I think Mesa Ridge may be able to pull off the upset. If if nobody gets hurt against Monarch, I mean, yeah, here, let's look at Heritage. Yeah, okay, so Heritage ended the season with a loss to Broomfield. Mesa Ridge, assuming they beat Monarch, um... Yeah, Mesa Ridge is ending the season. Lost to Montrose, but win over Falcon. Um, yeah, I... Uh, you know what, screw it. I'm going to give this one to Heritage. Uh, stronger strength of schedule. They're going to have the extra time to prepare for Mesa Ridge. I, I think they've got it. Then, Windsor versus Broomfield. I, I don't see this one being too much of a contest. Uh, moving forward forward back to the top of the bracket i am going to do something that most people probably won't i'm going to say that vista beats palmer ridge this past weekend they only lost to palmer ridge by one score it was a fairly close game Braden dorman is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation i, I think that they'll learn enough to be able to pull it off uh, montrose versus loveland i'm going to take montrose there uh, ponderosa i'll take over denver south then Broomfield, I'll take over Heritage. Uh, next, that means that next round we're going to have Ponderosa versus Broomfield and Vista Ridge versus Montrose. Okay, looking at it this way. So, this bracket, 
I'm saying that Broomfield beats Heritage because they they beat Heritage in the regular season, like just straight up. Uh, it was only 17 for 13, though. I think that will be a close game again. But looking at Broomfield versus Ponderosa, although I know that it's the 2v3, I, I think that Heritage, I, I think that the Windsor Heritage games will beat up Broomfield pretty bad. Uh, it, if Denver, if Ponderosa is able to beat Denver South, uh, Denver South actually beat Ponderosa earlier in the season. If Ponderosa beats Denver South, I see them beating Broomfield because Broomfield's going to have to go through Heritage, which they only won by four against a couple days ago. Ponderosa is going to be ready. I, yeah, I feel that in my heart of hearts. Ponderosa is going to be ready. So I see Ponderosa moving on to the championship, which leaves us with Vista Ridge against Montrose. I think the momentum of beating Palmer Ridge, if that is what happens, would carry Vista Ridge, because Montrose would would be beating Loveland, but it it's a it's a one eight seed upset. So I, I see Vista Ridge making it. But that's when I see the steam running out. Because against a team like Ponderosa... Yeah, no. I, th there's only so much that Braden Dorman can do. Ponderosa just has a smothering defense. They have a bunch of guys averaging over three tackles a game. In total, they're averaging 103 tackles per game. 61 tackles for loss per game. They're averaging 10 sacks a game. They're averaging 1.4 interceptions, like 17 pass deflections on the season. You have 10 fumble recoveries. Ponderosa is just the type of defense that when Vista has run into this season, they've had a lot of trouble getting through. And even though their offensive statistics aren't the best in the world, you don't need good offensive statistics. Like, they have a thousand-yard passer in uh, in Stryker, who, yeah, all in all, Stryker has been pretty good on the season. Uh, sorry, I lost my place here on the. Uh... Okay, here we are. Yeah, so over a thousand yards from Stryker, uh, average QB rating of ninety-eight point nine. So he has one point six touchdowns a game. Seven interceptions, so 13 to 7. Not the best, but not the worst. You have 21 touchdowns from the rushing offense. Uh, you have four guys that have. You have three guys who have had 100 yard rushing games. Stryker being one of them, actually. Um, receiving, you have two 400 yard receivers in Mervyn and Edwards. Uh, yeah, you, you've got a lot of good stuff on this team to feel good about. And, yeah, I see the defense just smothering Vista Ridge. So that's my 4A playoff prediction. All right, what's good, y'all? It's Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and this is my 2022 4A Colorado High School football playoffs preview here. Uh, I'm going to talk about my entire bracket, which you can find 
on Instagram, Twitter, social media, whatever. Hopefully you can find it there if you want to follow along. Or you could just go to Max Preps and follow along as I talk about each matchup. But I'm going to talk about my entire bracket here and then focus mainly on the first round uh, since we are going to go ahead and make predictions each week here. But I do want to focus on the first round. Not before I talk about the entire bracket and I do have score predictions too. So let's go ahead and jump into it. All right, so at the top here, uh, Palmer Ridge is obviously the one seed, and so we have number 17 Widefield versus number 16 Skyline. The winner plays Palmer Ridge. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and have Widefield beating Skyline 21 to 18 here. Like I said, I'll talk about more of these first round matchups later. Uh, after that, we have Vista Ridge. They have a buy-in, so we have number 9 Fruit of Monument versus number 24 Grand Junction Central. Winner plays Vista Ridge. I have Fruit of Monument beating Grand Junction Central. This might be a close one, and so I have Fruit of Monument winning 21-14. to Regardless, though, Fruita should move on to play Vista Ridge. Moving on, though, Montrose, they're at number 5. They have a buy-in, so uh, we have number 21 Rampart versus number 12 Golden. The winner plays Montrose. I think Golden should win easily here so i have the morning 35 to 0 to face montrose on the second round uh then number four loveland they have a bye and they'll play the winner of number 13 dakota ridge versus number 20 longmont this is a playoff game that actually happened last year and so it's happening again 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 uh which is <laughs> really interesting here i have dakota ridge beating longmont 42 to 21 longmont will put up a fight here but I think Dakota Ridge goes ahead and takes care of business to face Loveland in the second round. Now, on the other side of the bracket, number three, Ponderosa, they have a bye. And they'll play the winner of number 19, Stanley Lake, and number 14, Pueblo West. I personally think this will be a close matchup, but I have Pueblo West winning 21-12 facing Ponderosa. Uh, moving on, though, number six, Denver South, they have the bye. They'll play the winner of number 11, Erie, versus number 22, Air Academy. Um, look, Air Academy, they've had a good season here. Erie is the better team, though. And so I have them winning 35-14 to 14 to get out the first round and face Denver South in the second round. And then lastly, the last couple matchups here in the first round. Uh, number 7, Heritage, they have a bye here. And they'll play the winner of number 10, Mesa Ridge versus number 23, Monarch. I have Mesa Ridge beating Monarch 35-16 to to face Heritage in the next round. And then we have number 15, Windsor versus number... I want to say that's number 18, Bear Creek here. I have Windsor barely beating Bear Creek. This is a close one. 21 to 20 and moving on to the second round to play Broomfield who is number two and four a and with a bye uh, Let me go ahead and move on here Like I said, I'll talk about first round matchups in depth later But back at the top of the bracket number one Palmer Ridge versus number 17 Widefield There's no reason Palmer Ridge should lose this game. I have Palmer Ridge beating Widefield 35 to 13 Moving on to the next round of the playoffs. Then I got number nine Fruta Monument versus number 8 Vista Ridge here. I have Fruta Monument upsetting Vista Ridge 23 to 17. Here's my reasoning. I saw Vista Ridge play Palmer Ridge. I don't know how 
I don't know how they'll handle being down to a team like Fudo Monument, who is very steady. You know, they run the ball well. They'll run play action against you and all that. This Vista Ridge defense kind of scares me a little bit here. They let Derek Kester and Gator Robinson run uh, kind of all over them here. Corbin Rowell, Wyatt Sharp, Kaysen Stegelmeyer. They do that thing for a living here. I know Palmer Ridge kind of had to result uh, to just running the ball here. That is Food of Monuments game. They run the ball against you. And so we'll see how they handle them there. And they also play good defense against you. And so I think they might be able to limit the Zavista Ridge offense's opportunities here. I'm not as concerned about the offense as I am the defense. And so I have Food of Monument upsetting Vista Ridge. We'll see. It could definitely go either way. For Vista Ridge, you have to be mentally tough to beat Food of Monument. And I don't know if the whole team is mentally tough for that. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. You got to show me. Because in my opinion, you didn't show me against Palmer Ridge. So there you go there. Uh, moving on though, Montrose versus Golden. Montrose should beat Golden. I have them beating them 35-12 to moving on to the next round. Then I have Loveland versus Dakota Ridge. I think Dakota Ridge will try their hardest to beat Loveland here. But I have Loveland beating them 21-17 to to move on to the next round here. Uh, we'll just see. I mean, they're going to really key in on the run here. And so it's going to be up to Blake Palladino. And we'll see if he could beat this Loveland defense through the air and play efficiently. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And so we'll see there. I think that game could go either way. But I really have Loveland beating them. Just because they're going to be well rested. Coming off of bye. This is going to be at home. It's going to be a hard game for Dakota Ridge to win. Just going to be honest with you. Alright, now moving on to the other side of the bracket. Ponderosa versus Pueblo West here. I have Ponderosa beating Pueblo West 21-20 to here. Pueblo West, I think they have the ability, uh, wide receiver-wise, to beat Ponderosa. But they haven't really leaned on the passing game, haven't called a lot of passing plays. And that is extremely concerning. That's a coaching issue more than a player issue. Ponderosa, they know who they are. You know, they play good defense. Uh, they know what they got. Uh, and so I'm going to have Ponderosa winning this one in a close one, 21 to 20 here. Could go either way, but I honestly like Ponderosa's coaching staff a little bit better. That's just what it comes down to, in my opinion. All right. Uh, then we have Denver South versus Erie. Erie, they've kind of got back on track here, but they're going to play a high-quality, high-powered offense in Denver South, who has Joseph Capra, dual threat. They have Rashad Caldwell, one of the best receivers in the state and all-playmaker guy, probably. Uh, they have a very good, uh, tall, number two uh, wide receiver who's like 6'3", 6'4". You know, he's going to make some plays as well. They have two running backs in Chevelle Early, who is the Thunder. And then you have uh, Orlando Guevara, I want to say, who is the Lightning. You got to stop them. And so there's a lot of things going on on this Denver South offense that I just don't know if this eerie defense will be able to completely contain. They're going to do their best job here, but I'm looking at this eerie offense, Blake Barnett and company, you got to find ways to score against Denver South, and they got a good safety. They got some good players out there as well. You got to find ways to score. You got to help out your defense, and so far, I don't know if they could do that, if the Erie offense could pull their weight. And so I have Denver South winning 35-21. to We'll see, though. Maybe they turn the corner, but uh, just going off of the regular season stuff, I mean, Erie has more to prove to me, and so we'll see if they could do that. Now, Heritage versus Mesa Ridge. I have Mesa Ridge upsetting Heritage 27-21 to here. 
Uh, look, this Mesa Ridge offense is explosive as well. Remind me a little bit of Denver South's offense. Um, except I don't think the quarterback is as good. But Bryce Real as a sophomore, he has done some things. He is going to be ready for this game. You also have Avon Wright. He is also going to be ready for this game. He's a very good second receiver here. A speedster. He, you got to shut him down. You got to find a way to stop him. But on top of that, you got to stop there. A uh, number one receiver, Carver Cheeks, who is one of the best receivers in the entire state. An all playmaker guy. He is somebody that you cannot allow loose. And so there you go. You already have two guys in the passing game you got to worry about. On top of that, you have the running game that you have to worry about because they got a thunder and lightning of their own. Junior running back Isaiah Jones is a powerful running back. Against Montrose, you know, he really pounded the middle of that defense and whatnot. And so we'll see if that Heritage defense is ready for the power that is Isaiah Jones. But on top of that, you have standout electric freshman running back Trayvon Salas who... Is tough. I mean, he's not as big as Isaiah Jones, but he's very quick. He's fast. He's explosive. He's six foot. He's 180 pounds. He's built as well. So he's not a toothpick by any means. He could be a workhorse for this team as well. And so you got to stop him as well. On top of that, you have Bryce Real, who's going to be able to run the ball as well, make some plays. And so I think the Mesa Ridge offense is going to surprise a lot of people. And if they play a clean game here, they should be able to be Heritage here. And so I have Mesa Ridge moving on. Uh, Heritage, I mean, we, they have a bye for a reason. You know, but we'll see uh, if this offense could stand up to the firepower of this Mesa Ridge offense here. It's going to come down to the defense for Heritage. You got to make plays here against Mesa Ridge. And if you get turnovers, the offense for Heritage has to pay out. They have to cash out and score on those turnovers. And so we'll see. That's a close game that could definitely go either way if it does happen in the second round. Now, the last second round matchup to talk about here is Windsor versus Broomfield. I have Broomfield beating them 28-14. to I think Broomfield, they're going to be rested, which they need. You know, and they're going to be ready for this game. Windsor, they're going to do their thing. They're going to try to control the clock and run the ball. But I think Broomfield, led by Cole LaCrue and company, is going to find a way to get it done and move on to the second round here. Alright, now, the third round here. Uh, Palmer Ridge versus Fruita Monument. Um, I have Palmer Ridge beating Fruita Monument 21-20. to Fruita, they're going to really challenge Palmer Ridge now, but I trust Palmer Ridge. They're going to learn from last year, and they're going to get over this hump here and get on to the second round, uh, to the final four here. And so, there you go there. Uh, Fruita Monument, they're going to definitely challenge them. This could go either way, though. Alright, uh, Montrose versus Loveland. Winner plays Palmer Ridge here. I have Loveland beating Montrose here. Loveland, they've been to state. They've won state before. So I trust that experience with these guys to go ahead and limit a Montrose team that is going to do their best to run over you with Blake Griffin. They'll give end rounds to Dor Tori Eckerman who is extremely fast and could break it outside at any given moment. And whatnot. And so Loveland, they're going to have to play very good defense here. And, you know, I think they will be battle hardened against uh, Dakota Ridge here, who's going to, you know, they're going to have a lot of ways to beat you. But against Montrose, I think Loveland would love that matchup here. Uh, could definitely go either way. You know, it really just depends. Both of these teams, you know, they play good defenses, they run the ball well, and they focus on running the ball well here. It really might come down to who makes a single mistake because it really might come down to a single mistake. And that could be as much as, you know, not converting on third down. 
you know and so we'll see what happens but i have love them beating montrose here and moving on to the next round of the playoffs all right now ponderosa versus denver south got to see this matchup in the regular season but zach striker he was a little sick under the weather We'll see, but still, though, um, it's going to be a closer game. Denver South's not going to be Ponderosa the same way they did. Uh, Ponderosa's definitely going to challenge them, but I have Denver South beating Ponderosa from what I saw. Denver South, they got a lot of weapons here. They got to play a clean game of football. You know, take what they're giving you here and go from there. And so I have Denver South beating Ponderosa barely 18-14 to moving on here. This is definitely a winnable game for Pondo. I wouldn't be surprised if they win it at all. You know, this is another game where, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, maybe mistakes that you make in the second quarter that might affect you in the fourth quarter. And so you got to play a complete game here. You know, you cannot start slow if you're either team. So there you go. Uh, then Mace Ridge versus Broomfield. I think Mace Ridge, they have a good offense as well. But defensively, I don't know if they could stop Broomfield. On top of that, this Broomfield defense, they got a guy in Mikhail Bennett who's going to challenge their number one receiver and try to take him away, which he definitely could, and force Bryce Rue into some mistakes. And so I actually have Broomfield beating them 38-21. to uh, Broomfield, they have an experienced squad too, led by Cola Crew. If it comes down to a game-winning drive or a drive to put away this game, I trust Cola Crew to get it done because that's what might have to happen. All right, final four, Palmer Ridge versus Loveland. We saw this in state a couple years ago. I think Palmer Ridge finally gets their revenge over Loveland and beats them 21 to 14. This is going to be a battle though. You know, this is going to be a battle. You cannot, you cannot, I repeat, underestimate Loveland. Loveland is going to play their game. They know who they are. Palmer Ridge, hey, you know who you are as well. You should beat this team. Um, and they got to get the passing game going, you know, uh, you cannot beat Loveland by trying to outrun them, at least I don't think so, you know, if you could get at least one passing touchdown, I think that is good enough to go to state, this will be a battle in the trenches if it comes down to a Palmer Ridge versus Loveland here, I'm gonna give Palmer Ridge the edge here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Loveland goes back to state, either team here could really go to state in my opinion, uh, so there you go. Now, on the other side, we have Denver South versus Broomfield. You know, Cola Crew versus Joseph Capra. That's what's gonna. That's what it's going to be, you know. And I'm going to trust jo uh, Cola Crew to go ahead and find a way to get it done here. On top of that, I think Broomfield just has a little bit of a better defense. Denver South, um, I don't distrust their offense, but their defense hasn't been as good as they could have been. And if they're not careful, you know, Broomfield could really milk a lot of this clock through the running game here you know i'm looking at the running backs i'm looking at cola crew they're gonna pound you if it means it could put away the game and so i'm gonna give broomfield the uh, edge here and beating denver south could denver south beat broomfield for sure but this offense they have to be almost perfect they have to be clicking and defensively you cannot have bad mental mistakes um at this point gotta play a good four quarters here against this team that's going to give you a nice you know blend of running and passing which is going to be hard to predict and so you got to be on your toes so i think that's going to be too much i think broomfield they go to state here and so at state i got palmeridge versus broomfield here this would be an excellent matchup but i have broomfield winning it 34 to 28 28 in a close one hey if you need a guy to make plays, if you need a guy to win you a game, if you need a guy to come back from behind and score the game-winning touchdown, you have him in Cola Crew. 
I trust him to be the emotional leader for this team to keep this team grounded here. On top of that, you have an excellent defense. You have a great running game. I think Broomfield would beat Palmer Ridge, but Palmer Ridge is not going to go down without a fight. They have championship DNA as well. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but there you go. That is my Colorado high school football bracket. Let me go back to the first round. I want to talk about a lot of these games here. Uh, Whitefield versus Skyline. This is a game that could be really close here. I think Skyline, they do have the senior quarterback in Caden Box. He can win them this game. But the defense is going to do their part. They're going to have to do their part here because Whitefield, you know, they have Paul Mitchell. He's a solid quarterback. You have Braden DeMatos Burroughs. He is a tough running back that, you know, Skyline's defense they're going to have to stop him. You know, he's a power back and they're going to have to stop him. And so, honestly, this is really a matchup that could go either way. Wouldn't be surprised if Skyline beats them, but Widefield is not going to go down without swinging. My only concern is that Widefield is a little bit younger here. And so, maybe Skyline, you know, with more seniors and whatnot, at least at key positions, could beat them. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And so, we'll see what happens. Either way, they got to play Palmer Ridge in the next round. Uh, but can't get caught looking ahead. So there you go. Food of Monument versus Grand Junction Central. I think this will be a close game. Grand Junction Central played Montrose, who played Food of Monument, relatively close here. I really don't feel like Food of Monument should get upset here. If they do, that's on them. But you never know. You never know here. For once, Food of Monument won't have to travel across the entire state to play somebody. So we'll see what happens here, though. Um, so there you go there. Like I said, you know, Food of Monument should win this one, but I wouldn't be surprised if Grand Junction makes it a close one. So there you go. Golden versus Rampart. I really don't think Rampart should beat Golden here. If they do, there's a lot of blame to go around for Golden because Golden has more seniors, they're more talented, uh, all that stuff, you know, and so I really think Golden should blow out Rampart. I don't think this is a close game, to be honest with you, so there you go. Moving on, Dakota Ridge versus Longmont. Like I said, this was a matchup that happened last year, I want to say. Uh, Dakota Ridge should beat them. I mean, Noah Triplett, he's going to do his thing, man. I think this is going to be a very classic Noah Triplett game. But on top of that, if you're Blake Palladino at quarterback, you know, you're the leader of the passing offense. You got to start finding ways to get big chunk plays and really getting this passing offense going because you're going to need that in the next round. And if you can't get that going against Longmont, you know, then, you know, we'll see. But don't play out of your element. You know, if uh, triplets going off, manage the game, get the win, move on to the next round. If you're Dakota Ridge, you're focusing on winning. Forget how you win it. You know, just make the plays you need to. And I think Dakota Ridge has too much talent and uh, great coaching to lose to a team like Longmont, who is good as well, but they're just a little bit too green, in my opinion here. You got some guys uh, who haven't been in this position you know, playing in the playoffs as the guys. So we'll see, but could definitely be a closer one. All right, Pueblo West versus Stanley Lake. Stanley Lake is a team that is going to play you close. And if Pueblo West cannot pass the ball efficiently over Stanley Lake, then they could definitely be in trouble here and whatnot. So we'll see. But Stanley Lake, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. They're a team that could win a playoff game. They're a team that can upset you, and so we'll see if they do it, but they're going to play Pueblo West and give them their best shot here, and we'll see what it comes down to. So there you go. Now, Erie versus the Academy. I just think Erie is more talented. If Erie loses against the Academy, it's probably 
a big time Sam Beers game, to be honest with you. Uh, but I'm not going to, you know, rule out the quarterback or the wide receiver. They got some guys. And I think they do have a chance of being beating Erie, but Erie would have to beat themselves as well for them to lose this game. That's just my opinion. All right, now Mesa Ridge versus Monarch. This could be a closer game, but honestly, this Mesa Ridge offense, when they are clicking, they are one of the best offenses in the entire state, hands down. And for Monarch, I mean, they've played some tough teams and whatnot, and, whatnot, and they've had a tougher schedule, and so they'll be ready. They're going to challenge Mesa Ridge, but I really think this Mesa Ridge offense is special, so there you go. Now, the last playoff matchup here that I want to talk about is Windsor versus Bear Creek. Bear Creek can beat Windsor, but Windsor, you know, you got a lot of seniors here as well. It's going to be a close game. This game could really go either way here. And so I do have Windsor moving on, winning by one point. But honestly, Bear Creek could definitely win as well. This will be a very competitive matchup here. Really very well could come down to the fourth quarter, you know, and see, hey, whose playmakers are going to win out? Whose playmakers are going to win their matchup? That's what what it might come down to in the fourth quarter. But there you go. Those are my picks here. Um, and that's my 4A Colorado High School football playoffs for this 2022 postseason. And now the part that I know everyone has been way too eager for. Don't worry. I understand our fan base here. And so we're going to talk 5A playoff preview and predictions this is obviously where we are going to get the most grief from every single team, but, um, you know, there can only be one. So let's just jump into it. One through 24 seeds. The first eight seeds with buys are going to be Cherry Creek at one, Valor Christian at two, Rouston Valley at three. We're going to have Grandview at four, Pine Creek at five in their first year in 5A. At the sixth seed, we have Columbine, seventh seed, Regis Jesuit. And the eight seed is going to be my alma mater that I also mispredicted a little bit here, Arapahoe High School. The teams that are not on the bye, 9 through 24, you have Thunder Ridge at number 9, Fossil Ridge at number 10. At the 11 seed, we have the Rock Canyon Jaguars. At the 12 seed, we have Legacy High School, 13 seed Mountain Vista, 14 seed Fairview, at the 15 seed, we have Legend, 16 seed Fountain Fort Carson, 17 seed Eagle Crest, 18 seed Pooter High School, 19 seed Chatfield, 20 seed Rocky Mountain High School, 21 seed Arvada West, 22 seed the Centennial League Cherokee Trail representation. The 23 seed is going to be the Mullen Mustangs. And at the 24 seed, with the last spot in the postseason, is going to be the Doherty Spartans. Now let's go ahead and jump into my bracket here. In the first game, we have Eagle Crest and Fountain Fort Carson. And I'm actually going to lean towards Fountain Fort Carson here. Eagle Crest, look, they are seven and three, but anytime they have played another playoff team outside of Rocky Mountain and Cherokee Trail, they have not fared super well here. I'm looking at this game against Grandview that I was actually able to attend where they lost 34 to 23, but it felt a lot more convincing than that. They lost to Cherry Creek 42 to seven, and they lost to Arapahoe just this most recent week, 38 to zero. And I think that the Fountain Fort Carson defense can be a little bit of a problem for this Nathan Schmidt led offense. 
for Thunder Ridge versus Doherty. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I have Thunder Ridge beating Doherty 35 to 9. Moving down, we have Legacy and Arvada West. I don't think this one will be particularly close either. Legacy, after dropping the first two, have looked very impressive so far this season, and I have them favored to beat Arvada West 42 to 24. Mountain Vista versus Rocky Mountain. I think that this is another parody here um, in talent. Mountain Vista, I think, wins this one 44 to 16. Uh, Rocky Mountain just hasn't shown me enough to be more convinced of their ability to compete, especially because, I mean, looking at their schedule at 5-5, five and five, I think they've only beaten losing teams. I mean, they have a three-point win over Cherokee Trail in Week 2, but other than that, yeah, they've only beat losing teams, so I don't think that they'll stand much of a chance here against Mountain Vista. Moving forward, Fairview versus Chatfield. Pretty sure I'm going to be at this game, actually. I'm very excited for this game. I've not gotten a chance to see either of these teams play yet this season, so I'm just waiting for it to be announced. But I have Fairview barely beating Chatfield here. Fairview with only one loss on the season to a very solid Valor squad, and they've pulled out some pretty close wins here, so I think that they have a lot of grit. I think that their defense is way better than it was last year, and I think that's going to help them pull out a very close win over Chatfield here. I think Chatfield first season in 5A, making the playoffs at 4-6, and a lot to be happy about, but haven't really beat teams that are super good outside of a 4A squad in Dakota Ridge. So I have Fairview winning this 22-19. to a close game, but I think one that Fairview should win. And then in the first round here, I have Rock Canyon beating Cherokee Trail 29 to 19 here. Rock Canyon, I think that they just got dealt a bad set of cards to close the season out, but I don't think that they are actually as bad as that schedule shows. And I do think that they should win pretty solidly against a Cherokee Trail squad uh, through, you know, just strong defense and running the football. Now, advancing to the 10 and 23 game, Fossil Ridge versus Mullen. Mullen is very lucky to have gotten in the playoffs in the first place, in my opinion. I don't think this is going to be particularly close. I have Fossil Ridge currently favored 56-16 over this Mullen squad. And then in the first round, Legend very much over exceeding expectations here. They are 6-4 and four and will be facing off against Pooter here. I think that this is a game that Legend should win. I have them currently favored 36-18 over this Pooter squad. Now... In the second round here, I have Cherry Creek and Fountain Fort Carson, Thunder Ridge and Arapaho, Pine Creek Legacy, Mountain Vista Grandview, Ralston Valley, Fairview, Rock Canyon Columbine, Regis Jesuit, Fossil Ridge, and then Legend and Valor Christian. So let's go ahead and bounce back from the bottom to the top. Valor Christian, I really like the balance that they've developed on offense. I really like how many players are making plays for this team on both offense and defense. Looking at Jake Creekler and Trey Stott in particular, I think that they take care of business here and win this one 42-20. Regis Jesuit versus Fossil Ridge. Look, if this turns into a shootout, it favors Fossil Ridge a lot more. This game is a lot closer than I think people realize but I'm going to err on the side of experience here with Regis Jesuit, this squad that has been in this position before, and I'm going to have them beating Fossil Ridge 27 to 21, but they are very big play reliant here. So if Fossil Ridge can, I think if Fossil Ridge scores four touchdowns, they probably win this game. Honestly, I really do. Um, and that's why I have the score at 27 to 21. I think that this Regis Jesuit front line is very destructive, and I think that's going to throw Fossil Ridge for a loop here. But, um, you know, Fossil Ridge here, they should be, everyone should keep a slight eye on them with the explosiveness that they've been able to show and the ability to just score in droves. 
Columbine versus Rock Canyon. Both these teams are built very similarly, in my opinion. Uh, both run the ball, run, 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 and then they play tough defense. But I think that Columbine is just like the 2.0 of Rock Canyon here. So I have them beating Rock Canyon 28 to 10. Now, Ralston Valley versus Fairview. I think that Fairview turns the ball over way too much through the air to compete with Ralston Valley. So I actually have Ralston Valley favored in this game 42 to 26. That's, and, and that's that. Um, moving up to the top half of the bracket, Grandview and Mountain Vista. I think this is actually going to be one of the closest games in this round here. Mountain Vista has played teams very tough. Remember, they were leading against Valor with, you know, about four minutes left in the game. They were beating Valor by a single point. They forced Thunder Ridge to double overtime, and their only other loss was on a, or their only other loss on the season was to a solid legacy squad. That's the difference between the 12 and 13 seed. I think that they're even more improved from that point, and Mountain Vista is the type of team that could upset basically anyone in this tournament that I think is not named Cherry Creek. Um, so they'll be a tough draw for anyone. Grandview, I think that they're going to hold on here 28 to 27, but they got to be on their toes because this Mountain Vista squad can just pop off for 40 points. I mean, shoot, they, uh, they average 37.2 points per game. And, uh, you know, luckily for Grandview, Mountain Vista defense isn't super lethal. So I think Grandview will be able to move the ball and control the clock. But this Vista squad has proven that they can score very quickly. So the Wolves have got to be on the lookout, but they should advance from that round. Now, Pine Creek and Legacy. I actually think this is a really intriguing game here. Pine Creek, they have put together a very solid season in their first year in 5A. I think that that is worth noting. Now, while the you know, legacy squad has overachieved by quite a bit. I think that Pine Creek lived up to expectations. They've done their due diligence against good teams. They finished eight and two. Their only losses being to Valor and Regis Jesuit. And both of those just look like a failure to launch on offense. I don't think that the legacy defense is good enough to keep the Pine Creek offense at that level. And then, you know, they just play ball control. And I think that legacy is just a little too big play reliant to pull this one out. So I have Pine Creek favored currently 21 to 13, but that is a one score game. So keep an eye out for that. And speaking of one score games, Thunder Ridge and Arapahoe, this is a rematch of last year. And, you know, we got two pretty interesting games here. I think whoever's under center will determine this game. But, uh, you know, neither offense looking super flashy this year. Arapahoe pretty reliant on a couple of guys. Thunder Ridge has, I think, better athletes on offense, but they have less disciplined players on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it will be a close game. Both of these defenses know how to play, but I do think that Thunder Ridge pulls off the upset 17-14 to against Arapahoe and shows why they went 9-1 and and that they can win close games. The last game here, not so close. I have Cherry Creek blowing Fountain Fort Carson out of the water 49-0. I would be surprised if Fountain Fort Carson scores with the mistakes that they make. And so in my Elite Eight, I have Cherry Creek, Thunder Ridge, Pine Creek, Grandview, Ralston Valley, Columbine, Regis Jesuit, and Valor Christian. We have some juicy rematches in here, specifically on the bottom side of the bracket here. Ralston Valley and Columbine in that league game. Ralston Valley scored with under two minutes to go to take the lead once and for all in that game. Columbine is going to be licking their chops for a chance to win this game. But I do think that Ralston Valley is just a little bit more balanced here. 
and I think that, you know, balance will carry them to a very narrow margin of victory here. 19 to 16. I like Ralston Valley's odds of winning this game. They are extremely battle-tested, maybe the most battle-tested team in the entire state. So, you know, I think uh, Ralston Valley wins this one here. Wouldn't be surprised if Columbine does win this. It really could go either way, um, but I currently have Ralston Valley. Now, in this uh, rematch between Regis Jesuit and Valor Christian, so in the previous rematch, I said Ralston Valley will repeat their success here. Uh, Columbine is a team that lost to the same team twice last year. So, you know, that's within the cards. However, I do think that this Valor Christian offense is very different than the one that Regis Jesuit saw at the beginning of the season. Regis here just showing me a little, I don't know, I'm just a little worried about this Regis squad at 6-4. and four. Their strength of schedule definitely landed them at this 7 seed, but against top teams they have struggled to finish here i'm looking at rouson valley i'm looking at cherry creek their only time that i think that they did finish against the top team was in that valor christian game that did take them until overtime i think that this valor christian offense is significantly improved i think that the coaching staff knows what they're working with and i think that this game will be very different valor christian beats regis jesuit in this playoff game 28 to 16. now in the top half of the bracket Pine Creek and Grandview is going to be a very interesting game. One that I think Pine Creek could win. However, I will point out that this Pine Creek quarterback, Cam Cooper, now he's, you know, he's young, he's a sophomore, and that's cool and all. But when he has been challenged this season or in games that he has struggled in, you know, this Pine Creek team, when they need to get a little bit more on offense, they have struggled a little bit, and I think that a Grandview defense is not favorable for Cam Cooper here. You look at some of their losses, like against Valor, he went 13 of 25, 121 yards, and a pick. You look at their narrow win over Found Fort Carson, 5 of 9, 68 yards, and a pick. You look at their loss to Regis, 15 of 28, 133 yards, and three interceptions. No touchdowns in any of those games. He either throws touchdowns or he throws interceptions. That's literally how every game has gone. This Grandview defense is very disciplined. Their linebackers are fantastic. Their secondary is also very, very good. I'm thinking about Grayson, you know, in that back end, being able to bait Cam Cooper. And I think that that's going to be the difference in this game. Grandview, I think, wins this one 27 to 21. They could win by more if Pine Creek makes some more mistakes. But I do think that Pine Creek will be able to run the ball somewhat effectively against this Grandview team. And maybe Mason Miller and Jonathan Core could carry them to a victory. But I think that Grandview's uh, balanced approach is going to be a little bit too much. Now, Cherry Creek against Thunder Ridge. I got Cherry Creek uh, winning pretty big here. Thunder Ridge's inconsistencies on offense uh, just worry me against this Creek defense. I have Creek currently favored 35 to 13, which gives us a final four of the one, two, three, and four seeds. There is a huge parity problem in 5A. Now, you could see a six seed like Columbine sneak in. You could see a five seed like Pine Creek sneak in. But I think with Cherry Creek, you're not going to see a 17, 16, 9, 24, or 8 seed make it. And um, yeah, I think that with Valor in the bottom, you're not going to see a 7 through, you know, 23 seed make it. So there's that um, in these games here. So both of these will also be rematches. Cherry Creek versus Grandview. Grandview actually beat Cherry Creek for the Centennial League Championship. Shout out to the Wolves here. But I do think that Cherry Creek gets them in the rematch here. I think that they'll just be a little bit sharper and I think that they'll there'll be a lot more points. I, I see Cherry Creek winning this one 35 to 28. Cherry Creek at this point in the playoffs for me averaging basically 40 points a game. Um, 
and his Grandview team. Look, I think that they had that one victory in them, but uh, I don't see Creek losing to the same team twice this season. And speaking of losing to the same team twice, I don't see Ralston Valley doing that against Valor Christian. The last time these two squads played, it was an instant classic. And both of these teams, you know, iron sharpens iron. And both of these are, you know, basically katanas of football programs here. Valor obviously having an 8-2 and two record here. The last time they played, they beat Ralston Valley 27-23. And, Ral and Valor Christian is way more battle-tested this year. I think that they have been in years past. But the exact same can be said for Ralston Valley. I have a lot of faith in Jared Yanacito as the coach. And I just think that this is going to be... This is a team that you want um, heading into the postseason. Both these squads, 8-2, and two, but I think Rouse and Valley wins this one almost by the same score. I could see 27-23 being the final score, but I have Rouse and Valley winning by a single point over Valor Christian, 27-26. to 26. Would not be surprised if Valor Christian ends up in the championship game for the nth year in a row or whatever. Um, but I do think that Yanisito could be the guy to get this Mustangs team at least over the hump and have a championship appearance, something that was not done by the former coach and uh, their inability to adapt. But that lands us in the 5A state championship game, Cherry Creek versus Rouston Valley. If that sounds familiar, it was the first game of, you know, 5A heavyweights and one that we looked forward to, one that we knew was going to be a classic. Cherry Creek won that one 35 to 21. Both of these teams are significantly better from that point but these teams are a lot more confident from that point so i think it will be a closer game but i do think cherry creek will go on to win their third title in a row on the 5a level cherry creek i have winning against ralston valley the one in three seed 21 to 14 so your cherry creek bruins will be my 5a state champions now let's go ahead and pass it over to Gideon and Simon and see what their insights and maybe differences of opinions are throughout these rounds. All right, so now we're going to have the 5A playoffs. 24 good teams. Um, I'm going to start from the top right of the bracket this time. And I'm going to start with two teams that I'm pretty familiar with. I've seen Pooter play three times this year, Fossil Ridge play twice. Um, okay. So I'm going to start with Legend versus Pooter. Pooter, I know pretty well. Let's look at Legend. Legend, 6-4, and 3-2 and two in their league. Uh, beat Vista Ridge, 47-43. Beat Pomona. Castleview, closer than you'd like. Uh, Ponderosa lost 20.14. Uh, lost to Legacy. Uh, lost to Pine Creek. Lost to Regis. Beat Douglas County. Okay. Well, that's tough. Okay. Oh, so, I know that Pooter, two nights ago now, did not play to their full potential. Uh, their tight end, Logan Carell, was out. I could see this going either way. Um, hmm. I'm going to give the slight edge to... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give the slight edge to Pooter. Very slight. Um, I could see Legend winning. Legend people, I know you don't like us, but I can see Legend winning. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the slightest of edges to Pooter. Then we're going to have Mullen versus Fossil. Fossil, they got back Tyler Kubat. 
Uh, they looked absolutely unstoppable. They have quite possibly the best kicker in the state in Brightless Olsen. Uh, looking at Mullen's schedule, uh, lost Columbine, Erie, and Santa Margarita. Don't know how good Santa Margarita is. They're from uh, they're from California. Lost Pine Creek. Uh, lost to Legacy. Beat Prairie View and Range View to end the season. Y yeah, no, I'm gonna give this to Fossil. Just straight up. Should, shouldn't be close. If it's close, then somebody got hurt for Fossil. Okay, now we move on to Rock Canyon versus Cherokee Trail. I'm going to go with Rock Canyon here. Um, yeah, just looking at some of the stats here. Uh, Rock Canyon is a pretty run-heavy team. Uh, solid defensively with over 500 tackles on the season. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they've got, okay, yeah, they've got 25 sacks this year, and on and they have eight interceptions. Meanwhile, when we're looking at Cherokee Trail, they're very pass-heavy. Um, now, they do have 906 rushing yards to a little over 1,200 passing yards, but, yeah, so, they're, the quarterback Elliot Ming he has yeah he has 1072 yards uh, passing yards on the season he's going to be dealing with some heavy anti-aircraft weaponry um looking at the schedule yeah no lost to Rocky Mountain which yeah no that's not a good loss lost to Columbine lost to Cherry Creek no no shame in that lost the only team in their league that they beat is Smoky Hill and Smoky Hill is 1-9. The Cherokee Trail barely slipped into the playoffs. I'm going to give this to Rocky Mountain. Next up, we have Chatfield versus Fairview. Fairview is a pretty good team. Uh, they beat... Yeah, so Fairview beat Pooter 31-33. They beat Fossil Ridge 42-26. Granted, first game back of Tyler Kubat. Beat Rocky Mountain 24-7. Beat Douglas County... Uh, lost to Valor Christian. That's the only team that they've lost to so far. They did cut it really close against Highlands Ranch, though. Uh, only one, only one score there. If they were 4A, they would have a bye. Um, meanwhile, we're looking at Chatfield, Cherokee Trail, lost. Florida team, Port St. Lucie lost, Cherry Creek lost, Thunder Ridge lost. I don't know how they forced the safety against Cherry Creek, but whatever. Beat Dakota Ridge, which is a good team. Uh, lost to Ralston Valley. Lost big to Columbine. Uh, I I'm going to say that this one uh, Fairview will take. Uh, th they've played better teams, and they've played against better teams, better than Chatfield has, and they've played better teams more recently that are, like, on Chatfield's level. Okay, next up we have the Legacy Lightning versus the Arvada West Wildcats. Um, Arvada West lost to Thunder Ridge to open the season. Had stretch in the middle of the season where they lost to Cherry Creek, Fossil, and Chatfield. Lost to Columbine, but ended... Oh, beat Pomona, which is good but ended up losing to Ralston Valley to close the season. They're 4-6. and six. Meanwhile, we've got Legacy 8-2, and two, but let's take a look at strength of schedule. 
Uh, why, why, are, why are Colorado schools playing so many Florida schools? Dang. Okay, so lost to Arapahoe 10 to 3. Lost to Lake Nona. Beat Rocky Mountain. Beat Mon Mountain Vista. Which. Okay, Mountain Vista was on top with that one. That one's going to influence my Rocky versus Mountain. Uh, beat Legend. Beat Rangeview. Beat Mullen. Uh, beat Brighton. So they started the season 0 2, but they've come back. I'm going to give this one to Legacy. Uh, just stronger team overall. Stronger team, played better teams, done better against those better teams. Yeah, that's how I feel about that. Then we have Mountain Vista versus Rocky Mountain. I'm just going to say Mountain Vista. Rocky Mountain, they do have Ethan Thomason and they do have a Chatilla. However, there's only so much that that can get you, especially in the playoffs. Uh, Mountain Vista, let's take a look at their stats here. They, they've got a 3,000-yard passer in uh, Mordzawiski. Excuse me if I said that wrong. They've got a bunch of guys who are averaging over three tackles a game. Uh, 66.5 per game is their average. They have 10 uh, no, they have 18 sacks on the season total. Uh, 13 hurries. Yeah, like only six interceptions, but they have 10 fumble recoveries, 16 pass deflections, nine caused fumbles, blocked two punts, and a blocked field goal. Long story short, Mountain Vista is darn good, and even though it, it looks like they have a much better rushing defense than they do a passing defense, which is very, very good, because Mount, Rocky Mountain only really runs the ball. Yeah, uh, Brooke uh, for Rocky Mountain, he only has about 210 yards. Uh, Gage Brooke, he only has like 210 yards on in passing. Uh, but Abe Chatilla has over 1,300 rushing yards. Uh, yeah, I just don't... There's only 100... There's only one 100-plus yard receiver for Rocky Mountain for the entire season. I do not see Rocky Mountain winning this game if they maintain that play style, and even if they do try to change the play style, it'll be too rapid of a shift for them to really be effective against Mountain Vista. Now we're going to look at Doherty versus Thunder Ridge. Thunder Ridge, they're the 9 seed, uh, beat Arvada West, Douglas County, Chatfield, Beat Mountain Vista 34-31 in double overtime. Uh, beat Castleview. Uh, lost to Valor Christian by two and beat Rock Canyon by three. That is a really good team. Doherty, on the other hand, lost 31 to 21 to Castleview. Lost to Mesa Ridge and Fountain Fort Carson, which are 4A. No, Mesa Ridge is 4A. Fountain Fort Carson is 5A, but they lost 51-0. Uh, Mountain Range. Denver. East, which, if I'm not mistaken, Denver East, yeah, oh, okay, Denver East is 5A, but, yeah, so, Westminster, they beat North Glen, beat, and they beat Overland, so they started the season off pretty bad, because Castleview is rough, um, but, I mean, they've done okay at the end of the season, just their league isn't too strong, so Westminster... Westminster, I think, only won two games this season. North Glen, not too many. Denver East, I think, is at 500. Overland is at 500. 
I'm going to give this to Thunder Ridge. It's going to be closer than the seating suggests. Probably either a field goal or a touchdown away. But not, not going to be... Yeah, Thunder Ridge is going to win. Next up, we have what seed-wise, at least, is going to be the closest game of the first round. We have Fountain Fort Carson versus Eagle Crest. Uh, both of these teams are 7-3. and three. Um, Fountain Fort Car... No, uh, Eagle Crest... Uh, beat Rocky Mountain, lost to Grandview, lost to Cherry Creek, and lost to Arapahoe. Okay. Um, Fountain Fort Carson, lost to Pine Creek, Legend, beat Red, beat Regis Jesuit. Okay, Fountain Fort Carson beat the 7 seed. Granted, Regis Jesuit may have been resting a couple of guys, but in football, momentum is a big thing. You feel good going into the next week. I see Fountain Fort Carson beating Eagle Crest here. It's probably going to be narrow, but yeah, Eagle Crest losing to Arapahoe, which I mean Arapahoe is good. Uh, they are they are a buy team. They're the eight seed, but yeah, no, I, I see the team that beat the seven seed beating the team that lost to the eight seed. Next, we have Cherry Creek uh, versus Fountain Fort Carson. If that is the case. Does Cherry Creek even need an introduction? They're nationally ranked. Um, I, yeah, no. They beat they beat Ralston, lost to St. Edward, which is another nationally ranked team out of Ohio, 13-9. Beat Regis, beat Chatfield, beat Cherokee Trail, beat Arapahoe, beat... Uh, no, lost to, lost to Grandview, but from what I've heard, one of their main pieces in... Uh, Brady Vodka, it, it's looking like he didn't play in the last half or last quarter. Either way, one of their best players was sitting. I'm just going to spoil this now. Cherry Creek's my pick for state. But Cherry Creek is going to handle Fountain Fort Carson very, very easily. Now, where this is going to get interesting is Thunder Ridge versus Arapahoe. Now, the Warriors are 6-4. and four. Uh... But a couple of their losses are pretty are, are close enough that you can say, okay, those are those are all right. Reach Jesuit lost to them, lost to Columbine, uh, lost to Rock Canyon. That was only that one was only by eleven. Lost to Cherry Creek again, whatever. Beat Eagle Crest. That was really strong for him. Beat Grandview. Beat Legacy to start out the season. So, they've done well enough against playoff teams. Beat Cherokee Trail 16-12. They've done well enough against playoff teams that they don't that they were able to snag that 8th spot. Thunder Ridge, though... I... Hmm. Yeah. Thunder Ridge beat Rock Canyon. Lost to Valor, but it was narrow. It was about... It was 12, but... Yeah, let's look at the box score for that one. Yeah, Valor scored two quick ones... Thunder Ridge looks like they had trouble with their offense, and especially in the second half, uh, allowed a allowed a safety, which five uh, A level not something you see very much. A, a lot of a lot of not many penalty yards by Thunder Ridge. Uh, long story short, this is a bit of a tangent, but long story short, I think that Thunder Ridge is going to have a chance against Arapahoe. Uh, this is closer to 50-50. I'm going to give it to Thunder. Now, next round, they're going to have to run into Cherry Creek, and I'll let you know what I think of that in a second. But, yeah, I think Thunder Ridge may have a chance to take that. 
Next up, we have Pine Creek versus Legacy. Pine Creek, pretty good team. Um, yeah, so looking at the schedule here, we have them beating Las Vegas. The entire city of Las Vegas. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they beat them 43-3. Uh, lost, to, lost to Valor. Beat Vista Ridge, only by 9, though. Uh, beat Mullen, Fountain Fort Carson, Regis. They lost to 2 by 11. Beat Legend. Beat Douglas. Uh, Douglas County, that is, and beat Chaparral to end the season. I mean, Legacy's no pushover. Uh, only lost to Arapahoe by a score. Uh, have gone undefeated since they lost to that Florida team. Um, and, I mean, if they do beat Arvada West, Arvada West will have been the strongest team that they have played all year. Um, well, not all year, but since Legend, which was September 29th. They'll be the strongest team since September. Yeah, I I see Pine Creek taking this one pretty easily. Not, not like, super easily, but easily. Uh, next up, we have Grandview versus Mountain Vista. Yeah, so Mountain Vista, as we previously covered, they're going to have to play Rocky Mountain. Lost to Valor Christian, but Valor is pretty good. I dare say they're a two seed. Uh, Grandview, on the other hand, their losses are to Ralston Valley, that one's by 12, and to Arapahoe. And they beat Cherry Creek. As previously stated, though, Cherry Creek was sitting uh, Vodka, but a, a win against Cherry Creek is a win against Cherry Creek. Like, that's about as good as you can hope for. Long story short, I do think that Grandview is going to pull this out. This is going to be another closer than the seating suggests game, but Grandview, I think, is going to take it. Alright, so next up, we're going to have Rock Canyon versus Columbine. So Columbine, they've been pretty strong this year. I watched them play at Fort Collins. That one, they won 48-7. Um, they beat Pomona. Lost to Ralston Valley only by three, though. Uh, beat Arvada West, beat Lakewood, beat Chatfield. Meanwhile, we have Rock Canyon, who has shown that they can get it done. Uh, Thunder Ridge they lost, but that one was only by three. Uh, beat Arapahoe and beat Highlands. So Arapahoe is the nine seed. Uh, Columbine is the six seed. Anything can happen. This one is going to be pretty close, I'm thinking. My problem with Columbine is that their offensive linemen, when I watched them play at Fort Collins, like five of them got hurt and were out for the game. That's at Fort Collins. Fort Collins was not a strong team this year. However, I do think that Columbine has some injury concerns. If any of their guys go down, I can see Rock Canyon winning. It just comes down to that if. I'm going to say a healthy Columbine beats Rock Canyon, but it's going to be close. Next up, we have Ralston Valley versus Fairview. Fairview, as previously stated, 9-1. and one. Only losses to Valor, but they don't have the strongest of schedules. Uh, Ralston Valley only lost Cherry Creek by 14. Beat Colonial from Orlando. Uh, beat Regis. Lost to Valor, but that that's only by 4, so another score would have had them in. Uh, beat Columbine, beat Chatfield, 
beat Arvada West. I I'm going to give this to Ralston. Th th there's not really much of, an much of an option there. Ralston is just really damn good. And uh, don't get me wrong, Fairview is too. But with the strength of Fairview's schedule and who they have to play first round, it it's not like they're playing a team that whose superstar is coming back. They're playing Chatfield, who is good. But yeah, no, Ralston Valley's going to beat them. Uh, so then we have Regis versus Fossil Ridge and Pooter versus Valor. Pooter, don't get me wrong, you guys are great. Once you guys have have Logan back, you'll be you'll be fine. But I do not see a world where you beat Valor Christian. Valor Christian, just uh, just to double check here, they are eight and two. The Eagles are perfect in their league. Only lost, only lost to Regis by six in OT. Lost to Liberty from Peoria, Arizona by forty-three, but they're in Arizona. Whooped Fairview thirty-eight to fifteen. When Pooter played Fairview, they lost by two. Yeah, I I do not. Even against like good teams like Thunder Ridge and Mountain Vista, Mountain Vista they beat. Uh, Valor beat by 14, and they beat Thunder Ridge by 12. So I see Valor winning there. The more interesting matchup of this portion of the bracket for me is Regis versus Fossil. Now, Regis Jesuit is 6-4, but they're still really good. They only lost to Oaks Christian from California by, by 6. They beat Valor by 4 in overtime, beat Arapaho. Lost to Ralston Valley only by one. Lost to Cherry Creek, but again, Cherry Creek. Uh, one against Douglas. But basically, they've, they went on a four-game win streak, lost to Fountain Fort Carson to end the season. Fossil Ridge, they're getting back their star quarterback, who is getting recruited by UNC and CSU. Uh, they just beat a really quality team in Pooter. I see Fossil Ridge getting the upset here. They've got a lot of strong pieces, and yeah, like, yeah, no, Fossil, I just see having the potential for the upset here. Back to the top of the bracket, Cherry Creek versus Thunder Ridge. Um, th th this one's going to shock you. No, it's Cherry Creek. Um, Pine Creek versus Grandview, that's where it gets interesting. I mean, Grandview, I mean, we're, we're getting to the point where a lot of these teams have played each other. But, yeah, so Pine Creek, yeah, they beat that Las Vegas team. Uh, yeah, but Pine Creek has had a solid season. Grandview has played a lot of good teams. They've got a, a lot of good teams in their league that they have to deal with. Plus, having to deal with Mountain Vista. I think Mountain Vista is a little bit better than Lexi. That's just me. I'm going to go with... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Grandview. Their, their strength of schedule is just stronger, and having to deal with Mountain Vista and their defense is going to be a lot. So I think they'll learn from that and move on to the final... Yeah, to the final four against Cherry Creek. Um, then we're going to have Ralston Valley versus Columbine. If Columbine didn't get hurt during the Rock Canyon game, if they didn't get beat up then, they're going to get beat up or versus Ralston Valley. I 
I see Ralston Valley pulling this one out. Not to say that it, it that it won't be close. I I do see Ralston Valley having it, like I, I do see it being within two scores, and like a couple of goal line stands, a few red zones. For, but yeah, no. Look, thinking about Columbine, they have a lot of good pieces. Do not mistake me, right now. I when I watch them play, they have an amazing core. Their running game is really good. Uh, I watched when uh, when Josh Snyder caught that touchdown, the rarest play in Colorado football. And their rushing game is really, really strong. They have 2,000-yard rushers for a reason in Taylor and Snyder. However, when we look at Ralston Valley, we look at their stats, defense. Yeah, so they're averaging 73 tackles a game. They're... They have 11 sacks on the season, 20 hurries, yeah, 23 interceptions from from Rios alone. Their their ground game is good though. Like, but they they've got a thousand. Well, probably by the end of the playoffs, thousand yard rusher in Benalo. Their air raid is really really good. Uh, 1,800 yards almost from Madden. Yeah, looking at Columbine, their defense, um, down to their interceptions. I mean, they have nine interceptions, two pass deflections on the year. Uh, eight fumble recoveries, yes, but... And they do average 49 tackles a game, but yeah, no, I, I just... Columbine would have to make it through the first round of play for them unscathed and play a perfect game, and I do not see that happening. Finally, Fossil versus Valor. This is where I see Fossil's run ending. Uh, Elite Eight, especially for that team, I think is best case scenario, because you have to deal with Valor, and even if you beat Valor, you're going to have to make it past Ralston or Columbine, and having seen Columbine play and thinking that Ralston is better than that, I don't think Fossil stands much of a chance. Um, in, in my recap earlier, I did include a couple of quotes about them knowing about precision and practice, but they, they would have to play a number of perfect games, no fumbles, no interceptions, like get like recover five fumbles and get like a pick six or two to beat each of the to to beat Valor and then to beat Ralston. I'm not sure I see that happening for Fossil, so I'm gonna go with Valor. So back to the top of the bracket, Cherry Creek over Grandview. It's Cherry Creek. Um, Cherry Creek's my pick for state. They only lost to Grandview by three because they were sitting, like, one of their main pieces. Yeah, no, they're nationally ranked. Um, Ralston Valley versus Valor, that's going to be a lot more interesting. It, it kind of sucks. Like, I'm sure that for the people at Valor, it's cool. But for everyone else, we're just like, come on, let's get another two teams in the championship. And I think that, that Ralston is going to have a good shot at that. Ralston Valley, they they lost to Valor Christian on September 23rd. 
That was only by four, though. Um, I think that Ralston Valley is going to have learned from their mistakes. Uh, looking at their stats here, uh, we go over to their defensive statistics. Yeah, so we have we have Ralston Valley averaging 73 tackles a game, and, 11, and they have 11 sacks. Again, great. Um, 10 interceptions. And, I mean, Fowler doesn't throw the ball much. That their, their most receiving yards per game average is from uh, Jake Dragu, and he's averaging 25 receiving yards a game. I, I dare say that's not going to be... They aren't going to throw it much. They're not going to let Ralston get it much. However, yeah, I know. I, I, I think Ralston will learn from their mistakes. So ultimately, that gives us a championship matchup of Cherry Creek and Ralston Valley. I think Cherry Creek's going to win that one. I mean, R Ralston Valley, they are good. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, when they played Cherry Creek, they lost by 14, which, I mean, in terms of like playing Cherry Creek, that is really, really good. Like, that is... Outside of their losses, that is the closest that a game has been for them all year. Is yeah, so their loss against Grandview, where one of their best players didn't play, and their loss against St. Edward, Edward Ralston Valley is the closest a game of theirs has been. But it's going to be closer. It's probably going to be like one, maybe two scores, but Cherry Creek wins. So, those are my 1 through 5A, Sans 3A, because they still have to play this week, uh, playoff predictions. I know this ran a little bit long, but I hope that y'all have a good day, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, what's good, y'all? It's Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and I got my last playoff preview here. Uh, my 5A 2022 Colorado High School football playoff preview. Uh, same as all the other ones, going to go ahead and talk through my entire bracket, which you can find on Instagram, Twitter, at Playmakers Corner, or you can just follow on Max Preps and see my thought process there with these matchups. But I'm going to go through the entire bracket. You know, I do have predicted scores for this, and then I'm going to go back and talk about all the first-round matchups because we will be predicting every week of the playoffs as they happen, and so I do want to focus on the first round specifically. But let's go ahead and hop into it. Alright, so here in the first round, Cherry Creek obviously has the one seed. They will play the winner of Eagle Crest versus Fountain Fort Carson here. Uh, this will be a pretty close game here, but I'm going to give the game to Fountain Fort Carson. I have them winning 24-18 to in a close one. Moving on into the next round, I'll talk about this matchup a little bit more later. Then we have Thunder Ridge versus Doherty. The winner will play number 8 Arapaho, who eventually did get that first round bye over Thunder Ridge. Um, in my opinion, Thunder Ridge should beat Doherty here, whether their offense is clicking or not. I just think they're the better team overall. Talk about this matchup later, though. Uh, then, on the uh, moving on here, we have Legacy versus Arvada West. The winner plays Pine Creek, who has a bye here. I have Legacy beating Arvada West. Arvada West did make the playoffs, but Legacy, they've kind of been on a roll here, and so I have them beating them 35-17 to here. If Arvada West offense is clicking and they're mistake-free, we'll see. 
Um, but moving on, Mountain Vista versus Rocky Mountain. They'll play uh, the winner of this one plays Grandview, who is the number four seed. Rocky Mountain should not be able to be Mountain Vista. I think this Mountain Vista offense, they have one of the best offenses in the entire state. And so I think that'll be enough to get them out the first round pretty easily here. Now on the other side, we have Chatfield versus Fairview. This will be an excellent game here. Uh, the winner plays Ralston Valley, who has the bye here. I am going to give this one to Fairview here. I think they're going to win 28-21 to in a close one. Chatfield here. They're not going to go down easily, but, you know, Fairview, I think they have been winning a lot. They have a bit more confidence. Chatfield kind of just got whooped on by Columbine. That's not the greatest, and so we'll see what their mentality is going into this one here by Fairview moving on. Um, then we have Rock Canyon versus Cherokee Trail. Rock Canyon should win, so I have them winning 35-0 to to go ahead and play Columbine, who does have the first round by here, and so Rock Canyon does beat Cherokee Trail. All right, now the last two playoff matchups uh, in the first round, Mullen versus Fossil Ridge. Fossil Ridge, I think, can beat Mullen, and I have them beating Mullen and moving on to the next round to play Reach's Jesuit, who has the bye. The last but not least, we have Legend versus Pooter here. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this matchup in depth here because I think there is some nuance to this, but uh, Legend, I have them beating Pooter 35-14 and moving on to play Valor Christian, who does have the bye. Now here in the second round, let's start back at the top. Cherry Creek, they play Fountain for Carson. Cherry Creek should be Fountain for Carson. I have them moving on to the next round and uh, beating them 42-17. to Then we got number 9, Thunder Ridge versus number 8, Arapahoe. This game really could go either way, but I'm going to stand on this. I don't trust Cooper Keir starting at quarterback for Thunder Ridge. And so I have Arapahoe beating Thunder Ridge 21-14 to in a close one. This defense will keep it close. They might even score as well. But I'm just not confident in Cooper Keir here. And I have Arapahoe beating Thunder Ridge regardless and moving on to the next round to play Cherry Creek. Moving on though, we have Pine Creek versus Legacy. I don't think Legacy could beat Pine Creek. I think Pine Creek, they run the ball well. They play physical football. They play good defense. They move on to the next round, um, winning 28-7. Then we have Grandview versus Mountain Vista. Grandview, they did upset Cherry Creek. But hey, man, I see the TikToks, and I know everyone in the entire state sees the TikToks, and I think everyone can I think everyone in general, whether it's media that I've talked to, other media, uh, other players I've also talked to, kind of feel like Grandview is a little bit too high on their horse, and any team would love to beat him kind of at this point, you know, and that's kind of fuel that Grandview added to the opposing fire. Now, this Grandview team I was about to say offense, defense. I think in general, this Grandview team is really talented. There's no surprises that they beat Cherry Creek. There really isn't, you know. But it kind of felt like they were a little bit more surprised than they should have been. Regardless, they're going to play a Mountain Vista team that has a talented offense. They're not the team you played last year. So, with that being said, I still have Grandview winning and moving on 31-28. to But this Mountain Vista team is going to throw everything at you 
And so you're going to have to be ready to respond here. And I think talent-wise, Grandview is much more talented. Uh, well, maybe not much more talented, but they have more talent all around. I think that's more of a fair thing to say, which, you know, you could guess what you want from there. But I think Grandview, regardless, beats Mountain Vista. We'll see how it's done, but Mountain Vista is not going to go down without swinging at you, and they're going to swing at you. So there you go. Moving on, we have Ralston Valley versus Fairview. I think Ralston Valley is just a better team here um, with a better coach that is, like, not a better coach than Fairview, but a better coach compared to last year who is just going to get more out of Ralston Valley. And so I think Ralston Valley wins this one. Fairview is not going to go down without a fight, but I think Ralston Valley wins 28-17 to to move on to the next round of the playoffs. Alright, and then we got Columbine versus Rock Canyon. Both of them basically do the same thing. I just think Columbine does it better, in my opinion. They just have bigger football players up front, a better line, better uh, front seven. And hopefully with a bye, they're healthy because I know they've kind of been struggling with some injuries. Not that it has affected how much they've won by, um, but definitely some injuries on the front seven. That front seven cannot get hurt. If they get hurt, then we'll see what happens, you know. But I think Columbine is just going to do it better than Rock Canyon, even though they have similar offensive styles, and they win 35-14 to 14 to move on to the next round. So there you go. Then we got Regis Jesuit versus Foster Ridge. Uh, Regis, I think, just altogether, has a little bit more talent on both sides of the football. Foster Ridge, they have a lot of talent on offense. Defensively, there is a little bit more to be desired, in my opinion. And so I think Regis beats them 28-7 to 7 to move on to the next round. Then we got Legend versus Valor Christian here. I have Valor beating them 35 to 10. Uh, Legend here, they have a great stable of backs, but I don't know what is up with their senior quarterback, John Brookhart, who has been playing a great season, but he has not played the last couple games. If he's available for this game, then maybe it's a closer one, and actually maybe Legend wins this one, but they're starting a sophomore in a fairly, and he hasn't been bad, but also throwing him into the fire against Valor Christian in the playoffs isn't the best scenario for him. And so I have Valor beating them uh, and moving on to the next round. So there you go. All right, next round here, Cherry Creek versus Rappo. Cherry Creek should beat a Rappo. Shouldn't be any surprises here. Then we got Pine Creek versus Grandview. This will be a really fun matchup if it does happen and is down in the Springs. I will probably attend this one uh, in person, and so we'll see. But Pine Creek, I think, can beat a uh not a rapo can beat grandview here but they're gonna have to battle both teams are gonna battle it's gonna probably come down to which quarterback plays better here may not even have the best stats but which quarterback is more efficient which quarterback you know makes uh, more plays on third and fourth down which quarterback has less turnovers uh, because I think both teams are going to match up really well with each other. And so there's going to be some matchups that are just going to go back and forth. But I'm going to keep an eye on this quarterback matchup. But for now, I'm going to give Pine Creek the dub here. We'll see. You know, but I'll give Pine Creek the dub here. Uh, winning 21-17. to This one could definitely go either way. Wouldn't be surprised if Grandview wins. Uh, but whatever. There you go there. Um, moving on though, Ralston Valley versus Columbine. Ralston Valley beat Columbine last time. I don't think Columbine's going to let that happen again. I think they're going to play better defense. And it's not going to be the prettiest thing, but they're going to win 21-14 to to move on to the final four here. Um, 
Another game that could go either way. I could see Ralston playing, but Columbine, I mean, they're going to want revenge here, and they play a tough brand of football. I think that brand is enough to get them through, along with, you know, their talented players, obviously. All right, then the last matchup here in the Elite Eight, Regis Jesuit versus Valor Christian. <sighs> Regis, they upset Valor at the beginning of the season. I don't think that's going to happen this time. Valor, they're going to take away the mistakes. Can't have them, you know. They're going to take away the mistakes. They'll go play their football. And I think they're going to just barely beat Regis here, but beat them 28-20 to to move on to the uh, Final Four here. All right, now in the Final Four, Cherry Creek versus Pine Creek. I think Cherry Creek beats Pine Creek here 28-17, to and they move on to State here. I, I think Pine Creek, they're a talented team, but they're a little bit green here. If it's Grandview that is here, then maybe that could be a little bit more different as I think Grandview isn't as green as Pine Creek in my opinion. Uh, but like I said, I have Pine Creek moving on and uh, I have Cherry Creek moving on to State to potentially win another one. And then we got Columbine versus Valor Christian. I really don't think Valor can beat Columbine. I think Columbine is just bigger up front. They're a little bit more physical and whatnot. They're going to slow down the game. They're not going to allow as many big gains. And they're not going to really pass it, but they're going to pound you on the ground. And they're going to force you to match their intensity. And because of that, I think Columbine, they know who they are. They know what they could do. They're going to win this one and go to state here uh, against Cherry Creek here. And so Cherry Creek versus Columbine. I think Cherry Creek wins 28-10 to at State over Columbine. And that's just because I think they could pass it better. You know, obviously, Columbine, they have some good uh, defensive players and all, all that stuff. They're going to do their thing. But I am concerned about how this offense is going to fare against a Cherry Creek front seven that is all D1, if you look at it from up and down. You know, they're all D1. And so if Columbine can't throw it at all, I mean, Cherry Creek will love that. They're just going to stack the box, and they're going to play you as is. But Cherry Creek, I think this passing game can pass a little bit over uh, against Columbine. And so that might be a lot to ask out of Brady Vodica, but he does have Ishmael Cece, who's going to have to make plays in this one. And so we'll see what happens, but I do have Cherry Creek winning another state championship. Anyways, let's go ahead and back go back and talk about the first round here, some of these matchups. Eagle Crest versus Fountain Fort Carson. I think this will be kind of a close one. Uh, Fountain Fort Carson will play them at home. I may or may not go to this game. We'll see what happens, you know, but uh, really could go either way here. But I like this Fountain Fort Carson defense, Ty Fave and all of them. I think they could really limit Eagle Crest here. And so if they could get to the quarterback and, you know, cause some troubles for him, I think they could win this one. But really, this is a game that could go either way, in my opinion. But Fountain for Carson, I assume, will be at home. So um, that might be some trouble for Eagle Crest playing away. Like I said, it will be a close game. So there you go there. Uh, I'm looking at Diego Kearns. You know, we'll see how many yards he could run on this Fountain for Carson defense. But I'm sure Fountain for Carson, they're going to key in on him. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. You know, but I'm also looking at Tavion Tooley for Fountain for Carson. Hey, you got to step up in this game. Can't have turnovers. You got to lead your team. It, even if it's not, you know, the best looking game, you got to find a way to win when it matters. And so that's why I trust Fountain for Carson to win at home. Uh, Thunder Ridge, Doherty. 
Doherty, they won their league. I mean, they have an elite wide receiver in Solomon Latimer, who I'm sure they're going to key in on. Uh, but they also have a solid running back and quarterback. Even then, I think this Thunder Ridge defense is good enough to beat Doherty. You know, I think they pulled a pretty favorable matchup here. And so they're going to go ahead and beat him. Uh, maybe not 40-14 to 14, like I said, but we'll see what this offense does here. Like I said, I really want to see DJ Bordeaux get in instead of Cooper Kier. I just think he gives them a better chance of winning at this point. Uh, at least from what I've seen, you know, late in the season and whatnot. I just don't know what they could do here. For Doherty to win, I mean, their defense has to play well. And their offense has to score off of turnovers, but I don't know if they could do that. So we'll just see what happens. Uh, on top of that, Thunder Ridge has just played a tougher schedule, so there you go. Arvada West versus Legacy. The only way Arvada West, Arvada West wins this game is if their offense is popping off and playing mistake-free here, whether it's drops or overthrows or turnovers, all that stuff. But I think Legacy, they know who they are. They have a great identity. They should win this one pretty easily here. Arvada West, you know, they've done enough to make the playoffs here, but they've had some mistakes in some key games where, you know, kind of hurt them. And so uh, we'll see about that moving forward. And this is a senior heavy group too, so I, I just don't know. Now, Mountain Vista versus Rocky Mountain. I really don't think Rocky Mountain could beat Mountain Vista. I just think Mountain Vista, they have a lot of offensive firepower. If they're clicking and not turning over, turning over the ball, which they really shouldn't, because even though they're a young team, they have playoff experience, then they should move on to the next round of the playoffs. You know, They have too much firepower not to, so there you go. Now, Chatfield versus Fairview. I think this will be a very competitive game as well. Uh, Fairview will be at home, and so I'm going to take that into account. On top of that, you know, Fairview, um, they haven't had as much of an up-and-down season as Chatfield has kind of had. And so, you know, I think Fairview, they're just a little bit more steady, and so they should win this one. But Chatfield's not going to go down without a fight, you know. And so we'll see. There is a scenario where Chatfield wins, and I would not be surprised. Now, Rock Canyon versus Cherokee Trail, I I just don't see Cherokee Trail beating them. I'm just going to be honest with you. They should not beat them. And so I have Rock Canyon winning big in that one. So there you go. Moving on, Mullen versus Foster Ridge. Foster Ridge, I mean, they have a talented offense. I think that's going to be enough to go up against Mullen, which has kind of struggled uh, this year. They, I mean, I don't exactly know know what their identity is i know their offensive line isn't really good and whatnot which should make this game a little bit more competitive and whatnot but uh they'll probably be able to score a couple points i still think this fossil ridge offense will be too much for mullen though and then last but not least we got legend versus pooter uh it's concerning that john brookhart has not played the last couple games now if he plays in this game i would feel better about it but if they start the sophomore and he is not ready and he makes some bad uh, decisions, which I wouldn't really blame on him. He's just a little bit too green and he hasn't been playing all season. Then there is a scenario where Pooter can win if Jordan Neeson goes crazy. And Jordan Neeson, he's an elite athlete. You got to... You got to key in on him. If you can't, if you let him make big plays after big plays because he does play both sides, then he can beat you and that could be a problem also you have Colton Mills younger for Pooter who is a big boy who's going to make some plays as well and so there's a scenario where Legend loses to Pooter here if John Brookhart doesn't play but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that this backfield will be enough to beat Pooter so there you go but regardless that's my 5A 
2022 Colorado High School Football Playoffs preview. Like I said, we'll be making predictions every week, but uh, there you go there. Woo! And that is everyone's playoff preview and predictions for 1, 2, 4, and 5A. As Coach V said, we will be revisiting these every week to try and make predictions round by round um, in case any games don't go our way. But, you know, I'd love to go perfect in my bracket. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll keep up with the uh, points and standings on our brackets and whatnot and update you guys on that. Obviously, any brackets that you want to fill out, go ahead and send them in. And we could probably repost them on our story. Just go ahead and tag us and anything like that. But, uh, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of smack talk towards us based off of predictions that we get wrong. But, you know, unless you win state, I really don't want to hear it. Like, prove us wrong all the way until state, and then I'll hear you out. But if you don't win state, mm, th this ain't this conversation ain't for you. And you know, if you do win state and we didn't predict you winning state, we probably said that you had a good chance to be there. So we've been watching football all year. We've watched football these past few years. The playoffs do get crazy. There are upsets. There are comebacks. There are epic stories to be told. And we will tell them on every weekly recap. So stay tuned for those. All right. We got those recaps coming for you every Tuesday. All the same. This time it'll just be playoffs. We'll have 3A next week to talk about. So go ahead and stay tuned for all of that as well. And then on Fridays, we actually are doing our end of the year awards. So make sure to stay tuned on Twitter. We have 2A awards coming out on Friday on our Twitter polls. Go ahead and vote on those. And then this Friday, we are announcing the winners of our 1A awards that included votes from you, the fans, on Twitter. So go ahead and give your fan vote here and see, try and get your players to uh, to win the Playmaker Awards here. We have a few of them. We have Defensive Playmaker of the Year. We have Offensive Playmaker of the Year. We have Newcomer of the Year, which is for any freshman talents on that level. And then we also have Most Valuable Playmaker so go ahead and stay tuned for all of those on Friday when we are talking 1A. And then we're also going to do all playmaker teams for each classification of football as well. Those will be coming out every single Friday. So just stay tuned for all of those. And I have been your host, Cody Stoffer. Please make sure to find us on social media, on those Twitter polls, at Playmaker Corner. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, Playmakers Corner. We're on TikTok where we where we are posting highlights of each game that we go to. And so we'll be having playoff highlights. Definitely want to tune in to those for sure. So go ahead and tune into all that. Uh, Playmakers Corner on TikTok as well. We also have stuff on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube Playmakers Corner on YouTube. And if you're listening to us, you might be listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor. Go ahead and follow or subscribe or like any of those so you get notifications for our latest episode releases that are going to be primarily on Tuesdays and Fridays. And stay tuned because, you know, end of the year awards is around the corner, and so is top five senior playmakers per position, all right, where we do film breakdowns, we grade these guys using rubrics that we have crafted very meticulously, and so from there, you know, we will be rolling out that content, and that'll be very exciting. But... Thank you all so much for tuning in to this long episode. Go ahead and use the timestamps. They'll help guide you through this. But, you know, it's playoffs, baby. So let's get into it. Cody Stoffer signing off.